We dumped some of their kind here. What? The joints. They left the weight outside. We don't want them. Welcome to the Vintage Rebellion podcast. It's February. I'm Stuart Skinner. This is episode 57. Rebellions are built on cope. And as always, I am joined by Kanji Club. Uh, we have a Geordie teacher, an R5-D4 focus collector, a loose completist, including modern, a member of Fanfatracks, and a man who likes to wear short shorts. It is Dixie Cup Hutchinson. Good evening, Rich. Evening, guys. Uh, next, we have our sailor a Luke X-Wing focus collector who loves all things Star Wars. Some would call him a Rebel Transport superfan. He's chiselled, he's tanned, he's the running stormtrooper. It's Jezebel. Good evening, Jez. Good morning, Stu. Good morning, lads. Good morning, everyone. Joe, what's going to be really nice, Jez? This is the last show of you being away that we're recording. So really yeah. happy that you'll be back with your family. But also, we won't have to keep having these morning jokes when we record with you, will we? I think that's the first time I have done it to be but yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I, I can't wait. I'm, I've got three weeks until I fly home from this detachment, and uh, yeah, I can't wait. I mean, lovely yeah. country and all that lot. If they just stop fighting each other, but you know, just looking forward to going over. <laughs> That's brilliant, mate. And finally, it is the walking wardrobe. A lover of all things ESB vintage, Ray Focus collector as well as slave layer. He's a comic collector with a side passion for Barbie. It's Peter Davis. Good evening, Peter. Yo, 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 in the house. It's great. It's great to all be back again, boys. Um, really enjoyed the start of the year and January's show. So great to be back to do it all again this month. Something that we didn't put on the show notes, which I just wanted to bring up a, a little, little something that popped up on, um, popped up on Facebook. I don't know if you boys saw it, but over on Echo Base USA, uh, Robin Bokra, who Rich had on possibly two shows ago on um, Rebel Briefings. She bought a tri-logo Boba Fett off, off eBay. She's talking, you're talking a fair bit of money there. And she messaged the bloke, the seller, and said, oh, can you pack it with um, the Starcase with peanuts? Now, did you boys see what the person did? This is a legit, legit uh, image. Oh, the seller, <laughs> the seller actually packed it with peanuts. And <laughs> you could make it up. I just, when I saw it, I honestly thought it was a joke to start with. But, um. I looked at it and I just thought, oh my goodness, that is incredible that someone's taken it literally. It's just brilliant. Which flavour? Flavour <laughs> peanut? Well, probably sorted, but um, he wonders whether it's contaminated the card. You know, is it smelling like a uh, Richard salty balls? I don't know. Well, what Robin had said that you asked for the card to be shrink wrapped first anyway, so the peanuts hadn't touched the card. <laughs> you couldn't make it up though, could you? It, it is. Do you know what? When I saw it, it really did tickle me. I was like, um, had a little, had a little chuckle at that one. But uh, it just really was amusing. I just wanted to bring it up in the intro because I thought it was too funny not to, uh, not to mention. So, boys, celebration seven and a half weeks away at time of recording. Have we stopped buying? 
to save or are we still being tempted by sales posts? So let's start with Rich because I reckon he's most likely bought something. Nope, not bought a thing. Not consciously saving, but just not consciously buying either. So nothing for me at all. Right, wow. Wow, I, I honestly thought you would have got at least something. Pete? Uh, yeah, quite a, quite a few bits and pieces, <laughs> believe it or not. Um, I finally, finally, Stu, got hold of a Empire Strikes Back popper book. Not in bad condition. Um, I also got hold... Uh, this is going to be quite lengthy, Stu, this section. It's quite lengthy. And my friend, Christian, uh, he went into his loft and pulled out a load of Star Wars items, uh, gave me a few bits and bobs, gave me some of those uh, Return of the Jedi kind of post magazines, which was quite nice of him. Uh, he also pulled out a Millennium Falcon, which is uh, spray-painted silver. And I'll oh, tell you what... You put a picture up, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. It, it does look good, silver, but, you know, to sell it, really, you're going to have to try and remove the silver. So we've been trying to move the silver and having not much luck, but a little bit. And underneath seems to be a very well-preserved Millennium Falcon, so um, I shall be uh, having a go at that at some stage, probably next week, during the half-term, trying to get rid of it. But, yeah, it's in it's in decent condition. Um, it's got everything in there, the training ball, all that sort of stuff, so... But yeah, he did a proper job on it. It wasn't some like you know guy down the down the um, DIY store with a paint spray gun. It was a proper professional job. His dad worked in car manufacturer, so they sprayed it good, and it looks good. So uh, I think it was a couple of podcasts ago. I was talking about a Star Wars Marvel Spanish comic, which I've I've always been after for years and years. It goes back to when we did a section on Marvel when Grant did it. And we were looking on the Star Wars Collectors Archive, looking around, and uh, we we kind of saw these these Spanish comics. Like, what on earth is that? And it seemed to be when the kind of initial film story had run out, the the kind of like you know the Marvel comics sort of went, oh, can't be bothered. So it looks like they they might well have sort of like fobbed it off to another company to to run the other Marvel stories. And um, one of the covers, there was like eight eight magazines done, and the covers just ridiculous, and they were done by a proper Star Wars artist. Um, that did all the Marvel stuff, but it, it just kind of intrigued me. And um, I've always been after this comic. And Javier Florencio Suarez, who appears, I probably butchered his name, who appears on Beyond the Toys Facebook group a lot with the coolest things you've ever seen from Spain. And uh, he said, "Yeah, yeah, I've I've got this this comic you want. I'll send it to you." So what? So yeah, I've got loads of them. <laughs> <laughs> it's like oh my god i've been looking for this thing for like the last probably three or four years and not a single person even knows what it is and uh, just to describe it it's a it's a very plain white cover with a skull on it with its mouth open and in the head of the skull is are our heroes chewy looking quite irate uh han who looks nothing like han princess leia and luke skywalker not looking like anything like him and they are kind of embedded into the 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 forehead of the skull and it looks quite an eerie eerie kind of uh image uh, but it's just this it, it is it is the most weirdest star wars thing i've ever seen and i've always wanted it and uh, i cannot believe you sent it to me so uh yeah massive thanks to you have you i mean that is just amazing i mean thank you very much and he sent me a few extras as well <laughs> some of the other uh, he sent me two two others of the eight comics so it is the the best comic i've ever had uh, it's, i love it i'm gonna frame it I put it on my wall. Um, but yeah, it, it was it was just stunning. Such a nice thing to do to someone to send you that kind of thing. But uh, yeah, one of my best best pieces in Star Wars. I guess. It is it is a cool looking cover. Bit um bit freaky, but quite cool. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. It is completely freaky and ridiculous, and uh, yeah, just bizarre. 
Yeah, so you've done all right this month. You've uh... there, there are other things, Stu, but as per usual. Oh, you're still going. Go. I've what still, else? I've still, well, there were, but I forgot what they are. Jez, have you added anything? Well, Stu, no, I haven't. And and I I would have loved to, but I haven't. I've hardly been online. You may have noticed a lack of Jez online this month, and uh, there's a very good reason for it. But I would. Uh, I know, I'm I'm looking forward to it. If there was stuff there which I'd seen, if there's stuff which I've been tagged or anything like that, yeah, I I may well have done it. Whilst Pete has been talking, I've been desperately looking at eBay latest ads. Buy it now, just in case I could turn around and say, oh yeah, I've just bought this. But no, I haven't. Uh, I'm looking forward to Star Wars Celebration though, because I've got a couple of things in the bag already, and who knows what there'll be at room sales, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I haven't bought a great deal myself. Um, bought some loose figures as they continue to build. Uh, a nice hammerhead Boris Man and Black Bespin Guard from um, our dear friend Mr. Hockley and the buff Chris Hong. I managed to get a Clark II T-boot and Reese off him. I've bought a sweepstakes, a sweepstakes flyer, also of Mr. Hockley. And then I did pick up on um, on eBay a Return of the Jedi Meccano Chief Chirper, which is nice. I got that at a really good price, but... Um, yeah, couldn't help myself on that. That's a, a nice little card. That's the third Chief Chirper I've got on a foreign card, so maybe an accidental run. Right, so now on to our celebration update. Obviously, it's getting closer. Uh, like I already said in the intro, we're seven and a half weeks away at the time of recording. So when this podcast is out, probably six and a half weeks. So just a few things. First of all, um, I've had a couple of messages or a couple of comments on like our our Facebook um, on our forum thread. Are you boys going to be doing a video of some sort? Well, yes, we are. I am going to take my video camera. People have their phones. We will make a TVR video of the events, the shenanigans, the evenings out. And we'll, we'll cobble it all together and we'll put it on the TVR YouTube channel. I think even Pete, I think you're, you've got a game plan for Thursday where we um oh, yes. on the um, floor. Definitely a challenge if everyone's up for it. A challenge. Yeah. So we'll you know we'll we'll video all things like that and we'll put it all in there, and we'll make a, a little video of the event for people that could come. So to see what we get up to when we're together and hopefully uh, Rich will. No, I won't say that because Rich is getting a bit annoyed with his shorts. Um, a, f- <laughs> a few more guests have been announced: Peter Mayhew, John Ratzenberger, Michael Pennington, Daniel Logan, Ian McDermott, hundred and ten dollars for his autograph. Pete. I'm going to come to you here. The autographs seem on the high side to me, um, considering that you've got tax to be added to that as well. There's people there. Um, I'm sure Paul Casey was at Farthest From for a tenner. You're talking $50 for him. Well, they're going to milk it, aren't they? You know, it's a celebrate, it's a celebration. If you want to, if you want to pay, they're going to, they're going to charge you the money. But um, they've got a few big ones. But I think people are forgetting that, you know, that the, these the big, big guys like Harrison Ford are not going to appear. Daisy Ridley will probably not appear. You know, uh, Oscar Isaac probably not going to appear. You know, you're going to have to be deal with the the sort of secondary ones because those people are either too rich, too dead, or just doing other projects. I mean, I believe Mark Hamill is is filming all sorts of things at the moment, so he's probably thinking, well, I've done I've done the last goodness knows how many. So yeah, um, everyone's going to cash in, aren't they? Because the demand will be there. I, I guarantee you, very few will probably 
probably be, um, you know, available. You, you make a point there. I was going to come to Jez here to say that, you know, the guest list seems genuinely quite underwhelming. Where are the big stars from any of the films? The big OT stars. It's the Phantom Menace 20th anniversary a month after this. Where are where are the um, prequel actors, the current movie stars? Where's the stars of Solo? There's a lot of background characters here. I, I want to see one big name. Surely they've always had Mark Hamill, Carrie Fisher previously. They're not just not just not there. Hell, they haven't even announced Anthony Daniels. Well, they have said in the bottom of it more to still be announced. You know, they, I'm sure they've done this before. This is my fifth celebration, I think. And um, yeah, they, they've they've fed them in before. They, you know, they they've got to keep their social media machine running. Otherwise, you know, if we've got goodness knows how many days left. What are they going to do each day? You know, they they want to slowly ease it in and build up the hype, build up the expectations. So yeah, this is this is the entree. You know, this is the beginning. We're 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 waiting for the big names to come. And I know you, uh, Pete said, oh, so and so won't be there. So and so won't be there. You know, we we don't know. I'm sure you're right that there will be others. I mean, Steve Savory came up with a good point when we were chatting last night. I think it was Steve who had said, I, I would feel sorry for those who have say booked a photo up or booked an autograph with someone who is on the first list and then uh, another guest uh, is announced and that clashes and they they you know they can't do both or they could have done both if they were announced at the same time and they could have de-conflict times but that's just the way it goes there it's a deliberately staggered approach to it you know there will be others there will definitely be others rich you're with your fan for tracks you know brian cameron matt booker they're on the pulse what, what, what have they told you well, Jez has pretty much summed it up right there. If you remember Orlando and London, it was exactly the same. You know, n- none of the big stars get announced until much later. And I'm led to believe that there are certainly other guests um, ready to be announced. I'm hoping with it being Chicago that we might get an appearance of George Lucas again. It's certainly possible. He's got, you know, one of his main, his, one of his main homes is in Chicago. So, you know, if he's there, who knows? I don't think he'll sit there and do an autograph though, will he? It's a nice thought, but that's um yeah. Is there, is there anybody on that list that anyone wants to go and get? I don't buy anybody's autographs. I I just don't don't see the appeal at all. I wouldn't pay for an autograph ever. Mate, my most magical moment from a celebration point of view was my first one, and it was me and Grant when we went to uh, we were walking around to sort of you know separate the hip almost just um, at Essen, and Mark Hamill was there. And, uh, and Grant went a bit wild and got lots of autographs, but we both got Mark Hamill's. And, and for me, that was huge. That was an, an amazing thing. Yet, as Rich said, you know, don't pay for autographs, don't do this, that, the other. That's the only autograph I've paid to get. But for me, going and meeting and shaking the hand of my sort of childhood hero and, and having a quick chat with him, it was just one of those things. It was it was awesome. It was really, really good. And, and I loved it. And you know, it may well be that someone sees someone who they think, oh, yeah, I really like that person. Well, just go for it. I mean, you, you do, yeah, there's loads of autograph collectors, but I've not got one since. But I'm so glad I got that one with Mark. I'm just gutted I didn't get the one with Carrie. But it also then brings into the question, as well as autographs, they've got photo op, op, photo op opportunities. They've got photo opportunities, which are kind of similar price. And, you know, when, when you look at it, when... You know, the sad passing of, you know, some of our much-loved characters in the past. And you, we see some of our friends on Facebook who posted the photo ops of them with, say, Carrie Fisher. And you would think, oh, wow, what a fantastic photograph that is. And on reflection, would I have preferred a photograph, a really cool photograph with Mark Hamill? 
or as autograph. Yeah, I, I I can see a lot now in these photo ops, but you know I've had photos before with Danny Logan and and Ray Park and stuff when you just bumped into them in a bar, you know, it, it celebration, and they're just happy to post the photographs. But some of the staged photo op photos, which I've seen on Facebook, look absolutely brilliant, really, really uh, good memories, and and yeah, I'm I'm quite envious and, and chuffed with people who have had those with their stars. Maybe a photo op if I, if I see someone who I really like. Yeah, Bruce White had a an awesome one with Carrie, didn't he, and his partner? Yeah, yeah, very, that's very what cool. I was thinking of. Yeah. yeah. Also, I see there's been a few props announced, you know, um, more diorama type things where you can go and have your photos taken. So there's there's Death Star sliding doors, the Emperor's throne room. I've seen a Tantive corridor, a Falcon lounge, and that's just naming just a part of what's already been announced. And Pete, I see your Japanese food carving is back. Um, bit of a treat there if you want to go and uh, take another bout of potatoes shaped like diane ogres yeah uh, why, why wouldn't you why wouldn't you go for a carved jar jar binks carrot come on i would like that actually the podcast stage has been announced sadly tvr won't be there and to be honest looking at the list i'd say collecting especially vintage collecting isn't particularly well represented um rich i think you'll be bringing us more about the podcast stage in this month's rebel briefings and next month hopefully looking at the collecting track but we will however be on the Fanford Tracks booth on Sunday. Um, I think it's Sunday anyway. Is that correct, Rich? And what kind of time? I believe it was Sunday. I think it was one o'clock from memory. I'd have to double check. But yeah, we've got an hour on the Fanford Tracks book to um, do something fun for anybody who wants to drop by and have a chat with us. Yeah, so we're not totally sure what we're going to do yet, what we've got planned, but we'll come up with a plan and perhaps we'll give more details in next month's. Uh, issue and the correct time because it'd be great to great to see some listeners who who maybe we've not engaged with before and um we're working on our swag at the moment we're not, we're not having a lot because we haven't got booze and things but we will uh i was thinking maybe grab an example of all our swag that we do and um between the four of us we can see what other freebies we can gather and when we come back maybe run a little giveaway in april show to give a bundle away to a listener who was unable to attend so so perhaps you three can all uh grab any freebies you can and we'll make a nice little uh a nice little box of box of um, treats for some lucky listener. That's a good idea. Give him back. Give him back. That's what it's all about with me. Give him back. So, uh, yeah, celebration. And um, we've got a bit more coming in Rebel Briefings. There's a party going on right here. A celebration to laugh throughout the years. So bring your good times and your laughter too. We gon' celebrate your party with you. Come on now. So, boys, we always have a, a little topic about something in the intro. And I went back and um, you listened to bits. Well, we, we've given bits and pieces about our past. Obviously, Jez has had a bit more because he was a focus interview. We've mentioned, like I say, we've mentioned odds and sods about our childhood and why we collect. And uh, this month, I just wanted to give a nice, nice and light start to the podcast. And I want to know how big was your collection as a child? What, what toys did you have? And um, what was your favourite piece as a kid? And then... What happened to your collection, your childhood collection? So um, let, let's let's go to Pete. Pete, what you know? I know we've spoken before, and you said a lot of your stuff came from secondhand shops. But um, how much did you have? Um, I probably had about uh, let's say fifty of the figures. Um, me and my brother would share them. 
but yeah i said we had about 50 maybe a few more um ship wise um uh the atat uh Millennium falcon um i had a brand new x-wing which i still got which was the battle damage one it was kind of grayish uh, that was that's something I loved it very very dearly, and uh, I was always puzzled by the fact that it had it looked to have electronics in it, but they'd been removed by I'm, again, I'm assuming power to ever remove them, um, or someone rem- removed all the electronics because they weren't American. So, uh, and that always I thought, what on earth is all that? But why is there a button on the back of my X-wing? What's not doing anything? That was always a bit annoyed by that. Um, snow, so I had a brand new snow speeder. I actually had a new one of those at that competition that I won that time. Um, a few, only the Wumper and a Rancor, I believe, uh, and a Tauntaun, and I think that was probably about it. Um, yeah, second-hand shops, it was, you know, it, we, because we don't have tons of cash, it'll be, oh, we're, we're going to second-hand shops, we always used to go and do when you were kids, thrift stores and all sorts, and you'd see it, see it, and then you'd uh, plan it and have it for your birthday, or Christmas or whatever, so, um, yeah, I, I, I'd say I had a reasonable collection, I didn't have a an excessive collection, but I mean, those things got, my, my things got played with, all my things were played with, and then, and then, I sold most of it. <laughs> I still had about 35, 40 figures left, but I sold the main ones, and uh, that was because I bought a computer. Me and my brother were saving up for a, <laughs> well, we already had a ZX81, and we sold, we sold it, and I bought, I think it was Commodore 64, with the, with the money I saved up for it, So, and I still have that Commodore 64, but um, yeah, I did. I sold all the ships and quite a few of the figures, but um, yeah, I kept all my figures in a in a box in the loft for years and years and years. And then uh, obviously, you know, a few years ago, got them out and completed the the, uh, the set. But yeah, I've got all my childhood stuff back. Quite a good collection. Rich, what what about you? I've got a funny feeling. I'm not 100% on this, but I've got a funny feeling that they had a sad ending. As a kid, I definitely ha- remember having the Millennium Falcon. Um, my mum has taught us since that she'd spent months and months and months trying to track one down. They were very, very difficult to get a hold of. She called loads of stores and eventually one had called and said that they kept one back. So I definitely remember having a Falcon. I remember having Darth Vader's TIE Fighter as well, but that was only because I remember finding it before Christmas. Um, it was hidden away somewhere. And my mum had told us it was for somebody else. Uh, and I remember opening it at Christmas Day, but after that I've got next to no memory of it at all. Uh, didn't have any playsets, didn't have any other vehicles at all, those were the only two I had. I had um, some of the smaller things like the mini rigs, the speeder bike. Um, don't think I had any creatures at all, definitely didn't have wampas, tauntauns, nothing like that. I did have an ATST. Um, I had the Darth Vader's carry case, I do remember putting my figures in there and them all falling, that was usual. No last 17. Um, I had. I think Peter, Pete's probably not far off with 50 figures. I think I probably had about 50, 50 figures. I don't recall some of them like Tuscan Raider. I don't think I had a Tuscan Raider. I don't think I had a first 12 Han either. Um, so that was pretty much my collection. As to where it went, I do know where, where it went. Um, my Star Wars, He-Man, Transformers, and well, to be fair, I think most of the Transformers were probably thrown out anyway because as soon as you started to transform them, they would fall to pieces. Um, they went to a family friend's uh, kids, they're uh, twin boys who are about uh, 10 years younger than me possibly, so that went to them and then we lost contact many years ago, came back into contact and I did ask them about them, 
but they just laughed and said, oh, they, they, they'd gone to charity shops or somewhere else years and years and years ago. So I don't have a single thing left. Absolutely nothing. And Jez, um, well, on, on your interview, we know you had your big your big loft find of your previous figures, but what kind of range did you have as a kid? Yeah, mate, that was on episode two. <laughs> For those who want to know about my lovely loft find, which was awesome. Um, I reckon I probably had in the vicinity of 50 to 60 figures. I had the Rebel Transport, which you all know and love, and uh, I had the Scout Walker, I had a Laser Cannon, I had a Hothwomper, and I had a Biker Scout, uh, sorry, Speeder Bike. And I think that was pretty much it. So, um, some great toys to play with, some great, you know, the Scout Walker with the, the walking function there, the Speeder Bike with the blow up function, or, you know, that, they, were, they were great. And the ability to carry it around was just, you know, breathtaking. Uh, but it didn't matter. I, I felt like I had plenty and uh, you know, had a good group network of friends around me who all had different toys anyway. So, yeah, it was uh, growing up with Star Wars was awesome. So you all had pretty, pretty similar type collections, didn't you? Um, what, what, what about you, mate? Well, when I was a when I was a child, do you know, like you always think, oh, you know, we didn't have a lot of home. My, my dad, dad was self-employed. He worked very hard. And there was four of us. And uh, when I do interviews, I always hear people going, oh, we didn't have much, you know, I had a couple of figures. And it's only now I really realise just how much we had. I had He-Man come out of my ears. I had Transformers come out of my ears, Mask, uh, Skeletrics, Playmobil, loads of it. And so Star Wars was more my brother's era. He's eight years older than me. So when the first film came out, he was he was six. And my granddad took him and my two cousins, who are the same age as him, down to the cinema. And my granddad loved it so much, he took them back in the evening to watch it again. So all three of them had a lot of Star Wars toys. So when I got to an age of toys, I had a good a good amount of Star Wars already there. He had all all of the first 21. There was two or three Stormtroopers. There was a couple of Jowers, Army Building, and then a lot of the, a lot of the ESB stuff. But when it when it got to Jedi, he was coming out of it. I had a few more figures from Jedi. Um, I got a Falcon. We had X-Wing, a TIE Fighter. But then one of my cousins had the Millennium Falcon. Another cousin had an Atat. So they they always played together. They spent a lot of weekends together. The one thing we did have was the Palatoy Death Star. And as a child, the garbage chute, which just stick figures down it all day, every day. But sadly, made a cardboard. It got wrecked. And that, that ended up in the bin. Now, I've mentioned on here before that in the 90s when I was at school, I got all my schoolmates to bring all their toys in and I amalgamated a massive collection. You're talking everything. I had numerous jabbers. I had numerous tontons. I'd never seen a mini rig, had tons of them. I had every figure, not not all the last 17, but the general range, tons of them. And I assumed that a lot of the childhood stuff got mixed up in this box. And then in 2004, when I bought my first house, I sold it all apart from my falcon, which is in my garage. But in the last couple of years, my brother, every now and then, turns up on my doorstep. Oh, I found I found one of our childhood stormtroopers today. I found a jail. I found a couple of weapons. So I do actually, at the moment, have about six figures from our kid childhood. And I do have the X-Wing. And I do have the Falcon. So I do have a few bits. And my brother, as said, he's got a tin with all the weapons in from our childhood. But he won't let me have them at the moment. He kind of, like, um, he broke. He is flush on his toilet. And my brother's not very hands-on. I'll shoot if you come around and mend this. I'll give you one of the jail blasters. So it's, it's a bit like that at the moment. But but yeah, so hopefully in time when he goes through all this stuff, yeah. the rest of the figures might well be there. But um, but yeah, great times. Well, mate, um, you know, we've we've listed toys and the stuff, but you, you said what about childhood stuff. 
what I definitely had and what I used just as much as the toys was the Sir Michael Marks and Spencer's Return of the Jedi book uh, and the other red book, the red Return of the Jedi uh, book and uh, the, the Rainbow Read-Along cassettes because for me, they were the closest thing you could get to the movies. You could just play them over and over again even before they'd come out on video, before they were out on TV and stuff. So, so they represented the times, they helped the times between the cinema releases and anything else. Uh, and so for all the car journeys and everything else like that, to have those tapes and to have those books was just uh, just as much as part of my childhood. Yeah, I had Letraset and all, you know, we, that's yeah, why everyone right. loves Helix now. That's why everyone loves the Beyond the Toys stuff, because they're like, yeah, I remember that. The, the, the Star Wars figures were what got me back into collecting. But now my sort of, my memories have been sparked I remember now that pencil case, and I remember that, and I remember, I definitely remember lecture set stuff, so... Um, You're yeah, right, mate, my my brother had, like, the LPs of the stories and stuff as well, you know, I shared a bedroom with him, I can remember playing them, it's just little things, and I tell you what, I have found recently, I have got a picture of me, aged four or five in Scotland, with a complete first wave of He-Man standing on rocks as toys, so there is hope, and my parents took a lot of photos, I'm hoping somewhere there is Star Wars stuff, and I know Jez... I know that's what you've been looking for for a long while. <laughs> yeah, vintage rebellion is built on hope. Yeah, <laughs> you, know, well, you, you can do this, man. I know. But yeah, 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 all good. I mean, I mean, for heaven's sake, every Saturday morning, I used to go to the shops to get my five p pick and mix and my looking magazine. And usually, you know, every other week or whatever it was, looking magazine would have a little Star Wars poster in it or something like that. Oh, good times. Yeah, very good times. Talking of hopes, Stu, um, I mean, the thing that kept you going, I mean, obviously, I was a bit older than you, little kiddies, um, was was the um, was one the fan club, but you know, and which which adjoined through the comics because you know that I, I was a you know a regular purchaser of of the uh, the Marvel comics that kept you going because that's the only information you were ever going to get on Star Wars because you know. Um, unless it appeared on a Saturday morning show or there was a rumour about a new film, that that was it, you know, the people w- weren't really talking about it. Uh, it might appear in a newspaper column or something, but uh, seeing I didn't really read newspapers as a kid, um, the fan club kept me going, and, and, you know, via the comics. I mean, they're getting those little fan club envelopes um, from Molden. They come through and you can, oh, my goodness, I remember that thing dropping with ban- with, with uh, Banther tracks in it. You'd always hope there'd be something a bit more interesting. I mean, Banth Tracks was all right, but as a, you know, like a nine, ten-year-old, you know, come on. <laughs> I mean, after you joined and you get your, your lovely folder and your beautiful images and you get your patches and the odd badge here and there, then you had to really wait to renew it to get anything else. You know, it was just usually just, you know, bits of paper and, and advertisements, which I've still got. Um, but until you renewed, you're almost waiting to renew because when you renewed, you got some extra things. <laughs> you know, you actually got something cool and then when, when you realize that star wars run out and it was indiana jones stuff and Lu- other lucasfilm properties that's when you kind of realize that's when i kind of realized after return of the Jedi, i was like right star wars is gone it's gone it's all over and the comics were getting silly and the stories were getting rubbish and you just kind of went yeah whereas you boys are still playing with your ewoks great great days great days isn't it just just great memories and um yeah has anybody got a photo i know pete you've got a photo with the rebel transport Alongside Darth Vader. Yeah, I've got the shot pictures where, where I went with we friends, but I, don't, I said we only really had a Polaroid camera. And I've got the, the only shot I could ever find was of me and my brother in a in, in the bed when we were little kids with our uh, Star Wars duvet covers, which I've still got. 
but yeah, there, there just wasn't. We just didn't take pitch. You know, we just didn't randomly take pitch like you do today. Everyone's snapping pitches every five seconds. Then it was a bit of a, a cost to you know, if you wanted to take a picture, you know, you had to kind of plan it. Maybe <laughs> go and get some more Polaroid film from the shop because um, we did have a Polaroid camera. But yeah, it, it was a, it was a. It, you know, things have changed today, and it's a real shame we didn't have any pictures. But you know, there we go. I've still got memories. I've still got my memories. Very true. Right. So. Great. I think generally, by the sounds of it, we all had roughly similar sort of size collections, and um, you three weren't on the button enough to rip off your schoolmates. But hey, happy, happy days. <laughs> yeah, I, I love that. I, I love the fact that you just convinced them to bring them all in. Mate, it was dead. Um, you wouldn't believe how much stuff I got either. Bags and bags what, of loose figures. What did they get in return? Nothing. Just a sort of bit more room in their room. Or... Well, also friendship of Stuart Skinner. Um, Oh, that goes a long way. It keeps on giving, yeah. <laughs> right. Um, let's go on to this month's quiz. very easy this month nothing too tough we've got three rounds so we're going to go through the first two rounds where you you want to build up points you need points on the board and then third round you can lose points as well as gaining points you can lose points and gain points all the way through so first round i've got 10 questions and um, i'm going to give you all an answer okay you all have got an answer that is purely your answer that you can answer okay so pete one two or three uh two right pete your answer is luke skywalker uh rich um one or three well, I'm number one, clearly. Okay, Ben Kenobi is your answer. And Jez, that leaves you with Chewbacca. Okay, so I'm going to read out a question. And if you think yours is the answer, you need to say it instantly. You cannot pause, okay? All right. If you're right, you get a point on the board. You'll start with three points. If you shout out your answer and it isn't correct, you lose a point. If it is your answer is the correct answer and you haven't shouted out, you'll lose a point. So as soon as I finish the question, you need to shout your answer out if you think it's yours. And it's got to be instantly. OK, so this is the first round. Ten questions. So it should be quite quick because you're answering straight away. OK, uh, so don't forget, I've got a five second delay because I'm in Afghanistan. So um, I get five seconds. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> OK, first of all, number one, which figure doesn't feature on the front box art of the Sonic controlled land speeder? Chewbacca. You are correct, Motez. So a point okay. on the board for you. Go up to four. Number two. Back of the boxes of C-3PO's, which character didn't have a cut-out mask made of them? Ben Kenobi. Well done, Rich. Well done. I'm hoping some other people shouted as well so they get things wrong. Number three, who features as a Sigma money box? Luke Skywalker. You're incorrect. Oh. So you lose a point out of two. And Jez, you didn't shout out. It was Chewbacca. So you go down to three. Actually, I won't tell you the scores. We'll just round them up at the end. Number four, which figure didn't come in the early bird set? Nice easy one. Ben Kenobi. Well done, Rich. Uh, number five, which figure is pictured furthest left on the 12-back lineup on the reverse of the card? Chewbacca. Okay, so Jez is the only one that shouted. Jez, you are actually correct, so you've saved the other two. Uh, number six, which figure didn't appear in a three-pack? Okay, no one has shouted. It was Luke Skywalker. Oh. Pete, you lose a point. <laughs> number seven, which figure wasn't released in the poppy line? Ben Kenobi. Well done, Rich, well done. Number eight, who came out as a large size action figure on Lily Leddy? Chewbacca. 
So Jez is the only one to have shouted there. The answer was Luke Skywalker. So Pete, you lose a point. Jez, you're wrong. You lose a point. <laughs> Staying on the large size action figures, who was released in an ESB Meccano box? Luke Skywalker. Uh, Pete has answered there. That's incorrect. It was Chewbacca. So <laughs> Jez loses a point. <laughs> and the final question. Who didn't appear on a Helix vinyl pencil case? Chewbacca. And Jess has answered Chewbacca. That is correct. Well done. So the end of the first round, boys. Pete, you managed to take your three points down to naught. Yeah. <laughs> Jez, you started on three. You went up to five, but you come back down to three. And Richard, nice and steady there, pal, up to six. Right, round two, boys. We're only going to go round a couple of times. Um, there's only nine answers. Um, if you give an answer that's incorrect, you lose a point. If you get one that's correct, you gain a point. Nice and easy. Okay, so during the Empire Strikes Back run, there was two six-packs released. Between the two packs, they contained nine different figures. Three appeared in both packs. We're going round robin. You're going to have a guess. Let's see what you've got. Pete. <laughs> no idea. Stormtrooper. What, a, jet, a normal one? Uh, yeah. That is incorrect, Pete. Oh. You can't have any points to minus, so it's all right. Jez. Yay. Rebel Soldier. Rebel Soldier was in both packs. Well done. One point. Yeah. Richard. Hanhoff. Hanhoff was in one of the packs. Well done. One point. Pete. <laughs> I have no idea. Uh, Remember their ESB six packs. Yeah. Uh, Attack Commander. Attack Commander is incorrect. <laughs> <laughs> Bad luck, Jez. Hoff Stormy. Hoff Stormy is in both packs. Well done. Richard. That's what I was going to see you, Jez. Um, at that driver. At that driver is in one of the packs, Richard. Well done, Pete. Uh, still no idea. Uh, Yoda. Yoda is in one of the packs, Pete. Oh, well done, mate. Yeah. We're back up and running. Uh, Jez. Leah Hoff. Leah Hoff isn't my. So you lose a point there, Richard. Sorry, what? R2. R2D2 is in one of the packs. Nice image on your screen, Pete. 3PO. 3PO is in there. Well yes. done. Yes. There's two left, Jez. Uh, why didn't Leah Hoff get it? Sorry, mate. Because she's not in it. <laughs> <laughs> I thought Leah Hoff was in Empire Strikes Back. She was in Empire Strikes Back, but she's not in these six packs. Six packs? You said three packs. Oh, jazz. Everyone else is with it. There's two six packs. Yeah, for some reason. I had it in my head. It must be the Afghanistan thing. Um, I had it in my head that we were talking about three packs. Sure did I, Jess. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it didn't get any said three packs. Right, six no. packs. IG-88. IG88 is in there. Yes, well done. Rich, one left. Oh, FX7? FX7 isn't in there. Minus one. So one go left each, boys. Who can find it? Pete. Fall on. Fall on isn't in there, Pete. Hard luck. Jez? I'm sure you said three packs. Right, so Hoff, six packs. (laughs) Yeah. There's the red one and the yellow one, and the the red one and the orange one. Yeah, right, okay. So. Glad you're with us. Blame the Afghanistan. Don't know what you're you're going to blame next month. I am. I'm sure you said three packs. Do not the point out. off him, will you? Yeah. No, that's unfair. To be honest um, with you, you're not... Oh, no, you didn't do the quiz last month. I'll let you off that. Uh, Darth Vader. Darth Vader is correct, Jez. You find that last point. Okay, so best to go into the main round then. Uh, Pete, you have one point. Yes! Jez, you have six, and Richard, you have eight. It's life, Jim, but not as we know it. Not as we know it. Not as we know it. It's life, Jim, but not as we know it. Not as we know it. Captain. Across the universe, on the Starship Enterprise, I'll get Captain Kirk. Star Trekking across the universe. 
now, uh, you've all seen um, um, 15 to 1, yeah? The last round, you have your lives, and I'll give you the category. You can either play and go for the point, but if you get it wrong, you'll lose the point. Or you can pass the question to someone else and try to knock their points down, okay? So quite an easy thing to do. I'm going to go to Pete first because he's in last place. <laughs> Pete, the first category for the first question is three packs. Would you like to play or would you like to pass it to Jez or Richard? Uh, I'm going to pass it to Richard. He's passing to Richard. So, Richard, the question. Name two figures that feature in the Bespin Alliance. Han Bespin. And what's your other one? I don't know three packs that well. Luke Bespin. And Luke Bespin. Luke Bespin was correct. Han Bespin wasn't, I'm afraid, mate. You go down to seven. Uh, you could have had Lando or White Bespin guard. Back to you, Pete. He got it wrong. It's cast and crew next. Would you like to play or pass the question? <laughs> cast and crew. Oh, let's play it for fun. Come on. Good one to play on. Nice and easy. Um, who's older, Mark Hamill or Carrie Fisher? Well, Carrie Fisher's dead. Well, yeah, but you know what I mean. That's, <laughs> that's, that's not... Uh, that's not... Um, I think Mark Hamill's older, isn't he? Mark Hamill is Pete by five years. Yeah. So, Pete, you get to play again. Oh, well. The, the question is, the category is droids. Would you like to pass it or would you like to play? Droids. Well, as in just droids or droids... The series, Droids. I'm just giving you the category title. It is Droids. Oh, come on, let's do it. Let's have some fun. He's playing again. Pete, which action figure in the Droids line had his coin design changed after the earlier release? Oh, my goodness. I have no idea. Uh, That's a foul guy. That foul guy. (laughs) (laughs) That's incorrect. It's C-3PO. It was used from his normal coin. Um, So we'll pass it on. As you got that one wrong, we'll go over to Jez because no one's on the board. Jez, the category is creatures. We'd like to play or pass. Yeah, I'm gonna play. Okay, uh, Jez, what or who is the Wampa dragging on the box art for the toy? <laughs> uh, I would say Luke Hoff. It is Luke Hoff. Well done, Jez. You got up to seven points. That brings you level with Richard. Yeah. Um, the category, Rit, um, Jez, is figures. Would you like to play or pass it to one of the other two? I'm going to play. Well done. This to go into the lead then. Which hand is made for Hammerhead to hold his weapon? Not looking at it, his personal hand. Um, left. It is the left, Jez. Well done. Next one. Movie quotes, Jez. Would you like to play or pause it to one of the other two? Play. Okay. Fill in the blank of this famous movie quote. Oh, come on, Jez. Don't call me a mindless blank, you overweight glob of grease. Philosopher. That is correct, Jez. Well done. He's on a roll. Jez, mail away offers is the category. Would you like to play or pass it to one of the other two? Pass it to Peter, please. Pass it to, <laughs> to Peter. <laughs> Quite an easy one, Pete. That doesn't mean <laughs> Pete, this is to get a point and take control of the board. How many figures would you need to purchase to claim your free Boba Fett action figure? Oh, my God. Eight. It was just four, Pete. That drops you down to no life, so you've got nothing to lose. Jez, back to you again. The next category is box art. Do you want to play or pass it? Pass it to Pete, please. Pass it to Pete. (laughs) Well, Pete, this this doesn't achieve anything for Jez because you can't lose a point. All you can do is gain here, so Jez, bad, bad tactics. No, it prevents Richard getting a point. (laughs) All right. Um, Which action figure appears most on the ESB Millennium Falcon box art? Which action figure? So on the front picture, which action figure is a, appears most on there? Um, I don't know, Stormtrooper. That's incorrect. It is the white Bespin guard. Back oh. to Jez. Jez, it's ceramic. Do you want Ooh. to play or pass? Oh, 
gosh, you know what? I, oh, Richard's good at this. You're good at this. But also Pete's good at this. The only one who's <laughs> not good at ceramics is me. Pete has just said he's not good at this. I'll pass to Pete, please. <laughs> no Pete, idea. to get back on the board, which three characters are used for the salt and pepper pot range in the Sigma line? Uh, is it not the droids, all three of them, R5, C3PO and R2-D2? Is that your final answer? Uh, I think so. So close, mate. R2 and R5 came together, but the other two are both Yoda. Oh, so, Jez, we're back to you again, Jez, and I think you'll probably right. play this, because it's back to movie quotes. Oh, all right, then, let's go for it. You're going to play. Who said the following quote? I'm looking for the character name. Okay. I assure you, Lord Vader, my men are working as fast oh. as they can. Uh, Moff Jail Gerard, beginning of that Jedi. It's correct, Jez. It goes up to 10 points. Um, your next one, Jez, is licenses. Do you want to play or pass? Do you know what? Yeah, I might play. I'm going to play this, you know? Come on, come on, Jez. Okay. Jez, which country did Bassa hold the license? Right. That is correct. Well done. Rich, you really need him to get one wrong here to get back in. The category, <laughs> Jez, is large size action figures. Right, okay. I'm going to go with, um, we haven't heard Rich for a while. So I'm going to pass to Pete. <laughs> Peter, Go on. which two figures were released on ESB Meccano boxes? How many figures, sorry? Two. Which two? Only two came oh. out. One of them's very elusive. Oh, I've no idea. Uh, Chewbacca? Yep. Ooh. And the other? Uh, ESB. 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 ESB large figures. Oh, my God. <laughs> ESB, Boba Fett? That's correct, Pete. Well done. That's Back on the board. Pete. Pete, you're in control. Pete, the category is plush. Would you like to play or pass? I'm going to pass to Richard to try and get back a chairs. Okay, it's passing to Richard. So, Richard, it's no still chance, time no here chance, to get no back chance. in this. I think you're oh, right. Rich, plush. Kenner released two plush during a New Hope era. What were they? Jawa and Chewbacca. It was Chewbacca and R2-D2, I'm afraid. So, Pete, it's back to you. It's model oh. kits. Model kits. Uh, Pastor Richard. Pastor Richard. Richard, what was the only Airfix model released in the UK for Return of the Jedi? Um, Probably one of the harder ones, in fairness. Uh, um, (laughs) Was it Ewing? I'm afraid it was Jabba's throne room. Uh, Back to you, Pete. It's movie quotes. Do you want to play or pass? Mm, Movie quotes. I think I'm going to pass to Richard again. Give him a chance. Okay, Rich. There's still time to get back in this, Rich, but you need to get this one right. In Rogue One, Chirrut says, the strongest stars have hearts of what? Kyber. Sorry, say that again? Kyber. Kyber, that is correct, Rich. That's back up to six. You're back in. Okay. Rich, you can either take him down or get the points on the board. You ready? I do, board. This is, you're, the category is card debuts. Do you want to pass it? There's no way Jez will know that, is there? I'm passing it to Jez. I'm nom- <laughs> nominating Jez. <laughs> okay, Jez. Bring it on. What card did the Rebel Commander debut on? 30. I want the number. You've gone with 30. It's oh. incorrect. No, it's a 41 back. You drop a point. <laughs> so I just want to say we're going into the last five questions. Jez is on 10. Richard's on six. Richard, it's still there. The drama. The drama. You're going down, Geordie. Richard, the category is carry cases. <laughs> oh, that's a toughie. Do I take it or do I not? Oh. Remember, Jed, 
Jez has got a very limited range. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna nominate Jez again on Curry Cave. <laughs> I've done well tonight. I've done well tonight. Have, Jez, <laughs> Jez, how many figures did the Darth Vader carry case hold? We've covered this so many times. I know we have. It's an odd number. It's something along the lines of 35. Ooh, so close. 31. You're down to nine. Oh, Richard, you're back in the seat. The Richard, <laughs> the topic is mini rigs. I'll play mini rigs. Okay. Big point, this Rich. Big point. What does PDT stand for on the PDT-8? Oh, God. Um, personnel... Brilliant. Uh, deployment transport. That is correct, Rich. Oh, well, I that. couldn't think of anything like the D would have done. That's brilliant. Uh, Rich, we are movie quotes. Oh, Jez knows his movies. Can I just when say something on the to you? We've had a couple of vintage, remember? We've Do had stop, one stop, from Disney. Stop. You, you are helping. <laughs> I know, actually, he was he was bang out of line to me last month. Yeah, we still beat you, Jez, remember? Stop <laughs> <laughs> movie quotes. I'll because I know Jez knows his stuff. You're playing okay, Jeff, Rich. This is a real make it or break it one. It's going to be interesting. In what movie... Oh, actually, it's quite easy now I've read the question. In what movie would you hear this quote? In time, the suffering of your people will persuade you to see our point of view. I'll nominate... Um, <laughs> what, is that from Star Wars? See the, see the quote again? I've never even heard it. In time, the suffering of your people will persuade you to see... Our point of view. <sighs> Sounds very prequelish, that. Um... Think about what's being said. Right? Shut up. In time, I'm not obviously reading it in the voice. In time, the suffering of your people will persuade you to see our point of view. What could that be talking about? Uh, I'm going to go with Revenge of the Sith. That sounds very prequely. It's gone Revenge of the Sith. That's incorrect. Uh, it was the Phantom me, Menace. Like, I, I was the other one I was going to go for. It's Newt Dunray, obviously talking to mm. Naboo. You're wrong there. So it goes back to Pete. Pete, the final question um, is, the topic is dates. Would you like to play? No, let's have Rich have a go. Let's have Rich have a go then. Rich, Jez would definitely have got this right. Right. In what year was the Rebel Transport Vehicle released? Oh, (laughs) bloody hell. Um, I'm going to go with 19. (laughs) Did you mourn that? Two points for that. So that takes you Um, up to eight. I'm Can you get the other? If you I'm get the other two, think about what's what you think the next one number is. Eight. Eight. That draws you level with Jez. It's, it's, Can you it's get the last two number? numbers? It's between two, and I'm going to go 1981. Oh, 1982, Rich. Ah. Oh, do you know what though, Rich? It was a good effort. I'm going to give you five bonus points <laughs> because I can. Well, boys, at the end of this month's quiz, nice and short one, Jez. You're victorious on nine. Rich, you finished on five, having led by quite a way. Pete, one. Yeah! You crack, Pete. Yeah, that was kind of weird there. Yeah, I'm kind well of proud of myself. Yeah. You should be, Jez. You've achieved something this year. That's hanging around with too many muscly men, Jez, in the army. <laughs> you can achieve the laws of physics. Laws of physics. Laws of physics. You can achieve the laws of physics. Laws of physics, Jez. Oh, we can not achieve shoot to kill, shoot to kill, shoot to kill. We can not achieve shoot to kill. Scotty, beat me up. It's worse than that. He's dead, Jim. Dead, Jim. Dead, Jim. It's worse than that. He's dead, Jim. Dead, Jim. Well, it's life, Jim, but not as we know it. Not as we know it. Not as we know it. It's life, Jim, but not as we know it. Not as we know it, Captain. Yeah, Engine room, one factor nine.
over to Rebel Briefings then. Pre-production keeps us motivated. Podcast in Chicago style. Retro Blues. The Rebel base is on the moon on the far side. We are preparing to orbit the planet. Um, Rich, opening story, prop store galore. Now, anyone that's got one of these brochures, well, what a fascinating read. Rich? Yeah, so first of all, special shout out to Darren Simpson, who has helped us acquire... Um, some catalogues with these items in. You're right, it's a fantastic brochure. Really heavy. I don't know how many pages are in there, but they're all high quality gloss. Um, looking now, it's nearly, nearly 370 pages. Absolutely cracking um, auction catalogue. And if you can get your hands on one, I'd certainly recommend that you, you try and do so. So, why are we talking about Pop Store then? So, the Pop Store, as we know, have been having auctions for a number of years now, mainly on props from movies and pre-production items things like that and over the last year or so we've heard that uh, Dan Simpson, Chris G, Andy Golden and various others have mentioned that Popstore wanted to get into the toy market and on February the 28th and the 1st of March from their Los Angeles premises they're holding I would only describe an amazing vintage toys and collectibles auction. I think this is Anything to rival what Hakes has bought out from the collection of Russell Branton. There's some amazing items in this auction. And we are aware that one or two guys, I'm pretty sure that Brian Angel said he was going to go down there. Um, because he's obviously from California. And I'm sure that many other listeners to the podcast will also be at the Los Angeles premises. And I would love to be there just to see these items up close and personal. So I've looked through the catalogue. And there are lots of items in here that I'd love to own. I think I'd get absolutely blown out of the water on anything that I bid for. And I certainly wouldn't expect to win any. So guys, first of all, um, you've had a flick through. What in there would you think that's actually, you know what, I'd like that. And the first thing I'm going to bring up is not actually Star Wars. Um, I've been looking at these items quite a lot lately. Uh, they're very expensive, seeing that as a Star Wars collector. So the first item I would like to own is item 480. And this is from the Lord of the Rings cartoon Bakshi Show. And these were set of figures from Knickerbocker. And this has been graded by Cass as an 80+. Plus. And it's an entire set of the Lord of the Rings figures. So you have Aragorn, Sam Frodo, Gollum, Gandalf, uh, the Ringwraith and two horses. And it's complete with all the weapons, everything there, 
estimate of two and a half to three and a half thousand so that's a lot of money for what they are uh, but you don't often see them for sale and you rarely see them for sale complete with weapons so stew first of all wait that's that's a great choice you know what i've always loved those figures i prefer them carded i think the card the card arts are beautiful i think the ones like um the aragorn and the samwise are so nice but yeah great great shout rich great shout sorry I interrupted you, but great shout. Well done. Well, I was coming to you first anyway, then, Stu. So I've, I've listed maybe 10, 15 things in there because I wasn't sure if Jez would have connection or not of, of items that you think, you know what, I'd like to have one of those. So anything that's uh, tickling your chins? Oh, so, so much. So, so much. Bit of Sigma in there, but not stuff that I need. But I think near the back, there's... Um, I really, really would love the... 706, the hand-drawn Ralph Macquarie concept sketch of the Wampa over the top of a Tonton. I'd love that. I think that would look amazing framed up over my bed so I could watch it in passion. But I think there's... Oh, I just don't know where to, to start, Rich. I also quite like the... I don't know if you saw it, the, the Blue Harvest Rap Party poster. Yep. Printed on like a blue sheet. Uh, it's got the details of some party. The Crescent City Culture Centre with the address, dresses casual, bring your dancing shoes, barbecue buffet for eats. And then it's got a photo of the actor who's dressed up as a rebel commando uh, from Return of the Jedi. Four to six hundred dollar estimate. I think that would be an amazing piece to own. But um, I won't say any more other pieces in case the boys are... I don't want to jump on their stuff, but there's so many good stuff. Even outside of outside of Star Wars, there's so many toy lines in there that I'd love. You know, there's a great club of Lang. Um, the Bat Cave's amazing. So many, so many great toys. Well, I'm going to jump in with another one before I go to Pete. So, item 73 and 74. So, 73 is the Walking R2. And this one's the Baggy that was available in Japan. And 74 is the Canadian Corded Walking R2. And that was graded to 60. Two fantastic items. I'd love to have a Walking R2. Um, as we know, it's one of George Lucas's favourite of the action figure range. Pete? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm more intrigued by, like yourself, the non-Star Wars stuff. There's some amazing things I didn't know even existed. I didn't really... I knew there was, like, um, Duke's Hazard figures, but I'm, I'm now on the lookout for a Daisy Duke sealed mint on card. But um, one thing that did... Ca- well, a couple of things got my eye. Non-Star Wars, but kind of keeping in the Lucasfilm area, was... A, a staggeringly amazing item. I had no idea about the Indiana Jones uh, range of figures, but there's a handmade molar ram, you know, the guy who tries to pull the heart out of people. Um, the um, original wax sculpting, and they, they want uh, 20 grand for it. Um, it's, it's a beautiful picture, all in green and stuff. So it's like, oh, oh, okay then. So it's not just Star Wars people who are completely bonkers. Really good that I never had the Hulk, Spider-Man, or... Batman utility belts. I'm not quite sure why the Hulk needed a utility belt, but there we go. Would have loved one of those. Going on to Star Wars, now, there was a few, a few little bits and bobs in there which I thought, well, that's that's a bizarre one. And it kind of rung a bell in my head. And it was um, a, kind of like if you if you had the Luke 12-inch uh, figure, which was my first ever Star Wars item, if you had that figure and you messed up the clothes, you could send away and get it, get the clothes sent to you. You could get... And there's a little jiffy bag with um luke's original <laughs> um his cloak oh, sorry his uh his kind of like 
tunic, should we call it, or shirt, trousers and boots you could send away for it. And that's, uh, I think it's, let me have a look what number it is. I think it's around about 300 something. Yeah, three three one one large size Luke Skywalker clothing set. So uh, yeah, you you could just send them off because the reason it, it rang a bell was I remember doing this for my six million dollar man when it was missing a couple of pieces in the box and we sent off for it and they they sent us uh, you know all of his clothes again because I'd never quite work out why I had two sets of shoes and everything. Like I said, the Star Wars stuff. I mean, I know there's there's things there people are very excited about. There's there's also a the Bubblematic Kenner nineteen forty seven. Now I didn't even know Kenner went back that far. But um, it's a counter display from the birth of the Kenner Toy Company, a time when there was just a single product available, the aluminium bubble-matic gun. So, I mean, that's up for five grand. I, I reckon that'll go for more, because that's, that's surely a piece of history, isn't it? Um, and Neverson didn't, didn't even know the company went back further than like, the 70s. So there we go. The very first Kenner store display ever created, and one of only five known to exist. That cannot go for, for $5,000, surely. Surely. Another thing I'm going to bring up is number 59, Luke Skywalker Jedi Knight with Thundercats Lion or Red Sword Mexican bootleg. It's just a, a fantastic callback where the thought of Luke Skywalker having a red sword from, from Lion or is absolutely amazing. I'll tell you what, while you're on the bootlegs as well, something I would really, really like, the uh, number 54, mm-hmm. the Darth Vader Bank bootleg um, by Score Moore from 1977. It looks an amazing piece of Darth Vader. It would go really well with my collection. I've never seen anything like that. His face is just... I don't, it, I don't know what it's doing. It it's, looks, a little, it's a, looks a little bit S&M. <laughs> yeah, I like it. I like it a lot. It might be something that I might have a little cheeky punt on. But um, but it's yeah. actually made by company suits. Well, S&M. Score more. So, yeah, score more. So that, 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 that's a bit cheeky, isn't it? If it's, I mean, normally they don't need you to put things on bootlegs, but yeah, in, in that bootleg range, oh my goodness, the the uh, the Dutch ones, the Dutch ones. I mean, just to describe what they are, they're, they're almost cutesy version of everything. I mean, Darth's actually got a sword going on, a sort of droopy sword, but it's the R2. He looks kind of like a mix and match of R2 and um, an R5 because he's got a lot of red stuff on. But yeah, mm. he's and he's missing a leg arm. <laughs> thing but uh, and the and the uh the staunch looks more like the stay puff marshmallow man so moving from bootleg then to some highlight items we've got the paratoy boba fett 41 back that's valued at seventy nine thousand. that's graded efa 75 that's a really nice item but the meccano square back boba fett graded efa 60 with an estimate of 25 to thirty thousand dollars I love those Meccano Square cardbacks, and obviously with FET, it's being hit with not only a really rare figure, but also with a FET tax as well. So that's a that's a great item. There's something in this for everybody. You know, there's pre-production items, there's blueprints, there's prequel items, there's uh, Lucite stars, cast and crew items, action figure-related items, bell displays. You know, I think there's an EFA 95 Collector 21 bell display. There can't be too many of those left. There's a Huffy display box and bike all ready for assembly in absolutely immaculate condition, number 117. Jess, I'm going to come to you first. Nearly a hundred of these items are from the personal collection of Howard Kissingen. Howard who? Dude, Howard. All right, here we go. On the Vintage Rebellion podcast, we're known for butchering names and this, that and the other, and, and there'll be no no excuse for me to butchering Howard Kazanjian's name. And uh, there we go. I'm only going to say it once, henceforth known as Howard. 
Well, he his tenure began with Lucasfilm in the summer of 1977, shortly after the uh, release of the original Star Wars. Um, he was producer on more American graffiti. Um, he basically big time dude in the film business, right? He, he continues uncredited uh, producer to rap out in the Empire Strikes Back before acting as executive producer on Raiders of a Lost Ark. So you can see a bit of a theme here and uh, producer on Jedi. And he was Lucasfilm's vice president of production during this period. As you can imagine, someone in that position is going to get their hands on lots of bits of kit, lots of casting crew items, lots of consumer products as well. So a, a gifted man in a gifted position. These pieces have been in his possession since they were sent to him way back when in Lucasfilm. Awesome, Jez. So certainly a varied career he's had there. Now, Stu, obviously we've heard of many auction houses. We've heard of Vectis. We've heard of... Hey, but Popstar aren't usually known for their vintage toy collections, as I said early on. So how can we have confidence in that these items um, are described accurately? Obviously, this one's out in LA. Uh, I believe there will be a UK one at some point. But they've got two of the two of the very best really working on it. You've got Darren Simpson from the UK, who's, whose knowledge is paramount. He knows his stuff. He trades weekly, his, his fingers on the pulse. And over in America, part of the... Um, Vintage Alliance, Chris Jorgulius is helping them over there. So two of the safest hands from one east side of the pond, really. It's a bit with confidence when those people have been checking out the items. All the way through the catalogue and in the PDF, there are descriptions and, and pages and pages of information headed, did you know? In there, it has definitions for things like bootlegs, which obviously, you know, we would all know what a bootleg is. We understand what palatoy is, but perhaps not everybody does. Is this a good idea that auction houses should potentially follow? Tell it, Rich, this is the best ever. Bro, I don't have one in hand because uh, I, I just, it just ended up on my pile, but I've got it downloaded as a PDF. I'm going to keep it because it's just got so many amazing <laughs> bits of information at the back. It really does go into everything. So well, it's got a section called how an action figure is made, which I'm now going to use forever because it, it goes from step one, creating a character, mock-ups, character designs, got what, 14, 14 steps all the way through to production release. And it, it describes them in simple speak for people like me with simple minds. And not only does it stop there, it goes into the card back guide of Star Wars um, figures. There's a few images missing, which might have to raid Star Wars Tracker to fill them in. But it actually tells you what it is. So Star Wars 20J, this car is identical to 20E with an additional red rectangular sticker extending the offer's deadline to. So things like that. If I saw a picture of it, I wouldn't know. It's got a description to tell thickos like me what's going on. And I've done that for Star Wars cards, Empire cards, Return of the Jedi cards, Droids cards and Ewoks cards. So this is this is an absolutely amazing guide. Yeah, absolutely every auction house should just nick it and just or license it off. That is a proper nice little guide, and I'm going to use it throughout podcasts ongoing because I think it's absolutely brilliant. And it, I don't know if it's 100 percent right, but I'm going to use it as canon. So there we go. Yeah, I was just looking there. It's a shame some of the images aren't there because you know, if, they, if they did a call out for you know the 31A, that's not there. I'm sure they'd be able to find them, and lots of people would have happily um, sent images in. But yeah, good spot, that Pete. How many uh, how many pages is this book? I mean, it looks thick. From what I've seen online, it looks brilliant, and it looks like it's been really well advertised. I think they've done a great job here. But the, I mean, how many pages is the book? Is it real thick? It's about, it's about 360, isn't it? Yeah, 370. 370. Flipping heck. Huge. What I like about this, and I know it's a little thing, but 
going back to the whole Howard Kazanjian thing, that um, all apparently everything um, which he's had in his possession, large or small, expensive or, or not so expensive, everything is going to come with a sort of authenticity uh, co-signed by him, which it's just one of those little extras, isn't it? It's just like the, if you remember the old sort of Jewy shoemate thing with the business cards and stuff like that, it's just a little extra thing which could could make all the difference. And it would certainly appeal to me as well. So, um, yeah, I'm definitely, definitely going to be watching this one with interest. So there you go, guys. Another amazing auction. And I'm sure that we're going to see lots more of these amazing auctions in the next five years as collectors or, you know, perhaps some of them are starting to cash in and think about kids as college funds and things like that. So even though it's incredibly unlikely that I'm going to win a thing, I think it's just always great to view, take part, and as I said before, the printer guide is absolutely wonderful. Good luck to everybody bidding and prop store. The moon with the Rebel base will be in range in 30 minutes. Pre-production keeps us motivated, Rich. I was told quite a long time ago now that collecting R5-D4 was going to be a cinch, most things were easy to find, there were next to no pre-production items, and it's only after, you know, spending the best part of four or five years now starting to acquire items, starting to realise that most of it's not true. And I was absolutely delighted when Matt George sent me an image on Facebook, and he said, hey Rich, check this out, and it was a tiny photograph of an R5-D4 and it clearly didn't look like a production one and I thought wow what is this so I was waiting for bait of breath until he announced it and done a nice little article on Fanta Tracks together with some of the better images that he sent me and I was absolutely staggered to find out what it is so for those who want to Matt George is one of the co-authors of the forthcoming Building an Empire book. So I'm hoping to get Matt George, Gary Borbridge and Stephen Ward, who are the other authors of this book, on at some point. I believe the big reveal of their book is going to be at Celebration Chicago and they've also got a pre-order link up now for it. Matt is one of the nicest guys in the hobby and over the last few years he's been visiting many former Kenner employees doing some research for the book and that this book's not just about star wars this book is about the kenna employees their backgrounds time working at, at the factories and uh, the kenna offices and i'm really looking forward to it but what he's managed to pick up from various travels is a pre-production r5d4 now to me unless somebody else can correct me i think this is only the second bit of pre-production that's turned up the other one is a photo sample which appears on the back of the Kenner 65, 77 and 92 cards, which is a photo sample that's now owned by Brian Angel. This here, he's described it as likely to have a proto-moulded head. So for those who are unsure, proto-mould is basically a bit of a toy that was made actually at Kenner itself. So this would have been made from aluminium moulds, which were much cheaper to fabricate, that were shot with plastic internally at Kenner, so there'd be no third party involvement at all, it wouldn't have needed to go out to the Far East. And the, that was designed obviously to speed up the process of making these 3D parts. So he thinks it's put the molded head, it definitely doesn't have any clicking mechanism whatsoever. It's an R2D2 body with R2D2 legs. And it's also got a sticker on it, which has clearly been made just for this purpose. Now, a lot of people, you know, might be looking at things like that and thinking, well, you know, how do I know what it is? Now, this is the part that I think that is really fascinating. Inside the vintage Star Wars carry case, the one that held the 24 figures together, 
was a small little insert. Most people know it from having the photograph of the kit bashed Boba Fett, which Brian Rockfell has been looking for for a number of years now. Well, to the left of Boba Fett is R5-D4 in the bottom left-hand corner, and this is the exact one that Matt has turned up. Now, he's listed some minor height and diameter differences between the two, but what a great item to turn up. So after 40, 40 plus years of lying around in some Kenner employee's uh, attic or basement, I'm really pleased that this has turned up. And I did say to Brian Wackfell, well, hopefully this is going to give you a little bit of hope now that the kit-bashed Boba Fett will eventually turn up. So nice one, Matt. I'm delighted for you. Great item. And check out my article on Found the Tracks if you want to read more about it. Death Star approaching. Estimated time to firing range, 15 minutes. Podcasting Chicago style, Rich. I know we alluded to this in the intro that you were going to cover the podcast stage. Perhaps you can give us a bit of a, a roundup of what's happening out there. Well, don't know a lot about what's happening in the podcast stage. I know that Mark Newbold is the podcast stage host, and obviously we know Mark very well, and I'm absolutely delighted for him that he's got that job. So the podcasts have all been announced. Many of them think our listeners would have heard of such as Thunder Tracks have got a slot on the podcast stage which you'd expect with Mark's involvement of course. Coffee with Kenobi is a fairly uh, mainstream one fan goes going rogue. The Forks cast in one of their I think it's their fourth or fifth iteration now have managed to get a slot and um, they've come back together after a few years out. Just flicking through the list there I think I know probably 75% of those podcasts are some that I haven't got a clue at all. And we've been asked a few times now why we haven't got a slot in the podcast stage and, and neither have um, the Kivecast. I don't think the Kivecast actually applied this time. We did apply, but we didn't. And we think it's possibly because all of these shows that are listed, such as Resistance Broadcast and Star Wars Action News, Guy Talkers, all of these podcasts discuss current Disney and Lucasfilm projects or merchandise tie-in, various other things, and, and we don't cover anything like that. Obviously, we are mainly 99% a vintage-oriented podcast. So it's a shame, I think, from our point of view, that amongst all these podcasts here, there's very little on collecting or collecting backgrounds. But there's certainly some that I would go to recommend that if you wanted to pick up your Star Wars fix... So I'm certainly going to say the Thunder Tracks is one that I enjoy. Um, I really enjoyed Forcecast uh, when I did listen to it. I haven't listened to it for a while now. But they've got two new hosts on there and I really enjoyed their shows. And as I say, many of the others on there, uh, they're all pretty much Galactic War Report's an interesting one because they focus on gaming. And I think that's from the, the tabletop games. So as releasing some of the shows on Thunder Tracks as I do, Galactic War Report seem to release uh, very regular shows. So, so that might be something that's worth going to check out for something completely different. Yeah, I was I was going through them earlier. I think there is a massive, massive lack of collecting generally, even modern collecting. I think a lot of them about Star Wars, but I was surprised at just how many literature-based ones there were. That I, I would say a good, probably just under half of them are literature-based, you know, about the novels or about the comics and stuff. And I thought it was quite heavily, heavily weighted with that is i just felt just thought it was a bit of a shame that oh i know toy run have just announced that they're no more it's going to split but that kind of thing galaxy of toys i'm looking through them i can't see a, a collecting podcast no, there the is. is purely collecting there is um star wars action news is a collecting oh yeah right, right yeah okay so that's the only one out of all those for four days worth of podcast stage which is a shame because such a, a large portion of the community 
it's collecting based. Even if it's modern, I, I do think it's been underrepresented there. Totally agree, Stu. It's a huge shame. For those who are missing their collecting fix, we will be involved in some kind of podcast co-host, co-meetup, and that's in the Collecting Lounge. This has been organised by Marjorie from Star Wars Action News and I think Jonathan McElwain, who we've had on the show before, he's trying to arrange something down there. So we've been invited along to that, so we're really excited to see what that can bring. But yeah, it's a shame, Stu. I think, I mean, obviously we don't know the different dynamics of all of the Star Wars fans who go to these things, you know, perhaps... You know, each of these will bring full crowds, and if so, that's great. But I, I would hate to lose some of the areas where they could be popular. I mean, certainly down in London, and I don't want this being sour grapes at all, because we're not entitled to anything on the podcast, but certainly down in London, we we were standing room only. We filled all the seats. We, you know, we had people standing all around the sides, all down the, you know, at the back there. And it's a shame. I could understand if it was something like Toy Run there, like you said, or one of those regular collecting podcasts that have been going for a while now. But, you know, it, it just seems such a, a big a big uh, blot there. I mean, there's no autograph podcasts. You would have thought that might be another one that would uh, have popped up. By all means, go and check one out if you've got a spare, you know, hour or so and you, you see a podcast slot opening. Get yourself involved because they're, they're always great fun and I'm sure most of those will have swag to give away. Hey, Rich. Um, yeah, just on that swag item, I went out to see the Star Wars Action News uh, in Orlando. South of the mate, we went along, and uh, it was brilliant for giveaways. We, we walked out with a lot of Jar Jar items, which wasn't my thing, but I managed to give give them away to kids on the way <laughs> on the way through the uh, center. I think it was the last thing I went to, actually. But yeah, they're, they're, they're really good. They're, they have giveaways all the time. They have freebies. There, there are a couple on there I have been to in the past as well, and I'm not going to name names, but you know, I think I was in one where there was, I think, less than eight people, and I was one of them. And you're thinking, okay, maybe they haven't got that sort of audience, and maybe they're getting in on other aspects. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, it is a shame that, that uh, collecting has been kind of ignored. But I would definitely recommend going down to the Star Wars Action News one, because it is <laughs> – I thought it was brilliant. I had a, I had a great time. They were, they were doing all sorts of crazy stuff, but maybe not in, the, in some of the other ones. Rebel base, one minute and closing. And finally, Rich, retro blues, a bit of a bit of a hot topic across Facebook in the last couple of days. Well, we wouldn't be Star Wars collectors if we didn't have something to whinge about, Stu. But yeah, so at New York Toy Fair, six, well, seven if you include Tarkin, uh, new figures have been released in what Hasbro are dubbing the retro line. So I'm just going to describe the figures first. We've got the first six, which are Chewbacca, Princess Leia, Stormtrooper, Luke Skywalker, Darth Vader, and Han Solo. And they're going to be available carded on what has been dubbed the retro-style cardback. The cardback is similar to what you'd expect to see on a on a 12-back card on the front, with uh, the Star Wars, the racetrack, the Hildebrand logo... I don't know why they've aged the card back um, because it looks a bit scruffy to me and if I was a modern card collector it would really irritate me that there's there's edgeway all around the cards I mean not actual physical ed- edgeway but they just look aged the name plates are on there just like oh, on the typical um, Kenner card backs it has the Kenner logo in the bottom corner but what I find really irritating is a very very large red circle with the word retro 
collection and then it's got collection in a couple of different languages there i think that is far too big i think that's really annoying a lot of people rich do we know if that's a sticker or whether that's a printed, printed part of the card yeah it's, it's printed, printed, isn't printed it? on yep it's another sticker oh, interesting i mean that's unless they make any changes of course between what they're showing a toy fair and um, what actually gets released but yeah it's a printed image um but it's, it's just too big a lot of people have complained about the punch tab, but at least the punch tab has a purpose. I understand the position of the punch tab and perhaps the size of it. You know, them a lot has changed since the Kennedys. The figures themselves, there was a lot. There was well, I'm going to say there's a few war between a lot of people saying that Hasbro are now legitimising repo items, but I think it was on one of Brian Angel's excellent Empire Strikes Back um, daily discussion threads. And he asked, you know, about opinions of them. And it, I think it's great that loads of people have actually highlighted the many, many differences between these and the actual vintage kind of items. Can they be described as repro? Well, no, they can't because they're not reproducing these figures. They're not from the, the vintage moulds. They are new sculpts. They are new moulds. Yes, they've been looking at the original Kenna figures as their inspiration, but they are not identical in any way. The weapons themselves, which a lot of people are worried about, I'm led to believe that all of the weapons are very, very jet black. And I'm hoping, although I haven't felt one, but I certainly know that nearly all of the weapons on the Force Awakens, Rogue One, Solo and The Last Jedi modern figures, they're very, very rubbery. And whereas the Kenna weapons are quite hard plastic, modern ones definitely have some bend in them. So there's no way that these can be passed off. Uh, Ozzy James, James Kennison, has sent some great shots of, you know, he zoomed into the Leia Blaster in particular because obviously that's the most valuable of the uh, the vintage weapons. And the new weapon, it's it's not close, it's not close at all, and that that's really good to see. So although Hasbro are claiming they've done the research, the the they sort of have, but it's it's not it's not perfect by any means. Um, there's certainly better repro items out there, so I'm really glad that Hasbro have not made these identical. What's really irritated me, though, is the amount of people who've said that um, the vin- your vintage loose collection is now worthless. Well, I- I'm sorry, but to me, if that's how you view your collection, then you're not in it for the right reasons. I've, I've said this umpteen times, if the-, if the market crashes tomorrow, I've still got my collection. I haven't lost money because I've still got my collection. That's what I'm in it for. So I'm really disappointed in reading about the the price of the the loose collection. This is going to have no impact at all on loose collecting. Yes, at times on eBay, you're going to have some numpty trying to sell some item that's going to be from the retro line. But this should be very, very easily distinguishable. So I'm I'm not concerned with that in the slightest. Now, what's got um, a lot of people asking about the back. So I've got an image of the card back in front of us. So on the back of it, it has um, Han, Chewie, Leia, Luke, Vader and Stormtrooper standing in a, in a line as I did on the, the 12 backs. So that's a really right, nice nod. But that only takes up about half of the, the card back. And on the back of it, and a lot of people are complaining about it, but there's a lot of warning messages in different languages. But as I've said online to a number of people now, it's a different time and year now. Most of that is advertising legislation. Uh, they have to do that. Hasbro don't have a choice. Uh, I don't think they particularly want to put all these warnings and warning messages on the back of the card backs in, you know, in however many different languages they've got there. But they, they've got to do that now, so there's nothing that Hasbro can do about it. 
Now, what everybody was excited about was the Grand Moff Tarkin. So a few people have seen, you know, at last the Grand Moff Tarkin we, we've been waiting for. I'm really surprised about the complaints I've heard about how it's a bad likeness, about how it's a poor item. Um, well, <laughs> go back and look at your Han Solo and tell me that that looked like Harrison Ford. You know, go and look at your Luke Skywalker. You know, I'm really, really astounded that. And there were other versions of Grand Moff Tarkin that have been out in the modern line. So if you're not happy about them, then don't buy it. A lot of people have been asking about the inclusion of Grand Moff Tarkin in the Escape from the Death Star game. Now, for those of you who read my Tracks article on Escape from the Death Star game, which I released about a month ago, we knew that this was coming out, so it was an ideal opportunity to revisit that game. So if you're unsure about the contents of Escape from the Death Star, then go and read my article on Tracks on that. But yep, Grand Moff Tarkin is included in that as an exclusive figure. I believe it's retailing for around about $16 from memory, with most of these figures going for $9.00. So, yep, a lot of people are saying it's Hasbro, money bags, and all that kind of stuff. What would irritate me about that um, Escape from the Death Star game is the fact that they've got a little cutout, so you can see talking. But, of course, when you take talking out, it's going to be a hole. So, I, do, I don't like that. I'd rather have, you know, perhaps just a printed version of talking on the front there without that little window. Uh, but that's just me. Pete, I mean, obviously, you're, you're a modern collector. You know, you pick up items now and then. What are these rap lines doing for you? Well, I think they're, they're right, actually. I've been waiting for something like this for quite a long time because, uh, I mean, it, my only my only problem is the it, having seen that the, the back of the car back is they seem to have stuck on the six figures and and that's it. Um, I hope it doesn't end here. I'd like to see them really go for it. You know, let's let's have a bigs from uh, Moss Eisley or whatever you want to call it Toshi Station. Let's have uh, a Baru. Let's have an Uncle Owen. Let's have some of these other figures. You know, Han in Han Stormtrooper figure in them in, in that style. I think it would be, it's it'd be a missed opportunity if that's it. I I'd, I'd probably pick up the Leia one. I would imagine maybe the Luke one as well. Not too bothered by the Darth and that sort of stuff. But yeah, I, 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 if I get hold of a Tarkin, wouldn't mind, wouldn't mind a Tarkin. I, that, that's quite cool. I'm I'm up for these. I think the, these are alright. I I they're grown on me. I'm I'm not actually that offended by the big retro sticker. I I'm more offended, not offended, but I more had the problem with the word retro. It just looks a bit odd. But um, I guess that will grow over time. They're right. The, the they're card just... weathering's a bit um bit of a strange decision, isn't it? Yeah, I can understand why. They you know they've gone down. You know they they put the word retro on there, and they and and that's their design flavour, isn't it? But um, it's going to do that over time anyway. <laughs> we don't need to be adding that. But uh, yeah, I, I can see why they've done it because it's, that's part of the, the the branding of this of this retro line. It's going to have you know the original artwork and then you know this this pretend weathering. I I, I was amazed online. It was like um, the Last Jedi again. The the hatred and some of the like the comments. I I just just leaves me gobsmacked about how how people conduct themselves and. Their, their feelings on certain things. If you don't like them, just move on by, you know? know. Don't worry about it. If you don't like them, don't buy them. I think the, wor- the, probably the worst thing that you brought up, Rich, the worst thing I've heard is this, it's going to destroy the vintage collections. And it's not. <laughs> it's so silly. How on earth is that going to destroy anything? Well, I've been led to believe that these are released because, obviously, the things like the Solo figures, the Last Jedi figures, they've left a sour taste in the toy collecting market. The shops aren't stocking them. So this is Hasbro's attempt to reinvigorate the collecting market and to give the confidence to the likes of, you know, Walmarts and Targets and various other places like that in that 
you know there's a lot of buzz about these um, I'm also led to believe that there are far more to be planned although I've been told not to expect you know too many talkings and other things um, talking might actually be the only one out of the first 21 for example that might you know be different then you know there might be one if they get to the Empire range um, some people online have said that they've planned for all 93 I'd be really surprised if that was the case um, you know unless they've got you know huge faith in that there is a future for toy collecting but I'm definitely going to pick these up, but as, as I say, I'm a loose collector, so I'm going to be ripping the card box open anyway. I believe you can get them with um, yellow tinge bubbles as well. <laughs> nah, really? <laughs> no, that was just a tug. I can't, I can't <laughs> see them doing the whole range, because they, you, you'll end up with, you know, if these are, if you, like you said, if these are for the stores to get some confidence back and salve some stuff, you're not going to have, I mean, I'm trying to think about what the peg warmers were when I was a Lower kid. Bot. I mean, yeah, yeah. Lowbot, lowbot, and lowbot. Hoth seemed to be doing the rounds when I was a kid as well. It seemed to be everywhere. Uh, you know, things like that. Those, those sort of figures where, you know, at the time they they just weren't a big deal. You know, especially some of the last seventeen. That's where they ended up in one 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 pound fifty nine bins and stuff. But I think I think if they, I, I, I would think they'd do Boba Fett. That'll be probably some show exclusive. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see that pop up at Celebration or something. You know, a Boba Fett on a vintage card. Because they've done it a few times, but you know, having that sort of same sculpt, that, that must still be lying around because they, they re, redid that, didn't they, about five years ago? Yeah. Um, I, I think like things like the bounty hunters, the, the popular figures, and any, any Luke and Han figure, you know, a Yoda, but I, I can't see him doing some of the, the you know, I, I can't see a General Medine appearing. Some of these people are going to have a hell of a panic if they bring out a final cape jar, aren't they? <laughs> I mean, there's going to be there's going to be suicides and all sorts. It's it's, it's really going to hit the hobby hard. Uh, but yeah. it's important that you brought that up, though, Stu, because I think to wrap that up nicely would just be to say, you know, I think the the reaction online has just been so over the top. It was just ridiculous. It was totally ridiculous. If you don't want them, walk on. If you do want them, buy them and enjoy them. I'm Ray Park, I'm the Dark Lord of the Sith. I played Darth Maul in the Phantom Menace and Maul in solo. And you're listening to the Vintage Rebellion. May the Force be with you.
right now, I'm delighted to welcome this month's interview guest. It's, it's been on the show a couple of times, I think, back on market with Pete when we had a market section with Pete. And I know that he was on a roundtable I did about 12 to 18 months ago. We'll all know him from Star Wars Tracker. It is Jared Cope. Good evening, Jared. Hi, hi. Great to have you on for a main interview, mate. Um, I know you're real passionate about the hobby. Um, yeah, uh, thanks. It's it's really an honour to have the interview like this. And we've got Pete to come through with us. Um, I know you you know a bit about Pete. Pete, Pete is the uh, the most advocate person I know for Star Wars Tracker. We all love to use it, but Pete yeah. is a. <laughs> I think he sits on it every day. Pete, good evening. Oh, hello there. <laughs> yeah, hi Pete. Let's let's start with Tracker. Let's get it out of the way, you know, yep, because okay. because that's what you're known for. Um, but not not known for it, but but because that's where your thing is, that's probably yeah. what people associate you with. Um, it was back in about 2014, was it? 2013, you started doing it? Yeah, that's basically the time. So I started to, um, what started just for me, actually, so I, as I was starting to just finish off a bit of collecting for myself, I kind of thought I needed some sort of tool to track prices just to make sure I'd get the best deal for something. So around 2013 is when I started it, but it wasn't until about 2014 when I actually had it in a state that I could let other people have a go at. Now, so that, that's that's what inspired you to do it. Um, you've now got, what, five, six years worth of data on there. It's become a very, very useful tool. Um, yeah, yeah. It amazes me still when you see people, oh, where can I find out the values of this or that? And you're just like, I see I see the tracker tagged all the time. How how much work does it take? Because are you physically inputting all that data? Yeah, all right. So let me um go through that a little bit. Um so so when I started doing this, um I kind of Canvas the market, so eBay, just to get a grasp on how much happens in a week and what I might be looking at, you know, inputting manually or, or, or you know, if there was some automated way to help me get through it. And, and I always maintain that, you know, the only way I'm going to be able to support an app like this is if I can do repetitive stuff really quickly and just, you know, churn through it. So it's kind of a mix of both those things that I do. So there's... Some things that I can automate to sort of give me a rough candidate set of finished listings that I then go and manually inspect and just make sure that they're a right fit for actually putting into Star Wars Tracker. Um, so some of the automation sort of you know, discards stuff that's been badly labelled like Power of the Force when they really mean the Power of the Force 2 stuff from the 90s. And um, I've got a lot of help which automates sort of just throwing away listings with repro weapons repro weapons straight away. But um, at the end of the day, whatever actually makes it into the tracker has had my eyes on it and it's had me actually just verifying it. So how much kind of time do you devote to it in a week, say? Yeah, in a week, um, it depends on the week how much has taken place. So, uh, you know, if there's a Vectus auction that's happened, I know that I have to put aside an hour or two to cover that one or a Hakes auction or something like that. But generally, I expect to get through it all in between two and three hours each week. And right. I usually do that over a weekend, just sort of split up the work a bit. And the areas that are tracked. So we've got um, so eBay. eBay US is on there, isn't it? Yeah, so the eBay, I actually um, 
further split up and I look for listings on ebay.com, which covers America and North America and Canada. Um, I then go to the ebay.co.uk site, which um, covers all of uh, the UK, obviously, and then Europe. And then I also go across to the Australian site to cover what's happening there. And the reason I do all three is because not every listing is going to turn up on each of those three sites at the same time. Um, depending on what postage people have on their listings or where um, you actually log in with, you know, what your postage is and your account can actually dictate what you see or don't see. Right. Um, so, yeah, so doing it that way ensures I get the most coverage and, you know, less likely to miss out on something. Jared, how do you um, catch the auctions, for example, that, that end and then don't get completed and then get relisted? Because... I think we've noticed in the past when especially when it's been like a quite a rare item and you go, oh, there's three or four of these. And in fact, it's only one because it got listed. You know, someone won the auction, didn't pay or something happened and they got relisted again. I mean, do you, do you think that that information should be kept in uh, that someone was prepared to pay it? Or do you think that that should be removed or or is it just one of those things you just can't, you know, kind of catch all that sort of information? Yeah, it's a good question. Um so I definitely know what you're talking about there. So there's a couple of ways to answer that, and I think both are valid. So first up is um, you know, people often say, you know, when they see those finished listings being, you know, relisted, they think that it's a dead deal. It didn't actually go through. Um, but a lot of people actually use their finished listings to then be the start of another listing. And I think that tags that finished listing as being relisted, even though it was filled in with new data for a completely new listing. So in that way, I think that they're still valid to harvest. Um, but sometimes I do notice that the same thing you know, appears the next week, so it's quite clear that that previous attempt you know, didn't finish for some reason, didn't actually you know, exchange. And um, I'm on the fence about it because on the one hand, you know, you've had the market dictating what the price is because you know, that's where the option finished. So it's, it's still a valid price point in that way, even though, for whatever reason, you know, the, the buyer didn't part with their money. There could have been any number of reasons why that didn't happen. Um, and then so, you know, on one hand, it's perfectly valid to capture both of those points as, you know, price points because most often they're going to be in the same ballpark. That's kind of what I've seen anyway. What I don't particularly like about uh, capturing that second attempt is that I, I like to kind of, or at least have an attempt at recording relative scarcity of items. And, um, you know, having items like that appear, you know, three or four times in a row until there's actually a successful sale and it changes hands sort of skews the volume data to representing that thing three or four times when in reality it's just once. Mm. Um, so it, it does depend what the item is, whether I'll actually just ignore those follow-up sales or whether I'll continue to, record them because you know given the benefit of the doubt that you know it could be a separate one yeah i was just wondering whether you thought um whether a tiny amount for example is a good reflection of the market for example yeah, every now and again we're we're going through ships for example and you see that someone's picked up a you know a really rare ship or a ship you don't normally see less than a couple of quid for like 99p and do you, you know i mean i wonder whether i know it is still data but whether that's something you ever consider thinking right you know maybe Maybe that's a, a ridiculous auction. It doesn't really reflect the market. Um, that's more of one of those things. You know, if someone has a lucky a lucky day. Is that a reflection of the market? It probably is. I just wonder whether you ever 
considered maybe chopping off some of those those daft auctions or, or if an auction goes to like twenty thousand pounds and then the person doesn't pay that's obviously not a reflection of the market is it yeah yeah you're totally right um uh, behind the scenes i do kind of screen for this stuff uh where i think it's just a little bit too dodgy so yeah um just well, just an example that's not dodgy in itself but doesn't help the matters is um there's some boba fett figures that might come up and, and go for a high price. And when you look a bit closer at it, it's one of those uh, painted blue helm versions where, you know, they're, they're quite rare and people are willing to pay quite a lot of money for them. And I haven't built the tracker to be able to record prices to that level of variation. So if one of those gets captured one week for, say, £300 when the normal going rate is £25, um, I'm more tempted just to exclude that from at least the valuation perspective um, so it doesn't taint people's you know, weekly valuations. But um, I do still leave it in the tracker for people to see as an outlier to sort of at least be alerted that you know, there's something special about that and, and they can click through and find the original listing and make the decision for themselves. Um, but for the case that you just mentioned, you know, if it's obviously you know, an an outlier price that's you know magnitudes off then i'm likely to just ignore it um, have you so ever you, sorry um have, have you yeah. thought about doing um variations because i know you do sort of like the big variations like a you know small head and big head hand kind of things but yep. have you thought of, of going down that that route at all yeah it's a constant struggle i have i mean there's got to be a balance somewhere between having something that's actually workable from a user perspective so so i don't want to have to present 16 different versions of Boba Fett in the app for someone to hope that they've picked the right one because they want to get a price for it. And the other the other problem that I always wrestle with is, you know, if I do go out on a limb and make a special first-class citizen variant, uh, I always run the risk that there's just not enough data points to have actually made that worthwhile. And so a case in point on that one is the orange-haired Luke Farmboy. So I made a decision to make that its own you know, top level figure variant, but there's, you know, it's just a handful of data points that actually end up turning up for that. So it's almost like a wasted space in the app. Um, but yet that was one thing that was really skewing, you know, the price data for, for the other two major variants, you know, the normal yellow hair one and the, the brown hair one. I just didn't know really where to fit that one. So there's always a few examples of, which, you know, with software, you can't really model exactly how you want. So you just try and do the best you can. You also, we were just saying where else you got your data from. You're also, um, you just mentioned it, auctions. Is it just the big auction houses or are you trying to cover all of them? Because I know there are obviously smaller toy auctions around the country. How best to explain that? So the goal that I always have with what I keep front and centre in my mind is, is what's useful to users of my app in terms of figuring out what a good price is and how much something is worth. And I have to balance that with the time that I have to put into the app each week. And so I've made a commitment to covering the Vectus auctions because they, more often than not, is where you're going to get some of the rarer Palatoy stuff that just won't appear on eBay. Um, recently, I made the decision to follow the Hakes auctions. Um, they got in touch with me to see if I'd be interested in putting their prices in the app. And they assured me that they had a, you know, a whole string of auctions coming up over the next several years. So it wasn't just going to be a flash in the pan with them. Um, 
As for other smaller auction houses or just more auction houses in general, um, I'm sort of almost of the opinion that more data is possibly unlikely to improve the quality of pricing in the app. So, for example, if I, if I can routinely get 20 prices for a figure week in, week out, having another five or 10 prices doesn't really skew the statistics or improve the statistics one way or the other. So in some ways, the sampling that I do get, I feel is enough. So I suppose that's the same with Facebook, because I believe you include the Echo sales, yeah? Facebook, yeah. Okay, let me say a few things about that. So everything was going along swimmingly there. So I was covering the Jabba's Palace auction group. Yeah. And then just to get sort of worldwide coverage, I decided to also do the same thing in an Australian group called the Australian Imperial Legion. And then I chose a US group as well, the, um, the auction block one. And so I was committing to doing that week in, week out. Uh, but then, then this Cambridge Analytica thing happened where they were doing more with the Facebook API than you know, what they probably should have been doing. And because of the public backlash that, um, Facebook got with that, um, they just made a really split decision and probably the right one, but they just disabled access to every app out there that was using certain functions of the Facebook API. And it just so happened that what I was relying on was using one of those functions, so it just broke immediately. And unfortunately, I've just not had enough time or priority to go back and, you know, do things the right way, inverted commas, and, and get that stuff up and running again. Right, so that, so currently there is no Facebook data being inputted onto. Yeah, onto I think tracker. it's last time I uh, added some was probably a year ago. So um, it's something I want to go through and backfill because I think it makes an interesting um, addition to you know having that data set. So you can do sort of interesting things like compare, you know, and try and answer that question: Is Facebook more expensive than eBay, or vice versa, or is it just for certain things and you know, do more sales happen on Facebook versus eBay, you know, that you, you can kind of get a leg up and try and have a go at answering those sort of questions. You've not thought about going into the, the like, the um, topic-specific kind of areas where you've got the Palatoy group or a Toll Toys group or a Lily Leddy group, which you may have certain sales go onto there because the collectors are there, because that could alter the data quite a lot on something like a, a Lily Leddy figure or... Yeah. Um, those, um, those open discussion groups um, are a nightmare in terms of tracking prices because uh, there's no Facebook's not built for following things chronologically and you know knowing how much how many posts you can scroll back through and and get things that have you know finished and and things that are you know new and popping up ahead of you. It's just like um, it's a logistical nightmare. And the other thing that I just can't commit to doing with those open groups is a lot of those deals happen behind um, private messaging yeah. and there's no rock solid way to know the actual price that changed hands. Um, like a seller is unlikely to admit they lowered the price and a buyer is unlikely to admit that they paid more than asking or, you know, as much as asking. So it's just a bit of um, cloak and dagger there, which doesn't really fit with the approach of Star Wars tracker data. Yeah. Yeah, I totally get that. Um, well, Tracker's brilliant. Is, is there, have you got any plans for it or to expand it? Or um, I'm sure you get all the time. Are you going to come into into the modern, which 
would just be a minefield. So I know the answer would be no to that. But yeah, is there any plans? That up. Um, I've not. I've never thought of going into modern Star Wars, but um, over the last six months, I've been entertaining the idea of doing a different domain entirely. So the vintage GI Joe line. And right. I had someone I was working with to sort of flesh that out, and we got a prototype up and working. Um, but it's been put on hold now because um, that domain is just so so much more complicated than vintage Star Wars. For starters, you've got like well, the last count we were up to 700 loose figures that we needed to account for, and um, the card back variations are a bit more. There's a bit more to them, and there's no kind of established categorization system like the Kellerman matrix to refer to everything. So there was quite a chunk of you know data missing for that domain before we could really get going. So that one's on hold. But you know, all the time I'm thinking about different domains I'd like to do, like Transformers or He-Man or something like that, but it all comes down to how much time do I have, and I'd prefer to just make Star Wars Tracker the best it can be. Yeah, yeah, great thing. Well, um, it's, I know for a fact it's something that we all use regularly. I, I, I check into it several times a week, and um, Pete, like I say at the beginning, We'll check into it several times a day. Um, such a useful tool, and uh, thank you for yeah, your hard work, mate. You know? Yeah, uh, Pete. Yeah, just wonder if you've had any anyone approach you about Star Trekker to sort of you know maybe put adverts on it, maybe to you know to give you a bit of cash. I mean, you, I'm assuming you don't make much money, <laughs> if anything, out of it. Because I mean, I know it's quite widely used as it, as it used to be, but um, I mean, I mean, I, you know, are you getting out of this? Or was it just a lot of hard work and, and not too much reward other than fun? Um, it's some of the latter. So, so let me say a few things about that. Um, I do have people come and approach me to um, see if I will promote their site with some of my comms or um, if someone can partner with me or if I will you know, put some advertising on the website because, you know, they presume and expect that I get a lot of traffic, but um, I, I say no most of the time to those things. So one thing you'll notice about the Star Wars Tracker website is there is no advertising. Um, mm. There is no clickbait. There's nothing to drag your attention away from why you're there in the first place. And so I'm in this um, kind of safe position where I've done all this by myself, for myself, and I'm not actually accountable to some parent company that's telling me, you know, we have to drive sales this way or that way or, we need to, you know, show our partners, you know, seven days a week for a marketing campaign. So I can kind of get away with not having to rely on that. And part of that and the downside of that is that in order to keep it running and to pay for things in the in the server side and just general things that come up um, is basically why there's a subscription fee for Star Wars Tracker. Um, so it could be made free, but then you would see all that really annoying advertising and it would just detract from the whole experience. Have you thought about the, I mean, seeing as it's, it's, it's becoming increasingly embedded in the community. I mean, I remember, I mean, I got banned from Echo for talking about, about the yeah, yeah. Star Wars Trucker just before they embraced it. And there was a bit, a bit of backlash of like, oh, we don't want those sort of prices, you know, that sort of information because uh, it went against their sort of prices. But now everyone's kind of embraced it. You know, it's seen as a, a tool. You're, you're totally non-offensive in, the, in, in, in the way the tool is. So I was wondering whether, whether you maybe would go down like a crowdfunded route in the community, you know, like Patreon, that sort of thing. Um, because it seems that 
you know, I don't, I don't hear anyone say anything negative about it. So I would assume that, you know, it's, it is much loved. I don't think there's any, you, know, you don't have any competitors either. And the fact that you've got, you know, four or five years now of pure quality data, which everyone can access. And it is, you know, it is becoming a real resource, a proper resource. Yeah, well, just in fairness to, you know, rounding out the, the opinions, I do, I do come across negative feedback from people about the tracker. Um, most of the time it's uh, to do with the price guide and they just don't believe the prices or it's not in keeping with their experience and, and or it's not detailed enough in, you know, what you can search against. Um, but I think overall, I think you're right. You know, most people do um, accept that it's, you know, a, if nothing else, you know, a useful um, tool to have in your toolkit, you know, in, in your vintage collecting hobby. Um, but as for the crowdfunding thing, I guess I could be up for it, but um, I, I would need to have something planned that would actually require a sum of cash to actually pour into the development. And unfortunately, I'm just you know lucky enough to be able to do all the dev myself. I can direct what needs to be um, developed. I can prioritise the order. So all be told, I don't know what I would do with crowdfunded money. Beer, Jared. Beer. <laughs> well, was, um, if that happened, <laughs> there was quite an interesting. Um, I don't know whether Stuart's going to cover it later, but let's do it now. Um, where where this tracker? It didn't come under a negative. It came under um, something that we probably don't hear too much. That I think it was Michael Havens of the Imperial Commissary. Was it the ICCCCCCD? And yeah. uh, he'd gone to buy some. Some, uh, some, well, some stock or some, or a haul off of somebody. And that person had priced it up and they'd used yeah. Star Wars Tracker to get their idea of price. Obviously, not completely 100%, but they'd gone in there and gone, oh, you know, a Luke, um, on a return July card. Um, you know, oh, it's going for about this, aren't they? So it's worth, I know what it's worth now. So, you know, it reached people that may be, you know, not the sort of like, you know, um, everyday hobby, but if someone had gone out there, found your tool, logged in, done, done their research, and then priced accordingly for their for their um, haul. Now, it wasn't – people weren't saying, oh, that's a terrible thing, but it was interesting to, to see that. You don't normally get that. Someone just wants to get rid of this stuff, but this, this was someone who was informed and had found Tracker. Yeah, um, I did catch wind of that post, and, and yeah, I, I love hearing stories like that. That um, Look, I'm, I'm not in this for the money. Like, this is not something that – I will be giving up my day job to do full time. I just don't think it could, you know, be that successful that, you know, this becomes my only source of income. And, you know, to hear posts and get posts like that, that it's actually helped someone to sell for fair price and not get ripped off. And conversely, for people looking to buy stuff that they don't overpay or, you know, they they get to sell and, you know, know where to price stuff, you know, that's that's all I could ever hope for. and, And that's, you know, it's just really good to hear stories like that. It's very encouraging for me. And it's and it is a tribute to all your hard work uh, that someone out there has got the price that it's worth, rather than you know obviously a bulk buy. You're obviously going to lower the price a bit yep. to encourage it. But uh, yeah, I, I, it was amazing to hear that. You must, must be you must be kind of overwhelmed that someone on the other side of the planet yeah. is using your tool for that. It's just crazy. Yeah, no, they are. Yeah, they are great messages to get. You know, just um. 
it makes it all worthwhile, you know, that three or four hours on a weekend or during a week. You know, it doesn't sound like much, but there are some weekends where I don't feel like doing it. But, you know, I realise that people are paying for this service, so they're paying me to actually keep that up. Um, and so he, to hear stories like that just makes it all worthwhile. You have to get some cheesy T-shirts done. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I mean, the other thing is that, you know, I do get – surprised when you know just out of left field someone you know says uh, they've signed up to my app you know how do I do this or that and it surprises me because I I do very little advertising you know aka you know the shirt comment just a second ago and um, so there's probably you know this could be a lot bigger if I spent more of my time and put a budget into marketing but one of the first things um that I wanted to do when you know I was getting Tracker out there is that I wanted it to grow organically by word of mouth and and good word of mouth you know if people really enjoyed it they'd speak highly of it and so um, people would get exposure to it from people that liked it so it, it should just grow in the way it's you know destined to grow and I feel like that's kind of happened now it's been it's been pleasing for that to play out definitely yeah brilliant. Jared, we all appreciate Tracker. Like we've already said, it's, it's a brilliant, brilliant uh, resource. I'm going to move it on. I want to go back. Let's, let's let's talk about Jared and your collecting and your childhood and stuff. So you're an Australian. Yes. Living in yeah. the UK. Um, when did you come come across the UK? Was it in adult life or was it junior childhood? Um, no, it was as an adult. Um, so I've been here for 14 years now and um, – I'm actually British. I've done the life in the UK test and everything, so I've got dual citizenship. And you know, for the foreseeable future, I'll be living in the UK. But I came over when I was 28 um, on this. Um, at the time, they called it a working holiday visa, which basically gave me two years to sort of work and travel and and you know just enjoy UK life. And what made you stay? The love what of the made world? me stay? Um, <laughs> Uh, well, honestly, what made me stay was actually picking up some decent work and um, just making friends over here. And before you knew it, this is where your life was. Um, I could have moved back to Australia, but I felt like I just would have had to have started again. Um, yeah. So yeah, the UK, um, London in particular, I live in London and I just love the lifestyle. I like the buzz of London and coming from you know, a reasonably small town in Australia um, kind of just makes me feel like I'm in the middle of something that matters over here. Yeah, brilliant. So, so junior childhood, it was an, an Australian growing up with Star Wars. Um, what, what was your first kind of your yeah. first exposure to the um, to Star Wars? Um, yeah, I think it was. So I remember being quite young. Um, I'll answer this in two parts. So the first exposure I had to Star Wars was actually watching Star Wars the movie. Um, it was like the very early 1980s and we'd just moved to a new house. And part of the tradition of the street that we moved into, they uh, all the adults would um, throw what they would call street parties a few times a year. So this first street party, all the adults in the street got together and brought all the kids over so that we could you know, find each other and you know, get play buddies and stuff. But this one party, they, um, to keep the kids organised, they put Star Wars on. Uh, it must have been a VHS tape, I'm guessing, or it might have been Betamax. I think they had a beta player. And it was the first time I'd seen Star Wars, and I was just blown away. I remember the um, 
Tusken Raiders scene really vividly at the start of the movie with the um, Banthers in particular. It was just like nothing I'd ever seen before. So that was my first memory of, you know, Star Wars existing. But in terms of the toys, um, I actually grew up with, well, my first collecting was He-Man. Um, but in infant school, so so in Australia we have this thing called infant school, which is um, kindergarten, year one and year two, before you go into primary school and then high school. So it was this infant school in year two, uh, just at lunchtime, we were all playing in the playground. And I just spotted this figure in the dirt that had you know, obviously been dropped there. And it was just this beat-to-hell Luke in Bespin. Um, I think it was missing hands and a foot had been chewed off or something. But I just looked at it and thought, hey, that's a Star Wars figure, and this thing's amazing. And I wanted to pick it up and rescue it right there because I never had Star Wars figures. Um, I'd kind of missed the boat a little bit being born in 77. I wasn't quite old enough to get the full first waves of them. Um, but just finding that figure in the dirt and, you know, I think it um, kindled something in me that, you know, that was the direction I needed to take things. Did you go on to have a fair fair amount as a child? Um, it's not what I would call a lot, but, you know, as an adult hearing other people's stories, I guess that I, I had a reasonable collection. So I think I had about 30 or maybe a little bit more than 30 loose figures. Um, didn't really have any of the ships or anything like that. Um, but in primary school, so years five and six, I remember trading in the place in the playground and buying some other figures off people that you know were clearly getting out of their their toys and you know wanted the extra pocket money. Um, so I think that's where it kind of started for me. Yeah, and with Star Wars out there, so Toll Toys had the license out in Australia. Yeah. Um, until it was bought by um, General Mills and about, I think it was about 82, 83. But we'll come back to Toll Toys in a minute. Okay. So you growing up, you, you had these toys, you you had this love of things. And like most of us, I'm sure, I'm sure it went away when you got to a certain age. Yeah, yeah. Um, high school. Um, well, yeah, the early years of high school, but um, I it was rekindled for me in probably year 11, in high school, so when I was 16 or 17. Um, I don't know, it was a couple of years before the movies were re-released in the, in the movies, I think that was 97, so a couple of years before then I just realised that those you know, figures were uh, so well done and they were actually moved from being toys to becoming collectibles and so I went after um, whatever I didn't get as a child with a collector's mind frame. You... you sent me some images when you got back into it. When you got back into collecting, you were still in Australia, weren't you? Yes, yep. So, and your original goal was to uh, figure on every card, is that correct? Yeah, ended up being that. So it started off being um, just completing a loose set of figures. Um, but fairly, fairly early into that, I sort of abandoned that, like still kept it going in parallel, but... Um, for the first time as sort of a you know a teenage young adult, I was seeing these figures still on their original cards unopened. And I thought they were the most amazing thing, like amazing A, they've survived this long and um, B, that you know they were available to purchase. So I made a decision to try and get all 96 um, on some sort of 
you know, MOC. I didn't really care which one it was. Um, I just wanted to be able to say, look, I've got an unopened, you know, one of each figure. And um, like you said, you've done that pretty early. Am I right, Emily? I'm sure you said this to me earlier, that your mint on car collection is still in Australia. Yeah, so so the the truth, uh, so the, the finality of that story is that I I got about 80 of them done in Australia and then by, by the time 97, 98 rolled around, 1997, 98, um, I started university and, and just didn't have the time for it anymore. So I'd, I never finished the run in Australia. And then a decade or so later when I'm living here in the UK, um, so the actual year, it must have been about 2013, the tail end of that year, 2014, um, I just decided to get the missing ones um, over here in the UK market just to finish off the 96. Right, so you haven't been tempted to get them all flown over? Oh, I think about it quite a lot. Um, I just, <laughs> I'm a bit frightened to do it because, you know, there's, uh, almost 24 hours of plane flight where you get turbulence and all sorts of things are going to be busting through bubbles there. Um, but I, I do think I will, next time I'm in Australia, I'm going to bring back, you know, the half dozen that kind of mean the most to me or, you know, the, 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 the ones that I want to show off the most and just be able to look at each day. But to be honest, I don't know when and how or, or if all my collection is going to be in one place. Or... Just rebuy the 80 you're missing over in the UK. Have two sets. You <laughs> oh, know? Of course. Of course. Yeah. Why didn't I think of that? Give you something to do. What, what is your current collecting goal? Where, where are you at with collecting? At the moment, it's it's a bit unfocused. I'll just go after something that I think just embellishes the whole. Um, so it's been a bit of a, a dry patch the last six months or so. But um, last year, I, I went after a few different MOCs just for card back variation that I didn't have in my collection. So, for example, a, a Kenna 45A with the display offer, I just never had a figure on that particular card back. So I just um, I just bought one of those. I think it was an Ugnaught or something like it. It's nothing particularly expensive, but it just sort of rounds out the collection that I have. So last year I engaged the help of our friendly Ian Sanderson to buy a few of these things. Uh, from the US and get them shipped over in one in one lot for me. Um, so it's kind of th- things like that. Um, the odd figure variation, if it's a decent price and and it's visually different enough from what I have, you know, I don't mind putting that on the shelf as well. Oh, you do like a variance. And um, is that a complete coin collection? Yeah. So that's probably. Um, the, the most serious thing I've done as a Star Wars collector. So as an adult with an adult brain, um, deciding to go after a full set of 62 Power of the Force coins was something I really committed to. And and that was actually the catalyst for getting Star Wars Tracker done, actually. Um, I started with an Excel sheet to sort of track prices for coins, and in particular some of the rare coins that hardly ever come up. Um, I wanted a way to remember, you know, six months ago a Tuscan Raider sold for 700. You know, I want to remember that fact so that I don't dilly dally and miss the opportunity if one comes up at 650 in the near future. Right. Um, so, Power of the Force coins was actually the first sort of collecting domain that Star Wars Tracker covered, and that was done purely to help me um, get the coin set as as efficiently as I could. 
now i need to ask you this so you um it looks like you made your own display you've got a, a big blackboard and you've got coin coin holders um, you've attached them to the board okay to display yeah. Lo- looks amazing but on every coin you've got a version of the front and a version of the back have you bought every coin twice um yeah so well <laughs> yes and no 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 is the technical answer but but you're right so what i actually set out to do was have my own executive set um so just a quick recap um it's termed an executive set there are about 10 or a dozen of these things made back in the day that were given to Kenner executives. And um, each one of those has a front and back uh, Power of the Force coin displayed side by side. So there's actually, uh, what's my mouse? There's 128 coins in that frame. And so I always thought that I'd, I'd really quite like that for myself. And I kind of justified it by that, you know, some people spend ten, twenty thousand pounds on a piece of art, like a painting, or um, or you know, they'll buy a supercar or something like that. And and I always thought that the power of the force coins in a nicely done frame can be very tastefully just hung up, and and you know, it can be a talking point, and gives me a chance to just you know walk past you know some of my vintage collection in a non-imposing way every day. Yeah. Looks amazing, mate. It, absolutely amazing. Um, that so is in the to UK. Finish that off, is it? Sorry, um, so yeah, sorry. I am missing. At last count, I think I'm missing four to complete the double set, and um, they're the usual suspects of um, a sale skiff coin and a Luke Hoth coin. They're usually toted as the most expensive and, and rarest to get. I'm missing a Greedo, a second Greedo. And I believe the last one is a second Zuckus. Um, yeah. So if I can track those down at some reasonable price, then I'll, I'll jump on them. Uh, yeah. So at the moment, as placeholders, I think I just have duplicate Warwick and Romba coins turned over. So if you look closely, um, you won't see the right coin, but it just makes it look full and complete at the moment until I get those extra ones. And you've got this on display in the UK. This isn't over in. This is here with me, yeah. Nice. It's a, a really nicely done, and um, if you allow us, so I'll share the image online if that's all right. If it's, yeah, no, please. Yeah, wonderful. Yeah, it really does look good. So just going back a bit, so Toltoys was the Australian distributor. Do you know, do you know much about Toltoys as a company, where it originated? It, or No, it came as a bit of a shock to me. Um, there's two... Two experiences that stand out with me about this. Um, one is the very first time, although I don't remember it clearly, the very first time I encountered Toll Toys stuff was when I bought a job lot off one of my mum's workmates back in, must have been 1996. And in amongst all that, he had some card backs that he'd just never thrown away, which I thought at the time was incredibly odd. Um, they just came with everything, so I didn't think much of them. Um and then fast forward to you know, 2014 or 15, and I was doing a trip back to Australia. And by this time, I was sort of immersed in the community and knew a bit more about you know, rarer licensees. And, and I was aware of Toll Toys being a desirable sort of brand to have some Star Wars stuff for. So back in Australia, going through all my stuff, I went through everything again and was just shocked that I, I had all these Toll Toys card backs that I'd really just forgotten about or, or never really paid much attention to. 
and um so i've kind of i have those with me back in london now and i have them in the um plastic sleeves to protect them and, and they're part of what i display here in, in my flat now these days what other toys did tonka tonka what other toys did um toll toys do though was it was it just other you know we're just talking board games generic kind of toys that... yeah i think they um they were just the general licensee for anything fun and you know aimed at children um a bit like a palatoy type company yeah, yeah. although obviously palatoy totally. did create their own own product as well yeah so what how why did the you might not know this but why did the cardboard death star end up in australia with the total toys logo on it um it's a very good question um australia is this strange place that's equally influenced by our motherland being england because we're all you know convicts over there from the motherland <laughs> you know and um but we're also very heavily influenced by America in terms of the TV shows we get and, and just the cultural exposure. So, it, yeah, I don't know why. I mean, I would have more expected to get the the Death Star station, you know, the, the plastic multi-level um, playset. But as far as I know, I don't remember any of my friends having that or even noticing that. And I've got a, a vague recollection of... One of my friends talking about being so disappointed when he got this Death Star playset and it was all made of cardboard, like it felt really cheap. Um, so, you know, on the one hand, you know, given our ties to the UK, in a way it doesn't surprise me it landed out there. Um, but, you know, in the other way, you know, I, I would have expected to see more of, you know, American uh, playsets make it out there as well. So I don't know what the definitive answer is. Is it identical as a toy? From what I understand, it's it's pretty darn close. Um, I, I don't actually have mine here in the UK to be able to study it in depth, but I might be making this up, but I think the, um, the gunner's canopy on top is a different colour. It's a much um, darker, almost, you know, um, uh, tainted yellow bubble that looks like it's aged, but I think it was actually that colour to begin with. Um, I, th- I think there are some di- very subtle differences like that that make it unique. But but overall, um, unless you're looking for them, you know, they're much the same as far as I know. Obviously, the other thing that which came out over there was obviously the Vinyl Cape Jower. You had your own, own version of this. Can you tell us the differences? First yeah. of all, I'm aware you do have a Toll Toys Vinyl Cape Jower, don't you? Yes, I do. Um, that's, that's actually one of the few, if if only things I've actually traded for. Um, so I've always wanted one. So it is the only vinyl cake jar I have. I don't have a Kenner one. And, and in fact, I always wanted a Kenner one. I think they actually look a lot better. But I'm so sort of, I'm a bit frightened of buying a Toll Toys one online from someone that I, I don't trust 100%, just because um, it's, it's a very easy to fake that cape with a cut-down Obi-Wan cape. The, the colour is pretty much identical on them. And, um, and until you have it in hand and you can do some tests on it, you just never know. You can't sort of tell just by looking at pictures, I don't think, whether it's good or not. And so I got mine from someone that I trust absolutely 100%, a schoolmate, and I know for a fact that he got it from a childhood collection in the early 90s, so there was just no... Um, no chance of it being faked, and and so I got mine that way, and so I'm 100% sure that it's right. So the main differences between that and the Kenner one 
Um, the cape itself, um, if you laid both the capes flat on a desk, you'd see that the um, Toll Toys one is a slightly different shape. It's more wider in parts, and um, it's the colour as, as well. Um, a lot of people think a Toll Toys Vinyl Cape Jawa is a fake one, just because the colour is so different to the, the American Kenner one. Is that the only difference on the cape? Does it still have, like, the the zip feel? Um, it still has the crosshatch zippy yeah. um, thing to it. Um, and actually, there's there's a lot more to it. I can kind of hear Aussie James in, in my head saying, you know, say about the, the other stuff, the bandolier pattern and the thumb and all sorts of stuff. The, the figure itself um, is also sculpt and a particular family that belongs with that cape so it's not enough just to have the the cape itself you need a particular figure sculpt to actually complete a whole toll toys version right that's where it gets complicated <laughs> yeah yeah um, but the cape um, is the main thing the figure can be gotten through other places uh, it's the cape that's the expensive part of it yeah uh, the, one of the other things i wanted to talk about with australia as well so uh, you had Power of the Force over there rather than the Tri Logo. Um, we had both actually in. Oh, did you? Yeah, yeah. Oh right, um, so you you were getting it from all sides. Brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> but but yeah, some of the rare. Yeah, you know, UK American split. We got a bit of both. Yeah, but some of the rarer Power of the Force were regularly found over in Australia, weren't they? I'm aware that Nick Toe, uh, Attack Drivers, and the Gamorian Guards were. Yeah. Were more rife over there than elsewhere. Any rhyme or reason for that, or my my head tells me just because Australia is the dumping ground for stuff at the end of its life, um, so that stuff. Uh, so okay, so if you include the the five here, so you've got the, the Kenner Canada Yak Face, and then you've got Anakin, Gamorian Guard, Nikto, eighty eighty Driver, and. Uh, there's another another one that I can't think of. Anyway, there's those handful which um, just come up much more regularly in Australia than anywhere else. And I think it totally has to do with um, stock just being dumped on Australia to try and get rid of it. Um, some franchise made a deal with American distributors and the Canadian distributor and said, yeah, we'll take all that. And Because um, it only came out you know, very late towards the end, as you know, 85, 86. I remember seeing this stuff in the shops even beyond that up to 1987, 1988. Um, so I think it was really just um, old stock. If any country in the world would take it, you know, Australia will take it. It's interesting you say you, you remember it because a lot, of, a lot of people I interview don't have recollection of it on the shelves. What, right. what did you think as a, as a child of the coins? Did, did it, um, back in the day, did it entice you to, to want them? <laughs> I've got quite a vivid memory of... Um, we used to have a chain out in Australia called Woolworths Variety. It was kind of um, a department store offshoot of the supermarket. And so there's one one of those in my hometown. And I remember seeing all these Power of the Force carded figures. And I think at the time I was taken aback to being, you know, even mildly offended that um, a, the, most of those, a lot of those figures, or the one in my mind I'm thinking is Imperial Dignitary, I'm just thinking, what the hell is that? I mean, what do they take us for? Who's going to buy that as an action figure? And then to top it off, it's got this coin with it. I mean, who do they take us for? I'm not a coin-collecting guy. You know, what am I going to do with that? So uh, 
I remember them just staying on the shelves week in, week out. They weren't moving at all. And it wouldn't surprise me if um, a lot of it was just chucked away. It didn't sell. They needed to free up space on the shelves and just end up in the dumpster. It's crazy. Um, and, and look at us now. The Imperial Dignity is probably the greatest figure. Um, well, you know, he apparently <laughs> made his um, appearance back in um, one of the recent movies from Disney yeah. <laughs> in the side scenes. Definitely worth a spin-off. Um, what else in Australia? You had a lot of the, um, I know the Harper Dog Chews were, were they New Zealand rather than Australia? Um, I'm not sure. Say that one again. What are they? The Harper Dog Chew stickers, which is a, a crazy, crazy thing. Have you ever seen them? I remember hearing about these. No, I can't say I've had the pleasure of seeing those. Yeah, stickers included with dog chow, which... yeah. yeah. <laughs> bit of a random uh, a time but i was just wondering if there was any other types of uh, oddball items or tie-ins or promotions that you can specifically remember for australia nothing really springs to mind um i think yeah mainly because I, I was really just too young to be looking for stuff beyond what the action figures were or, or any vehicles or playsets that went along with that um, yeah do you dabble in that at all now as a Growing up, um, you mean the um, the beyond the toys sort of stuff? Yeah, anything like that. I I don't actually. Um, I I can't kind of get into it. Um, truth be told, I think I'm more much more focused around action figures, the centre of my collection, uh, MOCs and coins and you know vehicles and stuff sort of are on the periphery outside that. And, um, yeah, anything not designed to you know, have been you know, played with as a young kid, it, it just doesn't grab me for some reason. So I, I don't really have anything to speak of, no. So you're collecting now. Is Are you are you a variant collector when it comes to the figures? I've got, um, your, I've got your loose collection I, in front of me at the moment, actually. You, you obviously yeah. do dabble in some variants. Yeah, I do. I wouldn't call myself a variant collector, um, but I'm always up for adding something new and different that will look good on the shelf right so so that's not something you're actively seeking you, you purely seek something that, that grabs you as you as you browse yeah that's right i mean yeah i'm not out there to complete a lily lady set of loose figures or anything like that um just just out of interest how often do toll toys items come up for sale in australia like a carded, uh, yeah. carded figure or a carded die. I think the diecast came out in Australia, didn't they? Carded with doll toys. Yeah, there's definitely a few of those. Um, uh, not often, not often. Um, there is, their rarity precedes them, so it's not like the Australian market is just teeming with this stuff. Every maybe three or four months, you might see a card back come up on the Australian eBay. Um, usually a handful because, you know, the same seller is just getting rid of all of them at the same time. Um, but, yeah, Toll Toys branded stuff, um, it really doesn't come up often anywhere on the planet, really. Yeah, strange. And um, what about what about the event scene? I know you're not out there, you're in the UK, but do they get a lot of conventions? Obviously, in the UK, we have – you've got your film and comic cons, you've got your Father's Roms, your Echo Lives for um, – general toy purchases but in the summer months i can find uh, a little like con pretty much every week in around kent area do they have a big event out there is it um i don't 
I'm not aware of a national-wide event, but um, I can say absolutely as fact that um, you know, certain parts in Australia have their own local toy fairs, and that's where I got most of my collection um, in the early 90s was travelling to Sydney, so three hours away in the car, a family would jump in and uh, and the toy fairs would just have a whole range of uh, vintage collectible stuff. So my dad was into his model cars, like models of best year and dinky toys, and um, it kind of suited us both to a T. Like we'd both go to the same fair and I'd look at the Star Wars stuff and he'd look at that and it was you know a great day out. And we'd go to one of those probably every couple of months, at least you know four or five times a year. And um, I know they still happen now as well. I've got a couple of friends based in Perth, and I think the title of that one's called Nexus Toy Fairs. Um, they happen quite regularly as well. I wonder, Jared, if uh, if somewhere in the outback there, there's a couple of little little sheds with boxes yeah. and boxes of toy toys stuff that's never been seen. It will suddenly appear like we've had in the past with places like France and stuff, where suddenly someone finds this stuff and goes, oh, look, there we go, and flood the market. Do you reckon you might go and do a road trip around Australia looking for it? Well, I think it's definitely worth thinking about. I mean, all that stock at you know, Woolworths variety, you know, if it didn't end up in the dumpster, it had to go somewhere, right? Yeah, exactly. It could, I mean, there's got to be some little outback place where... Yeah, and it's you know, in a desert stuff. environment. You know, it would have preserved them really well. <laughs> Uh, Pete, do you want to ask him the question you were telling me about just before we came on? What was that? I've forgotten. Um, he wants to know if everyone in Australia is like Mick Dundee <laughs> and they travel abroad. <laughs> <laughs> you, have remember, you have to remember my half-sister lived out in Australia for the last, like, ten years. So, uh... <laughs> Oh, yeah. Um, well, I wouldn't want to spoil it for you. I think you'll have to come to your own conclusions. <laughs> is you, it, um... Um, how big was Star Wars out in Australia, though, Jared? I mean, I mean, over in England, it was, you know, I mean, I was around at the time, and like Stuart, who was born like 20 years ago, and uh, you know, ev- everybody, everybody was mad on Star Wars. No matter who you were, girl, boy, everyone was yeah. Star Wars. I mean, what, what what impact did it have? Um, I think it was just as big. Um, yeah, I mean. I, I wasn't born at the right age to have many peers that were writing it, but I've got um I remember I remember having one friend, um, same friend I used to you know run around with in infant school when I found that trashed figure. He himself had a really good collection of figures at that stage, and he was the kind of kid that never played with them. I remember seeing them in one of the vinyl carry cases, and they were just pristine. And um, I know that his brother two or three years older than him had the same number of figures probably more because he was older and um it, it was definitely big you know just as big as it was here maybe we'll see a celebration australia announced at the end of chicago that would be something yeah, wouldn't well, it <laughs> it's got to go somewhere they say celebration doesn't have a home and so they're they're well overdue to get over that side of the world yeah i think um the only time they've been out of europe and america is japan wasn't it yeah yeah it must be due um, something like that. You're you're not going off to to Chicago. I know you're in London because you did a, a panel over there, didn't you? Yeah. So 2016, I I got to do a collector's panel. Um, but yeah, this year I've got a little bit too much going on to be able to make that trip. Um, so yeah, sadly I'll be watching from the sidelines. Yeah. Yeah. Jared, obviously the the time has ticked on. I told you the hour would go pretty quickly. It has. Uh, yeah. A question that I do always ask if we're being uh, 
you know the the earth's existence is about to come to an end and we're being moved to another planet uh, there's no monetary value out there so it doesn't matter what you take but there's only room on the shuttle for one piece of your collection what would you take and why um i'm gonna try and see if i can get away with this one um because in my mind they both belong together so it's going to be my original luke jedi figure and my r2 uh, with pop-up saver and i say that because um I'm pretty sure when – so I both opened these um, from you know, the carded figure when I got them. And uh, Luke Jedi, it just never had um, the green lightsaber. It, was, it just had the gun in there. And so I bought both of those figures at the same time on the um, belief that, you know, you had to buy the R2 with the pop-up saber in order to have Luke be able to have a saber. So to me, they're inseparable and, you know, they come as one item. We'll allow that. We'll allow that. What do, what do you think of the um – the retro collection that's been announced yesterday. Oh, man, I'm still forming reactions to that. Um, uh, straight from the top of my head, um, I was I was amazed to see that the legitimacy that they're giving to vintage collecting by actually doing the figures again. Um, oh, I thought that was great. But then I started to be a little bit concerned in that they're redoing the same figures, so not figures that they never got a chance to do previously, but just reissuing new figures. And I'm kind of dreading, um, if we go back to some points earlier in the interview about how I do my harvesting technique, um, being able to separate those new figures from proper vintage figures just on a very blurry eBay photo is going to make things very difficult, not just for me, but the community at large, I think. Yeah, well, at least you won't get bored. Um, <laughs> having <laughs> to sort that out. Yeah, uh, the Tarkin's been announced, isn't it as well? Mm. I believe, I believe, coming in a Escape from the Death Star board game box, which is a very, very uh, strange one that they've decided to pull yeah. back out the uh, um, arc. I mean, you can it? see, or sort of, um, it sort of harks to. Well, what I'm thinking about that is the um, Cloud City playset that had, you know the Canadian one anyway, that had carded figures inside it. And I think some of the Palatoy playsets also had carded figures inside. So I think someone in there at Hasbro is very switched on that knows what resonates with us older collectors. Yeah, yeah. But yeah you're right, though. You know, the two things, worlds apart, put together and um, board game and Tarkin, why not? Or maybe the Tarkin escape from the Death Star. That's what they're trying to suggest. <laughs> oh, it's going to pop back up in the um, episode yeah. nine. <laughs> um, it'll certainly be interesting to see if it sells well to see where they take it. But yeah. uh, time will tell on that. Well, just one last point. You know, if nothing else, if there's some positive in it, I'd love for them to do the card backs with you know Collector 32 or Collector 46. Or I'd love you know then that would be the only upshot for me is they sort of started to do their marketing like that again. It's one of the most classic things about the vintage line is having the checklist on the back and knowing what, what figures were available to collect. Definitely. be interesting to see what the backs are like, isn't it? Because uh, mm. there's been no no imagery of that yet. But, no, yeah. we shall see. Interesting times. Uh, Jared, thank you so much for taking your time this month. Um, always great having you on. Thank you so much for Tracker and allowing us to access that to, to get our data. We It's a go-to place for all of us regardless of what section we're on i use it for the interviews pete uses it for he's beyond the toys i know it's used in acquisitions everything um so it is such a good resource and it's certainly 
been a massive help to the podcast um since yeah, we no, saw that's that's know. fine uh it's yeah my pleasure my pleasure yeah thank you so much and thank you hopefully we'll um see you soon all right chat later Over to Jez for this month's newest acquisitions. Jezebel. Hello, what have we here? Ah, good. New acquisitions. Yeah, lads, straight away. I'm going to go off script. Yeah, he's good. Right. This, this is something different. No, you can own got it as much as you want. You, you, you can own got it till the cows come home. But something massive has happened in the latest acquisitions world. Something truly phenomenal. Right. We always start with Star Wars for the UK, don't we? Yeah. Because we, we, so we always go through latest acquisitions with Star Wars, Star Wars for the UK because it's always been our spiritual home. But the guys on the forum won't mind me saying this. First of all, I think we almost need the Awooga sounds right now from the Death Star, you know, because this is crazy. Rebel Scum, you know, they have their latest acquisitions sort of buried in their limelight section. Well, I was, I've been watching this and I've been watching this every month. And the last time there was any vintage shown was the 26th of March 2018 which is a pretty poor show, really, for Rebel Scum. And it was some coins, so not even not even toys. However, yes, on the 24th of January this year, Starfin showed off his vintage Atat Walker. That was the catalyst. That was the trigger which started a, a, a massive, massive landslide of, of vintage being shown because he then shows a TIE fighter and then Kenner 76 comes on and shows a Frisbee. So it just shows you what the power of one person can do. I, I was so chuffed when I saw this and I nearly said, right, we're going to do is the main thing. We're going to do the attacks. But unfortunately, we've recently done that. But, you know, I just I was like, oh, yeah, fair play. I was chuffed for Rebel Scum. And I know that people of Star Wars Forum UK will be chuffed also that the 10 month drought of latest acquisitions is over. What do you say, lads? Yay. Yeah, it's it's nice to see Rebel Scum ticking over. It would be a shame for that great repository to have died off. So good spot, Jez. Cheers, Rich. I mean, you see, you see that they still have sales threads. You still see that they still have some vintage threads ticking over. It is a great resource. I do think their new acquisitions, their latest acquisitions is in the wrong area. It's in the limelight area and that's where it's hidden. But no, definitely worthy and, uh, and I'm chuffed for them. So let's go back over to Star Wars for in the UK. As I said, spiritual home. And it's on page 2313. Seahawks. 
we've already covered this. We've already covered his pendulum press kits. But I actually just wanted to give him a bit of a shout out, really, because what he's done is, if you remember us talking about the pendulum press school kits, which have got the, the cassettes and, and they've got the, so they've got the audio and they've got the comic book stuff and they've, they've got the various images. Well, he has color corrected and scanned every image into his computer and matched it with the audio and made a 20 minute video, which he's uploaded on YouTube. So it's, it's like recreating what you would have seen at school. Now, allegedly, apparently it took him six hours to do this. He's also done the same with the comic books and the audio cassette, which goes with the comic books. And the link to that is on page 2311. Six hours effort. That's almost how long it takes to edit the NA section. So uh, good on you, mate. Right. Moving over. Well, in fact, you know, we just said page 2311. Chip steak. Now I'm looking at it now on an image which I've already saved. And this, this I'm impressed with. So he's got a Tolv cabinet, which we talk about all the time. And in there, he's got the Imperial Troop Transport, which is a favourite of all. I've always loved the Troop Transport. I remember Simon Hillier, my friend, had it as a child. And I didn't. I had the Rebel Transport, which was, you know, a comparable equal. Um, but the, the Imperial Troop Transport there, you know, the little record player and the, and the, and the sounds, it's always looks good. But I've never seen one look this good. This is chip steaks because he's got it full of stormtroopers. You've got stormtroopers flanking each side. I said flanking on either side of the Imperial Tube Transport. It's an army of stormtroopers and it really, really, in fact, they're driving it as well. It makes this troop transport look awesome. It really, really looks great to the point, lads, where I went on eBay last night and I looked for an Imperial Tube Transport for me all working. That is the way to display an Imperial Troop Transport. This is the way to do it. This is full of stormtroopers and it looks a business. Chipsteak, good on you, mate. I'm just having a little bit of a go at the moment. Is that all right, lads? Yeah. Clarks, um, pie and chips. Now, slightly awkward, Rod, really, because um, I, I contacted him and I said, mate, I, I want to talk about this. Can you come on the show? He's just completed his micro run, his Star Wars micro run. And it looks brilliant. It's got now, now when I say he's completed his micro run, his boxed well, yeah, micro but, run. Yeah, okay. This actually looks the business. All of them there in a big display. And uh, yeah, really, really looks fantastic. I wanted to get him on and he said, yep, yeah, I'll come on. I'm uh, I'm going to meet with Steve this weekend and, and I'll do a recording. I've just sent Steve a message and Steve said, I've not seen him for a year. So not sure what's going on there. Slight confusion on the podcast. Oh, well. Um, but Clark's pie and chips, mate, your micro run looks the business. Yeah. And I yeah, do know that I need to give a shout out on his behalf to Spoons for helping him get his final piece. So uh, cheers, Spoons. Now, that's enough about me. Right. Pete, I'm going to come to you, mate, because you've spoken to me about a colour vision book, which to me, it looks like some crazy 1970s LP. Tell us about it and where people can see it. Wild Jez, it's not just a uh, (laughs) a book that looks like a a rather odd LP. It is actually um, a book of art by Ron Cobb. Now, a lot of people don't, you know, I mean, that wouldn't hit into their vernacular of, 
Star Wars artist. Because it's always Ralph McQuarrie and no one ever talks about anyone else. But, I mean, Ron Cobb. Have you heard of him, Jens, just out of interest? I have not, mate. Uh, and just, um, as I said, well, this is on page 2319 of Star Wars from UK. 2319. No, mate, I've never heard of Ron Cobb. Is it, isn't he one of the Bee Gees? <laughs> Interesting. But no, I mean, I Ron Cobb was... Sweet corn was a very established artist. I mean, the the, the supposed rumour was that that uh, George Lucas saw a painting he did, or a picture he did, of, and I can't remember whether it was in the book or it, it ended up in the book, but it was a 1975 picture of a, of a kind of like a desert scene with a very kind of Arabic-looking dressed person on the back of a kind of lizardy-looking thing, which George Lucas apparently said, that's amazing, and kind of adapted that into the Jewback. But this this book contains a lot of the art, I mean, of Ron Cobb. And he became, well, he got onto the illustration team that, that came up with the Cantina Aliens. So uh, there's a great, you, you might well have seen this picture. It's of, um, I mean, he, he, he basically designed Hammerhead. So Hammer, Hammerhead is sitting there in his um, kind of little booth kind of thing. It's, it's a lovely little sketch. So he's kind of like um, been given that that accolade of of designing hammerhead but yeah him and a, a bunch of other artists worked this but this this book is i mean it's i, I remember i remember someone someone i think a friend of mine had it no i know who it yeah, was yeah, no i'm telling a lie now jazz it was my old art teacher he had this book and i remember looking through it and it, it cost him a lot of money he got it from the states i think when he, when he went over there but it's a big old book and it's beautiful and the art is fantastic but to get hold of one you're going to need to spend about Probably somewhere between seventy and a hundred pounds, I reckon. He probably has the best ever film credit in history. Now he worked on Back to the Future, Jez, and he, and his credit in the in the credits is the best. Can you can you even guess what it might be? Well, what with regards to designing posters, he didn't do the the epic one next to the DeLorean, did he? No, he didn't do that. But he, I, I will. You know, your, your misery did design some of the sort of like the. Um, I think, he, I think he designed like the layout of the car. But he was he was given the credit of DeLorean time travel consultant on the film. That was his right. title. Could could you get any better than that as a as a title? <laughs> That's pretty hardcore. So maybe he came up with the the flux capacitor and the one point twenty one gigawatts or whatever it was. Oh, well, he did the he did the early concept for DeLorean. So from from the, if you look down the top, there's a really beautiful sketch which which he did, um, a real intricate sketch actually. I don't know whether he came up with the flux capacitor, but that was definitely in there. But um, yeah, I mean he he labelled it out and everything. So I mean that's 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 all down to him. But um, yeah, it's it's one of those artists where you'll you'll see his sketches in every yeah, single concept Star Wars book. Yeah, I mean he's still alive, so he's still going. Um, he's, I think he's in his 80s now, but uh, yeah, it's it's one of those things where you don't. It, it, it's a name that needs more more gravitas, really, with Star Wars because I mean a lot of that that original film concept work, especially in the canteen, like I said, you know, comes from people like him. And, um, so yeah, um, beautiful book and a, and a cracking find. On Star Wars from UK on page two three one nine, this is a guy S one D zero W is his username. Just rolls off the tongue, and uh, <laughs> I, I can see just the front cover can't actually see are there any images later on in it or have you i mean you you recall this from seeing your teachers have we got any pictures of the inside do you know what it is people can see is there much star wars stuff inside this book it's 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 illustrations from i think it's anything well i think it covers mostly the 70s i would imagine any six and 70s stuff i think it was released in was 81 i think 
uh, early 80s. So I don't think there was much, there wouldn't be much Star Wars stuff in there, but a lot of concept material. I, I mean, I haven't seen that book for a long time. Just that's 30 years, mate. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's been on my. I mean, I've I've not looked at that book for thirty years, so all I can remember is that it was just full of beautiful kind of like science fiction art that you would see. Yeah. And in a lot of those books, I remember I used to pick up a lot of bits and pieces with with like ships, you know, these kind of like science fiction ships uh, they used to use on the front covers of Asimov books yeah. and stuff like that. But uh, I could not tell you the inside of it. The post, the post he's written. Um, this is you know S one D zero W's post. And it's got a small little uh, sticker, top right, from Stuart N.G. Books. And it does say seventy-five dollars. Yeah, yeah. So, um, wow, that's. Uh... But I mean, he, I mean, yeah, the list of films he worked on: Conan, Aliens, Back to the Future, Total Recall. And I think he came, came to prominence. Uh, do you remember a film called Dark Star? I do remember. Yes, I do remember. I've not seen it, but I do remember. He, um, I think he designed the, the main ship of that. So yeah, he's been, he, you know, he's he's one of those important science fiction artists. Artists, but uh, like I said, I wouldn't mind uh, if if Mister S One D Zero W, lovely name, um, could give us a few like looks into his book. I'd love to see it. Oh yeah, It'd yeah, that'd be Right, so we've spoken about Rebel Scam, we've spoken about Star Wars from UK, and Antantive, let's go over to Facebook. Now, Rich, I'm going to come to you, mate, because you want to talk about a Palatoy 12-inch Luke, is that right? That's correct, Jez, been a while since we talked anything large-sized action figure related, but over on Facebook, on the 12 Back and Early Vintage Facebook group, it was Collectible of the Week for Luke, and this is a post from Bjorn Terring. And he posted a Palatoy 12-inch Luke Skywalker. And I thought, you know, it's a really nice item, that. You don't see too many of them in that nice condition. But that's not really what he was showing off. Because what he was actually showing off was the fact that it had a Swedish price ticker on it. Now, he's written there, this is something I got recently, and I thought it would fit this week's collectible of the week. This is much more than a regular mint-in-box Palatoy 12-inch Luke with a price sticker, and the backstory makes it a lot more interesting, and then he's put in brackets, at least for me, well, at least for a lot of us beyond, so thanks for posting this. Before Playmix had the import of Star Wars in Sweden, a company called Alga had a short while. A few Palatoy 12 backmarks have been found with Swedish price stickers from that time, but no 12-inch figure had been found with box and price sticker until now. So I guess this makes it the earliest documented sale of a Luke Skywalker in Sweden. The seller remembers that he bought it in 1978, and it had a price sticker for 17.50 kroner on it. Now, to hear much more about Alga and Playmix and the Palatoy introduction of Star Wars into the Swedish market, I urge everyone to check out episode 27, which had Matthias Rendel on it, and that one was called The Knights of Rendel. But also on the SWCA blog, TS has written a blog post on there, dated the March the 3rd, 2017, titled The Emperor Comes to Sweden. So by listening to the first one and reading the second one, you'll learn a hell of a lot more about Sweden and the introduction of Palatoy into that market. So, nice one Bjorn, really nice find and great little bit of history. Brilliant, Rich, nice one mate. Right, Stu, coming over to you mate. Lily Leddy Star Wars Facebook group. You've been over there, what can you tell us you've seen dude? Well, again, this is more of a shout out because, you know, detail wise, but 
um, sometimes you're on Facebook and you just see something and you're like, oh my goodness. Over on the Lily Leddy Star Wars group, there's a chap called Oscar Galaz. Now, we did speak about getting him on, but his English isn't it isn't great, you know. It's not great written. It's just not going to be great spoken. So, but he has had a haul and a half. To have a Lily Leddy item in your collection is amazing. But this haul, okay. So let me just go through this haul first of all. So he's got um, some mint on cards. Some are partially sealed, and others are are mint on card, still fully sealed. So figures alone: Emperor's Royal Guard, Squidhead, Rancor Keeper, Tie Pilot, Darth Vader, Admiral Ackbar, Stormtrooper, Luke Jedi, Klaatu, Zuckus, Rees, all on card, all Lily Leddy, Jabba the Hutt playset, Scout Walker, Ewok Combat Glider, Speeder Bike, Tripod Laser Cannon, Vehicle Energizer, Ewok Assault Catapult. Uh, Cap 2 and the CLM3, which, of course, is the MLC3, all in a haul. It's just just exceptional. It's just even to look at the picture, you know, to find a find a, I know he's obviously in Mexico, but to find a, a haul like that is just it just blew my mind when I saw it. I was just thinking, oh, my God, what an absolute treat. What a haul. Is any of that in Chicago, maybe? You always see bloody stuff, don't you? It room sales and whatnot. Just, just a question. Why, why is CLM three for the MLC three? Why, why reverse it? That's because that's how their language is written. Like we, we would see things like the red table was a French, and you would see the table red. Yeah, but they haven't reversed the cap two. Yeah, but mm. it wasn't cap two to do captivator. It wasn't actually. It wasn't. It mm. wasn't a TLA. So uh, there we go. Hmm. Odd one. So, uh, yeah, they they just speak like Yoda. So, uh, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, no, great, man. That's, that's really, really cool. So, uh, yeah, lovely stuff. Okay, so, lads, we, uh, again, a uh, bit of a habit of me tonight, just going off, uh, off, off script. Who's hosting this? And uh, can you dial up, please, a certain Mark Daniels? Here he goes. Yep, I'm hosting it. Yep, two seconds. Can you, can you, can you bring Mark in? I can't do it, just two seconds. You can sound more interested about it. This is all going in the podcast, um, which is great. Um, ah. Don't take any offence, Mark. This is just how um, it normally sounds. I'm editing this, so... <laughs> uh, if you want to sound like a tool on the next podcast, uh, keep going. Actually, just be normal. <laughs> if you want me to sound like a tool, hey, my name's Richard. <laughs> anyway, so, lads, there we go. I was on the Facebook group, and actually... Hold on, you're asking got... this to dial Mark in, and you've just, you're chunting away. Yeah, but I'm going to do the intro, aren't I? Well, so, um... What happens if he comes in booming and over-talks you? Yeah, that's true. You can tell you've been away for six months. You're a total amateur now. Have you chanced What do you mean hey. now? <laughs> Here it is. Here you right, so there we are on Facebook. And then we all get tagged in a great post on the Palatoy Collectors Group. 
And this is Mark Daniels with his Mint and Box laser rifle with red insert. Now, way back, well at the beginning, um, I think in in the low numbers of the podcast, we talk about the uh, the laser rifle because it may well have been actually Mark who had got the purple one at the time. Because now the circle is complete. Mark has the red and purple inserts for his Mint and Box laser rifle. And um, I thought about just giving a quick shout out to say nice one. But Mark, massive friend of the podcast and friend of us all. And I just thought it would be great, lads, to get Mark on. Can we um, can we uh, give Mark a big welcome to the podcast this month? Hi, Mark. Hello, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, chaps. How are you? <laughs> yeah, good. Good. We're all good. We're all fine here now. Thank you. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who is this? What's your operating number? Ah, <laughs> oh, perfect. Good man. Good man. Hey, dude. Um, yeah. So, uh, so what's going on? Everything good? Yeah, fine, mate. Yeah, everything's uh, good. Uh, the Facebook groups are doing really well with plenty of new uh, guys coming on board. So, uh, yes, interesting time, shall we say, for uh, the collecting community, as you full well know. Yeah, definitely, mate. And. And also, I think we we were all delighted to see some news which you posted up very recently, a really, really special post which you put up, which I'm not going to steal your sandwiches, mate. I'd like you to tell our listeners all about this and uh, take all the credit which is coming your way, mate, because it's it's really it's it's just karma and it's just good stuff coming your way after everything which you've done. So uh, tell us what your latest great post was, mate. Well, I, I, I recently, I've been looking for a long time for the uh, Palatoy uh, laser rifle with a red insert. Now, that it, it's relatively easy to get in terms of uh, when you compare it to the purple one. But just finding one in decent condition is just impossible. Finding one with a D-clip, with the original elastic straps that keep the rifle to the insert, uh, the box in good shape, the window there, and the uh, instruction sheet. They are so hard to find. So when this one came up, and it was, um, I didn't get it cheap, uh, but to me it was the right sort of money. So I thought, now's the time to get it. Um, so, yeah, I've got, I've got both of them now. Um, since I posted it up, I've had loads of guys come to me and say they've never seen the purple one before, including... Uh, some collectors who've been around for a long time, they've never seen the purple one before. So we're, at the moment, what I'm trying to do is get some more information on that one. Right. Yeah, because I think it was the purple one, which we mentioned ages ago when you when it, it may have been when you got that one. So. Episode, episode eight, Jez, we brought that up on December yeah. 2014. So quite a while ago. Yeah, that's yeah, a long time ago. So, so you don't know anything. You don't know the reasons why the change or, or why this was a Palatoy exclusive my, color. Or my theory is now I I approached Bob uh, Brecken, the, the the main man at Palatoy at the time, and uh, asked him if he'd seen or knew of why the rifle came with a purple insert, and he said he'd never seen it before. He said, but. He was going to check with some old photographs of the Palatoy trade show. I think it was in 1978. Right, right. Um, to see if it appeared in some of the photographs. Um, my theory, I mean, first of all, a lot of the comments were, oh, is the insert legitimate? Is the purple one legitimate? Is it, or is it just yeah. something that somebody's cobbled together? I can categorically say 
knowing packaging and how packaging works and knowing the um, logistics and uh, everything that goes into making packaging, I can categorically say that it is 100% legitimate. There's no way could this be faked. And also, if you're going to fake something, why fake something in a weird colour like purple? You'd do it in a red colour, surely, so that you could pass it off as an original. I bought it originally from uh, a childhood collection from the original owner, and I have no reason to believe anything other than that. Uh, the die cut, um, it's very hard to fake a die cut um, with a scalpel. You, you just see it's just impossible to do, and this is crisp as anything. So in those terms, for me, it's 100% right. My opinion is it was either something done at the very start of production and they used whatever material they had to hand to see how it would look and released a small number, or it was something at the very end of production where they had run out of red and decided, right, well, what have we got to hand? Purple. They might have used the purple card on another product like Strawberry Shortcake, which I think was a Palatoy product at the time, yeah. and uh, used it then. So I don't think it was a mid-production thing. I think it was either at the very start as a sample or a, a very early production run or at the very, very end. So, yeah, it's, it's an interesting piece either way. Oh, mate, fantastic. No. Now, it makes me think, well, you know, so we've got the inset, the difference in colours. And, you know, over the last sort of year, maybe it's just over a year now, we've seen the 12A, B, and now the C, you know, slight variations in text on the reverse of a 12-bag cards, which, you know, people have been going crazy about. Yeah. Because you've got the different in insert, have you gone over the box with a fine tooth comb on every, you know, every angle, every every side, just to see if there are any other differences at all? I've I've gone full on Jason Smith on it. Um, <laughs> I have gone over that box with a fine tooth comb, and I cannot see any variation whatsoever. No text is different, colour, images. It's all identical. No, mate, that, that, that's awesome. Everyone's really chuffed with you. It's, it's really weird, though. It's quite funny because when you started talking, I was like, oh, that's not what I was going on about. I was going to bring this one up first. But what I was also going to talk about was your uh, – I, I saw a recent post about some T-shirts, mate. Uh, yes, yeah. Uh, I. It's something I've been dying to post for ages, and I've been told that I can't put it on any social media. So I had to wait – until I actually got mine in hand before I could post up. But, yeah, it's just a huge relief to say, right, you know, I mean, like I said in my post, other than actually being uh, involved in the film uh, and, you know, uh, working on the production of the film, it's as close as I can possibly get to being involved uh, on the production of the new films. And that was designing the uh, some crew gear for episode nine. Uh, some T-shirts, and I've, I've done stuff before. I've done some stickers for Solo, and I've, I've also done some other stickers for uh, Episode Nine, which I can't uh, divulge too much information on at the moment. But uh, I'll be posting those details about those uh, pretty soon. And I'm working on other stuff as well, and it's it's led on to other things. So um, yeah, you know the, the, these little projects that uh, sort of come your way, you never know how they're going to progress and. It's just been fantastic. It's a dream come true for me. 
mate, it's brilliant. You can see by the amount of people who were commenting and liking it and, and reacting to that post how well thought of the whole thing is and how delighted everyone is for you. As I said, it's it's like a karma thing. Everyone knows how much work you've been doing and people have been fans of your 12-inch by 24-inch um, prints, which you do um, at Sublevel Studios. You know, you, you've got a whole collection of those now including all the all the new movies and all your original crazy wacky ideas for for uh, the biker scout stuff and and the, the rancor and everything else so to see this um yeah mate we're we're all delighted for you we really really are thank um, you very much mate it's it's it, it's just nice to to receive some uh, sort of positive comments and it's always really it, i can't tell you how what what a great feeling it is when somebody sort of appreciates something that you've done you always sort of question yourself is this, is this any good is, is this the right kind of thing or um it's just going to get laughed out <laughs> laughed out of the town um but no i you know on on the whole i get really positive comments and i can't thank people enough for um, the support uh that they, they give me well dude i mean the fact that your work is now recognized by lucasfilm They've commissioned you to do their cast, some of their cast and crew stuff. There will be some of our listeners who have probably never seen your work before. So where is the best place where they can check out some of your great prints? And so I'm ashamed to say my my website page is about 10 years old and I've done nothing with it whatsoever. I just never get around to doing it. And um, I'm not a particularly web uh, abled guy, uh, shall we say. I'm, I'm more traditional. But I am on Facebook, Sublevel Studios. You can look out for me there. And um, I will be showing some of my artwork and um, sort of product design that I've done on Lucasfilm products for Star Wars. at Echo Live on May the 4th. Oh, brilliant. So I will have a table there uh, where I'll be selling some prints. I'll have some uh, cast and crew stuff and a uh, portfolio. So you can come over and have a chat by all means. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, be sure definitely to check that out. Yeah, yeah. But once again, Mark, mate, thanks ever so much for coming on. Congratulations on, on getting both of the laser rifles. They do look the business. Um, and uh, they're not sealed, are they? They're, they're mint in box. I take it they're not they, sealed. They're mint in box, yeah. They, they, yeah. They, mint. they have been used, but uh, yeah. they're as good as you'll get, I, I, I guess, unless you find a case, a shipping case or in some cases that's better because you i mean have you have you taken them out yet and used them I, well i don't i don't i haven't used them tempted as i am tempted as i am but yeah i'm not a sealed sort of guy i, I, yeah. I like to um, be able to you know get my hands on stuff yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely yeah someone put a laser rifle on stores from uk earlier on and i was like Oh, yeah, hmm, tempted on, on having that next to my uh, Stormtrooper on the mannequin. Yeah, yeah mate, get so one, yeah, get one. Know. You won't look yeah. back, you won't, will not look back, you will not regret it. <laughs> oh, no, you, you, you're buying stuff for me on my behalf, just like Grant, <laughs> but my money is brilliant, Grant's got a gift for that. <laughs> right, dude, um, thank you so much for coming on, and uh, we really appreciate it, and uh, look forward to seeing you, and uh, everyone can check out your stuff online, Sublevel Studios on Facebook, and it echo live you said on may the 4th yeah yeah absolutely thank you guys and keep up the good work Brilliant. good uh, great show as usual Cheers. mark uh, stop there <laughs> don't go anywhere right want to quickly quickly use you we, uh, we did a piece on uh ron cobb's television book oh yes yeah 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 and, and i know you're a massive fan of ron cobb I just wondered whether you wanted to talk about the 
the project that didn't happen. Absolutely, yeah. No, absolutely, I would. Yeah, because I mean, I mean, it's a book that I, I'm just trying to analyze. I saw this. I'll try to remember where it was, but it was my old art teacher, and he had had this book. I remember looking through it years ago. I never even thought about it until I saw that post on Star Wars forum. So, yeah. oh my god, I remember that back in back in my uh, my sixth form. Yeah, crazy fantastic, fantastic artist, amazing guy. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, you you seem to be a, an enormous fan of this guy. So, I mean, what 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 drew you in first off from Ron Cobb then? Well, um, it, basically, a friend of mine during the summer holidays, I think it was 1998, said um, he'd got a, a video of a film called Aliens, and we sat and watched it, and it's one of those sort of epiphany moments where you, you sit down, and when the film finished, I think I sat in silence for about three or four minutes. I just couldn't believe what I'd just seen. <laughs> it's one of those things. It, it's like the first time you see Star Wars. It's, it just hits you. And just it completely buries itself into your psyche. And that's what Aliens did for me. And then I started sort of doing a bit of research. And it was the whole look of the thing, the Marines, the APC, the power loader, the dropship, all these things. I absolutely fell in love with them all and realized that Ron Cobb, by and large, uh, along with James Cameron and a couple of other concept artists, was responsible for these kind of creations and I, I got, I started getting this obviously before the days of the internet. The only way you could find out about it was magazines like Starlog or Starburst, you know, art of books yeah. back then were very few and far between, but they were really, really good, lavishly illustrated books and they, they really got into the, the background of the film. And I managed to find a, uh, an old copy of the art of alien at a, but an old second-hand bookshop uh, local. And um, I read that from cover to cover several times. And Ron Cobb, Chris Foss, uh, Mobius, all these amazing Geiger, obviously, uh, all these guys really just, to me, are geniuses. They're just amazing. Uh, But the one guy that really stood out for me was Ron Cobb because his stuff, it was so realistic. His designs, it was was just beautifully done, absolutely beautifully done. And I've been a fan for years. And it's only really when you start getting into it, you realise just how many films he's been involved in. Yeah. Yeah, we were talking talking about things like Back to the Future, where he had an amazing title for his uh, (laughs) for his part in the in the design of the film. He was he was uh, he was given um, DeLorean Time Travel Consultant. That's that that's his title in the in the film credits. Now, if you're going to get a job, that's the sort of job you want, isn't it? If, <laughs> if you're going to be credited on a film, I mean, that is the ultimate credit, surely. I tell you what, what was interesting when you talked about the the, the being um, inspired by um, alien, well, aliens. I had a similar thing with Alien because I mean, I became a huge H.R. Geiger fan. I mean, I I remember seeing it, there was a book called Necromunicon, I think it was. Yes, it was a huge, yeah, yeah. massive book. Yeah, and it's so twisted his his his, his art. That I became I, slightly obsessed with quite quite a uh, well well forever until he died sadly but uh, I still try, mean to try and get out to see his, his uh, museum in um, oh some place in Switzerland I can't remember what it's Switzerland, called Switzerland yeah, yeah yeah but um, yeah he's got a bar and a museum but uh, so so what was his project then that that you almost worked on with Ron Cobb or were you trying to well, it, it was a company called Dreams and Visions Press and they uh, recently published a 
book, a, a sort of epitome of Ralph Macquarie's work, and it included everything with his work with NASA, uh, the motor industry, and it, it was all the way through to Star Wars and beyond. It was like a really, really lavish, beautiful book. And I, 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 I bought a copy, sat there and looked at it and read it, and I, all the way through this book, I thought, one of these needs to be done for Ron Cobb. Uh, because and Ralph Macquarie, rightly so, is credited as, as giving Star Wars the look and the feel. And in terms of product design for film, he is the sort of godfather. But you've also got people like Sid Mead, you know, who created the, the look of Blade Runner. Like, say, Geiger, who gave Alien such a unique look. But Ron Cobb, to me, is kind of largely overlooked i feel and yet he has just an important part to play as anybody else some of the things that he he designed you mentioned back to the future but he's also involved in films like the last starfighter which again is for me it's a it's a great science fiction film and and for many reasons one of the it was uh, one of the first films to use cgi so in, in in those terms it's quite an important film although it's largely overlooked and I just felt that Ron Cobb needed to um, have a book detailing his film career. So I went about, and this was, I would say, probably 2005, 2006, something like that. And I went about trying to find if he'd got an agent, uh, an email address I could contact him on. And he's he's based in Australia, he lives in Australia now. Uh, he's married, married to an Australian woman. So I, I managed to find an email address and I sent him an email and said, look, my name is such and such a body and uh, I'm a big fan. I'm sure you get emails like this all the time. But have you ever thought about doing a book? Anyway, about seven days go by, never hear anything back from him. And to be honest, I didn't expect it to. But then I got an email uh, and it was from Ron himself. And he was very gracious and uh, very happy to chat. And he says, what are you looking for exactly? And I says, well, I know somebody that's produced this book about Ralph Macquarie's work. And I just think that you should have a, a similar book. And he was very interested. He said, I've been working on a book myself for quite a, a while, but I've never got anywhere with it. What? How do you see it? So I literally spent a couple of days knocking up some page mock-ups and a front cover and sent it off to him. And he was very happy with it. And he, he liked the way... It looked and he could see it working. And we were in a chat and I put him in touch with the guys at Dreams and Visions Press. And, and then nothing, absolutely heard nothing about it and sent him a couple of emails saying any progress. And it just kind of dissipated. It didn't help that he was on the other side of the world. And I guess I, I don't know what his motivations were at the time, whether it was the wrong time, whether he didn't want to do it. As far as I know, you know, he's he's, he's still going strong. So I, I I don't know. It was it was very disappointing to sort of not progress anywhere with it, really. Yeah, I mean, he's it's quite an old guy, isn't he? So maybe he just went ah, stuff it. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, it, it's 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 difficult because he would have filled a book like that no problem. Yeah, uh, he's famous for his uh, political cartoons as well, as well as his film career. So there was there was loads of stuff he could put in there, absolutely stacks of stuff, and it would have been fantastic to see stuff that maybe we hadn't seen it that had made it into the films. You know, I, I always love to see Ralph Macquarie's 
progression with sketches and into paintings to see his thought process from a sketch to a painting. It's fantastic to see how artists like that work. And uh, I would have liked to have seen a similar thing for Ron, really. That is that. That's a real shame. It never happened. I mean, well, I guess that's how these projects go. So they, they, they just, you know, other things happen. Probably, probably thought the effort involved. I mean, you just don't know, do you? But at least he gave it a go. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, I, 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 I thought it was worth it. It was only, the, it was only the time of an email, so you know, it's worth, it's worth a shot. You never know. Maybe one day down the line, we will get this book. Maybe he's still working on it in secret. I don't know, but it would be lovely to see. Absolutely. I mean, you think with Star Wars being as it is, you know, this is the the time to do it, isn't it, really? Especially after Macquarie had that that big sort of like opus done on him. Yeah. Yeah. But it's a great Mark, I really appreciate that story. That's a fantastic sort of uh, addition to that little uh, little shout about the um, about the television book. No problem. No problem. Happy to talk talk about wrong path. No problem. (laughs) Well, I saw your post. I thought, oh, my God, if you're you're coming on for jazz, now I'm stealing you. Fair one. Fair one. Brilliant. Good stuff. Nice one, Mark. I'll see you Thursday, Mark. Yeah, I'm coming up on Thursday, mate. I'm going to be there. Yep, champion. Good Cheers, Mark. Take care, mate. Cheers. See you, Mark. Bye. Rich. Right. I'm going to come over to you now, mate, because something has just dropped in the last day or so. Um, I think a couple of days now. And, uh, and tell us about it, mate, because it's definitely worthy of a show. Yeah, Jess, so over on the Imperial Commissary, I think this was yesterday, Michael Havens, who was the owner of the IC, he posted an image, and it didn't have much information there, it just said, thanks, Justin Morgan, for the ultimate wild find tip. Woo, 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 and lots of woos at the end of it. Not for sale, as he, he got told off because he didn't have not for sale on his post, so well done everybody who to, who told off the owner of the IC, so he had to edit his post. And then I had a photograph of his truck with some card figures, and he updated his post, and I've got to share this with you, because this find is absolutely brilliant. So his story is, so I get a PM last night from fellow IC member who I've just mentioned there as Justin Morgan and I believe Justin's a listener to our show so great, great shout out to Justin there he says hey brother and then he puts in brackets he says brother too just like me I'm not making it up <laughs> I just ran into a massive lot on Facebook marketplace but it's way too big for me so he puts me in contact with a guy who owns it all and the guy says I know it's all worth because I have used Star Wars tracker his brother and lord passed away so he had a whole bunch of Star Wars stuff mainly coins fine art, 10 boxes of Star Wars. I tell him that a member of my group, Jared Corp, made the programme, and I think it's wonderful that folks are using it to figure out what their stuff is worth. So I have him send me some pictures and tell him I'll be down in the morning. I hopped in my truck bright and early, went to my little small town bank and cleaned them out, and then drove two and a half hours away to the beautiful state of Alabama. I pull up to a house that is completely nondescript, knock on the door, I go into this little back room, and there is box after box after box, jam-packed stuffed full of mint on cards lots of them are not in the best shape because when the guy passed away the family members down there just jammed everything in boxes but nonetheless they are incredible and you could tell they were dead mint before being jammed into those boxes we worked out a fair deal for both of us i certainly didn't give it all for a couple of grand unfortunately but it was still a heck of a find since i drove two and a half hours away through amish country from my house, I personally did not find the lot on the internet. It's definitely a wild, wild find, and one of the wildest I have ever had. I hooked the member up with a fat finder's fee and drove home with a truck full of vintage. 
and the guy that was letting it get eaten by mice in his basement made a stack of cash. Today was a great day for everybody. And he's got a photograph there of his items. And I can't say too many of them, but this, this photograph is absolutely brilliant. So the card, it fits, and the Star Wars cards, and Empire cards, Jedi cards, um, loads of items there. Um, and they will be, most of them, available for sale at some point. And maybe he's keeping some of them back for celebration. Maybe some of them's getting kept back for the ICCC 2019. So who knows? So it's a great find, Mike. That was absolutely great. It's not something that we could have just passed on tonight. Rich, there was um, some beautiful boxed die casts on there. I mean, I'm not exactly a die cast collector, but there was one of your, your favourites on there, the uh, the Thai Bomber. And there was one, a couple of boxes with a special offer. I don't know whether it was, it's a printed label or it's a stickered label, but apparently those are ridiculously rare. But there we go. Amazing. Brilliant. Well, yeah, definitely worth definitely worth mentioning that, Rich. Nice one to add that into the show notes. So, um, yeah. Oh, what well, great NA. Uh, and we're going to round it off now by going back to Star Wars Forum UK. And it was a post by TK7785 on page 2312. Now, first of all, he shows off a, a special buy, 99p Ewok Combat Complete Play Pack, which has uh, you know, got the old um, catapult there, uh, which, which is lovely. Very nice. However, uh, adorned with two stormtroopers making it. In fact, he's completely recreated the car, uh, the artwork from the box in a little diorama there. But that's not what grabbed my attention. What grabbed my attention is the A-Wing. Now, this is a, uh, well, that's a beautiful craft. This is a, um, maybe, maybe it'll grow on me soon, but this is a very fancy bit of kit, which, uh, which has eluded me. I've seen one for sale. I could have bought one at a, a Norwich sort of Comic-Con fair several years ago, which I went to with Grant. But he's, he's posted this, and it's a stunning photograph, and sometimes that makes all the difference. But he posted it saying, after Rich had posted his new A-Wing a couple of weeks back, it spurred me on to get serious about picking up myself. There you go, Rich. You are a trendsetter. No one's ever told you that before, have they? I hear it more than not, you can think, Jez. Funny you should say that, actually, but I was flicking through Vogue the other day and short shorts were on the catwalk all day long. So, uh, yeah, there we go, Rich. Um, total trendsetter. Uh, he goes on to say, I've always loved them since I discovered they existed via Steve Sansweet's 90s collector's guide. This one popped up on eBay with a make an offer listing, and there was also a 15% off eBay code that day. So, boom. It's only taken 20 years. So it, it looks great. And, and already, Rich, we know that, that you've got one of these bad boys. I don't have. They do fetch a pretty penny. Um, Pete, one of these found its way into your collection, dude? <laughs> no. <laughs> um, okay, fair enough. I, I thought it would come to you. I, I knew that it would be you and me who maybe didn't have one of these, but more, more on that in a minute. The stew. We often joke about what's being found in your garage and stuff like this, but I think a lovely craft like this wouldn't just be chucked in your garage. If you had one, you'd have it on display, mate. Is that right? Never had one. Never, never held one. one. No, I've seen them at the odd, odd event, but no, never okay. come into my position. Okay. So, so at the moment, you know, stew. You don't sound particularly enamoured with it. You know, I, I'm looking at them and I'm like, hmm. 
do you know what? Oh, there are several things which I need to get in my life. Y-Wing, PO2 Transport, and, you know, Skiff. And, and I think A-Wing is one of those ones. But, Rich, you know, you, you've got one. Is it something which you've got because you felt you needed to because you, you're slowly becoming a sort of completist of vintage toys? Or is it something which you actively wanted to get because you desired it? I've wanted one for ages, Jez. Um, I've seen so many for sale. The modern ones use the same date stamp. So as I've been to many toy fairs and I've, you know, rummaged through boxes, you know, you, you pick them up, you look at them and you go, nah, they're the modern ones. But I wanted one for a mix of two reasons. One, because I am a completist and I wanted to complete that run. And two, because, you know, I, I like all the vehicles. I think, I think it is a nice vehicle and... You know, I just wanted to acquire it to be part of the, the collection. Even though it was released in Droids packaging, I do consider it part of the Star Wars line. And there's certainly, you know, indications to show that kind of were thinking about releasing it in the Power of the Force line, although that ultimately didn't happen. So, so, so that goes to my first question because I was going to go to Stu saying, you know, mate, give us a brief history of its release and where can it be found. And obviously, Rich has already kind of alluded to that. Yeah, he's alluded to that. Like he says, came out in the uh, the short-lived droids droids line. Whether it would have come out in the Power of the Force, very very likely. Obviously, with the pilot coming out during that run of figures. But um, yeah, it obviously came with the planetary map, didn't we? We've we've touched on those before. But it's a nice looking ship. It's just something I've never got around to buying. But um, it is very 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 nice. I agree with Rich. It's yeah, something about it that's nice, isn't it? It looks very, if you think about the sort of Cold War era, almost fighter aircraft, which we've got, or we look back, it's, it's completely different to the Lightning at the front. But, you know, like the olden days sort of World Air Force, Cold War, USAF, you know, Russian, massive engine and bloke strapped to the front of it in a cockpit. And it, it's kind of one of those things. The A-Wing is just made up of two massive engines and then someone in the middle. Uh, and that's it. There's there's not much more. There's no there's no real wings to it apart from sort of two fins going up, um, sort of vertically up and down. So from a stability point of view, it doesn't look like it'd be a necessarily uh, easy aircraft to fly. Um, but yeah, definitely a sort of fighter aircraft uh, of the sort of Cold War era. Now, yeah, as you said, released on the droids line. I have seen some stuff on Star Wars Collector's Archive. I think it was some Chromelins or some original proofs of where they had some design concepts for it to be released on the Power of the Force line, which would have brought it out at the same time as the Skiff, and uh, which obviously is the other sort of real late entry craft, which is a real favourite of everyone's. Yeah, so that's his sort of, you know, that that's the, the history of it. But, but Rich, you know, you've got one, don't know if you've got it in hand. Can you describe it in any more detail? What, what are the features like? What, what, what have you seen about this? You know, what, what can it do, mate? Well, firstly, Jez, I'm glad they didn't, like, what I call Jez this up, because obviously it was one of the... <laughs> well, what I mean by that is it was originally, obviously, in the, in the droids line, and it was heavily featured in the droids, and it was dead easy to, you know, to make it look quite camp and cheesy like the cartoons. So they've kept it, you know, in very much in the movie theme style. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, yeah. so this could have easily, you know, been released in the Power of the Force line, you know, and nobody would have been any the wiser. 
I have to say, looking at it, even though I do like it, it it does it looks dull. It does look dull. The the colours, you know, they're just. It's hard to say. They're, they're very bland, and I, I know somebody's going to twist on and say, "Well, so do the the rest of the vehicles." But there's something about the the colour choice that they've used. It's not the white of the of the Falcon. It's not the grey of the shuttle. You know, it's a, it's a it's a completely different colour that's being used in this vehicle. So what does it have? Well, it has a, a lever which lifts the cockpit up and down, which is right next to the cockpit. So <laughs> it's totally pointless because the cockpit is right next to the lever and you just lift the cockpit up and down anyway, but never mind. Stop, 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 stop. I have to, Rich, I, I, you know, made, you know, big friends. Uh, and and, I, and, I, and I, lo- I love your experience. I love what you've got to say. But it's about the imagination. It's about the play factor. Now, this is it. So, you know, before you go on any more, what you had before, if you imagine, say, like the X-Wing or the Y-Wing, you, as the child, would, would manually lift up the cockpit. You're like, oh, blah, 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 blah. here's Luke Skywalker going in, or here's the A-Wing pilot. But what you've got here, I think I've read it somewhere, it's described as a lozenge about an inch or so behind the cockpit. So you can slide up and... And you can have the illusion, the play, the sort of the, the the thinking behind it, you know, the imagination. But that is an automatically raising cockpit. Can you not, Rich? Yeah, uh, uh, you've sorted this to us there, Jez. Yeah, oh, okay, I'll give you that one. Yeah. Right, carry on. Carry it's on. it's also got a lever underneath, and the lever underneath uh, lowers the landing gear. Now I do prefer that to something like the cloud car, for example, where you've got a you know, physically grab a hold of the legs and pull them down to get them down. So I, I do prefer the second lever, and it also has laser sounds. Yeah, it's 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 a quite nifty little vehicle for what it's got. I'm glad you brought up the skiff with it because I do consider it, you know, as as critical and crucial as a skiff to completing runs. And also, um, it's one of those vehicles that's just going to get more and more and more expensive as people start to get, you know, the Tie Fighters and the Falcons and the Y Wings, and then you know, starting to hunt down the last few of the vehicles, so I'm glad I got one finally. Oh, nice one, mate. Now, I, I'm chuffed for you. Before I come back, and, and I welcome anyone to come back, I mean, you know, Pete is the artist amongst us, and so maybe Pete's got something to say about the colours or the colour schemes, or, you know, anyone can jump in. But with regards to the functions of the A-Wing, is, is there anything else that you, you think now I'm, I'm posing this question back to you? Is there anything which you've missed thus far? I mean, I know when you described the skiff, you missed the sort of man overboard function. Mm-hmm. You didn't realise that the skiff had that function. What, what else with regards to the A-Wing? Well, we've got the rotating cannons, but I don't like the yeah. cannons on them. The cannons are, are the same ones, or they look the same as the ones on the, you know, them droids, interceptors and things. It looks the same yeah. kind of cannons as those. Uh, those cannons are definitely not as cool as the as the ones that's on the early vehicles. So they look fixed, but actually they come out and they rotate round, don't they? Yep. So, so there we go. So you, you, you can have it. So, you know, you're playing with it. You've got the imagination. You've got your lever bringing your cockpit up and down. Lever bring the landing air down. But also, the, um, with, with the laser sounds, you, you, you've got the cannons which can rotate round. So, which is, which is really weird. So rather than the actual aircraft follow its, uh, you know, its protagonist, rather than the aircraft follow its enemy around, it's saying that the, cannons can rotate along a you know a one axis just just around itself which is very very strange never seen before but definitely very interesting 
I mean, they, they say that the most skilled pilots fly the A-Wing because, um, you know, it really, really takes uh, an incredible amount of talent, bearing in mind that this aircraft isn't supplemented with a droid. So you've got your Y-Wing, you've got your X-Wing supplemented with a droid. Um, TIE fighters don't seem to be um, assisted with a droid, do they? But they do uh, go on about how the A-Wing A-wing interceptor pilots are, are the geniuses of the uh, of the rebel guys. Um, but yeah, really, really great to see. Um, Lads, what, what are your thoughts on, on Richard's points about the colour scheme? I quite like the colour. It's quite nice. I was going to say, really, that the, the, the overall design is... The, I would call the A-wing a fish out of water, a uh, craft, which, you know, which means when you see it in in the film, it looks really cool how it's flying around and zapping people. But when it's not in space flying around, it doesn't look very. It looks a bit odd and uncomfortable because of that kind of like tapered away sort of frontage to it. But in space, I mean, you know, you see pictures of it flying around in the the kind of battle of Death Star Two battle. And it looks it looks mean. <laughs> it looks mean with those little fins, doesn't it? With the guns on the side, it looks nice. I mean, obviously, before anyone jumps in saying, "Oh, Jez, what you're on about small wings and this and the other and aerodynamic," because you know there's there's um, you know <laughs> no atmosphere and space. So how you know how can you do wings? However, you know we we still seen battles. Um, over Scarif, etc., like that. So um, yeah, back off, haters. Um, no, I love, I love the cut skin because when you look at it, you've got grey undercarriage. So it's a mishmash. It's a mishmash. Unmade up their mind. You know, haven't made up their mind with regards to the colours because you've got four different lots of blues. I think the uh, the canopy, so the cockpit canopy glass, has got a uh, different blue trim, different blue to the cannons, and then you've got two different blue stickers. Uh, and then you've got the red, the main hull, additional red stickers. Um, so I certainly wouldn't say that it's it's a boring colour scheme. It's um, it's quite jazzy, really, isn't it? I mean, maybe Richard's thinking it's just too jazzy. They used similar colours in later B-Wings in the more modern line of toys. So it might have been a, a colour scheme that is connected to the Rebellion. I've got B-Wing, modern B-Wings with that ready, ready colour on them. Yeah, no, you know, I. It's interesting. What else, lads? What else came out in the droids line? You know, we've seen Rich. You you recently completed some because there's like the the interceptor, the ATL interceptor. Yeah, right. People have said, and Richard said that he doesn't think necessarily a Star Wars run is complete without the skiff and the A wing. However, would you draw the line at the others within the droids? And why is that? Why? Why? Is this got so much importance in a Star Wars collection, whereas some of the other droids line ones don't have? Well, apart from the obvious fact that it was in the movie, but it was in the. It's also on the E-wing cardback, so it's also got a little bit of you know kudos because it's on the as you say the E-wing pilot's cardback as well, yeah. Now, interestingly, okay, a little little quiz that cardback. I quite like this ship, but the cardback does nothing for me for the A-Wing pilot. Um, what other cardback does the A-Wing, part, A-wing uh, feature on? It's not a TIE fighter pilot, is it? It isn't, no, no. Oh, is it on a droid? It's on a droid's card, yeah. it's on a droid's card. Yeah, which one? 
Uh, say uh, A-wing pilot or it isn't no the A-wing pilot is running across a sandy dune on the Troyes card right, there is yeah, no A-wing yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's a very strange image actually it's really weird isn't it? <laughs> they've gone from one extreme to the other with that yeah wasted opportunity one might say no it's, it's on the R2-D2 uh, card on the Troyes line ah. and it's right in the background flying in the air right in the far distance but um, yeah you thought it would have been on the A-wing pilot rather than R2 but no very strange random cards. They really are. I'm going to do a line of them, I think. Sorry, carry on. <laughs> well, you know, we, we say about it uh, being in the movie. Now, as you know, I'm a massive fan of the Rebel Transport, which, which was clearly the hero of the movie. And then also shown not only in Empire Strikes Back, uh, but in The Last Jedi as well. Now, I, I was thinking about the A-Wing. I was like, oh, really? I mean, I know we've got the A-Wing pilot, but it was it was hardly in the movie. So, no, in no expense spared, I watched Jedi uh, or the battle the other day just to uh, prepare for this. And I was counting each half second and nanosecond that the A-Wing was seen. And they started to add up. And actually, the A-Wing is in the movie a lot more than I thought. When I say a lot more probably when you add it all together, probably around about six seconds. But still, you know, it was in more than I gave it credit for, to be fair. And it did breach the hull of the executor's bridge, didn't it? So um, and that had a catastrophic ending for for the Imperial fleet, really. So, um, yeah, good on you, A-Wing. You, you did well there. Uh, there's no advert. I couldn't find a TV trailer anywhere about the A-Wing, which was unfortunate, and uh, which is a real shame. Jess, can I just interrupt you? I know you just said there's no advert, but there's a generic droids Kenner advert which oh. does feature the A-Wing with a figure being put into it and uh, taken off. One sec, I will find it for you. Journey to the all-new world of adventure with a Star Wars droid. The race is on. R2-D2 and C-3PO get Thal's Jobin ready, set and gone. Thal's a sure winner, but dim in size and teeth Rome want to stop him from the side gun Teague attack. Thal races for his life, but here comes George Dusat in his A-wing. He fires, hits his mark, and sends Teague sailing. Who says good guys finish last? Share the adventure with these figures and vehicles. Batteries not included. Each sold separately. New from Kenner's Star Wars droid. I, I didn't realize I was Googling A-wing. I was Googling this and the other didn't think to google generic droids advert tv line stuff so uh, no mate that's that's great leave my tardiness in there it's fine so um pete i want one of these it's on my list now i i think very much like the skiff i'm gonna have to get my wallet out mate so, uh, <laughs> i think wallet and a second mortgage jazz oh really over the last four years jazz so I've got data for since 2015. There's been 52 loose recorded on Tracker, 44 hoxed. The cheapest loose, and it looks like, uh, well, that went to 2015. Someone picked one up for £89, and that is the cheapest by an absolute street. Wow. The average for a loose one over the last four years is £167. Um, right. Over the last year, the average for a loose one is £179. It seems to top out at, at the mid 200s. If you want one boxed, again, last four years, it's averaged at £353. <laughs> someone someone went bonkers and paid uh, £748 for a nice sealed uh, one in a box, all beautiful and lovely and flowery. And I would assume uh, maybe 
maybe not graded, no, but definitely mint. £748 in a box. Oh, my goodness. Over the last year, again, it's averaged £444 for a, for a box one. So it is not cheap, and they don't come up that often either. For me, I can't remember this from my childhood. So so now this, it's a really interesting concept because I'm always been a collector who's you know as you know gone for the memories and i keep on saying to you oh yeah ian thomas had this simon hilly had this and i can remember the kids who had the different toys and you know blasters and stuff like this i don't know anyone who had the a-wing but i do like it and i, I guess the same could be the same as skiff really i don't know anyone who had either of those two so I, I am now recognizing that i'm sort of moving away just from just from the sort of romance and nostalgia of my childhood to more completion. Stu, Pete, I know they're not cheap, but are you guys tempted? Are you, are you interested? Are you going to start looking on eBay or maybe thinking Celebration? Not, not at that price, no. I, I can't be bothered with that. I just go, you you can pick up the same, I think, I believe it's, it's the same mould of Power of Force one for a, yeah. a bit cheaper. Or you can um, get the even more modern one, which is really nice for like, a tenner <laughs> so no I, I, if someone wants to give me one fantastic i'm not I, i'm not gonna go searching one a modern one would fill the hole i i really i mean 200 quid for a, a loose ship is just too much i like Do it i want to add it at some point but yeah. it's not high high on my agenda at the moment lads what do you think is uh is been the reason for the increase in price recently i mean things have gone up but then we've seen things come down as well so you know some things go up some things come down why do you reckon this one's gone out it's got to be supply and demand doesn't it there wasn't many of them and many like richard i think a lot of people think of it as an important ship you've, you've got a pilot for it in the star wars range but no ship i think it's because like i said before when loose collectors finish their loose run they move, may move on to carter figures so yeah. when Toy collectors have got their ties and their Y wings and the A wing, uh, sorry, the B wings and you know Millennium Falcons and things like that. That's what's next, and I think because of the influx of collectors that we've had over the last five years, I think a lot of the cheaper and easier to get ships have been snapped up. So what do those guys do next? Do they just sit there twiddling the thumbs, or do they start tracking no. down the more difficult? They they go into things like Beyond the Toys, mate. I'm convinced the reason. For this, it's the Last Jedi. But the A wings. Yeah, the A wings were in the Last Jedi. They were in the opening battle scene, weren't they? They were. They were next to the bombers, and they 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 had some beautifully panned shots around the A wing, and you saw it, and everyone was like, "Oh yeah, A wing, not." And I'm convinced that that's the reason. Just when I think you couldn't possibly be any bigger of a clown, you come out with us, right? If (laughs) one single listener sends any message in whatsoever to say, right, and now, Jez, you've done this before, so, right, we know that you'll put somebody up to it. But if one person contacts us and says, because of The Last Jedi, that they are interested in an E-Wing, and that's why they're tracking them down, I would be astounded. I would no, I think shocked. It's, 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 no, I, I think genuinely people are going, yeah, oh yeah, look at that, it's really, oh yeah, nice, and it's just maybe fired their enthusiasm a little bit more. And I think what you've done is you've potentially massively disrespected a lot of our listeners there, Rich. Rich, I want to, I want to kind of, kind of back up Jess here because yeah. I, um, I think because of the, uh, the way this ship has been used, it's not, you know, it's something that's in Return of the Jedi. It's a lovely ship. It features in the 
the Embattle, and um, it's been used all the time through all the new um, stuff. So Rebels, um, everything. It's, it's been everything. It's been a ship of choice, go-to ship for you know a starfighter ship rather than just using X-wings. You know, the, let's face it, B-wings a bit awkward looking, um, and that is a great little ship to feature. You know, we saw it in Droids. It is it is not a uncommon ship in Star Wars. And I, I think, I believe it's been used across the comics as well recently. Uh, Poe Dameron's comic, I think he's been running around in a in a in an A-wing and all sorts. So, um, yeah, I, I think you're you're wrong there. I think people like it because it's it's a popular Star Wars ship now. And it's not just The Last Jedi, Jez, but it's, it's Star Wars in general. Yeah, the yeah ev- everyone's buying the A-wing because it was in Poe Dameron's comic. No, no, but it's it's just a, a shit. <laughs> everyone, everyone hated Last Jedi. It's not true. That's not true. <laughs> I'm online, Jez. I, I read it. Do you know hey, what? Um, can I tell you something? Can I tell you something? Yeah, of course you this can. Last Jedi. We haven't gone into Last Jedi much, but I watched that movie the other day. I've loved all the new movies, and I heard someone say the other day, "Oh, there's two types of collect- uh, two types of fans. There's the original trilogy fans and the new." That's rubbish. I don't think you can define fans. You either like movies or you don't. And if you don't, just move on. But I love The Last Jedi and I absolutely love Rose. I would go hand in hand in the battle of Rose. Rose is badass and I can argue to the cows come home why Rose is an absolute legend. I think that's a, a good in to go to um, the Vintage Alliance to save your section, Jess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, drag it out of the gutter. But it's not in the gutter because I love Rose. Anyway, yeah, so we've spoken about it a little bit, but there's obviously going to be loads of stuff. I've seen things, I've, I've seen uh, concept stuff out there, and, I, and I've seen various different um, original pre-production bits and pieces, which I'm sure I'd seen on the market, or maybe even on Rebels Come a while ago. So let's go over to the Vintage Rebellion Podcast Alliance and, uh, and see what Ron's got in store for us this month. Over to you, Ron. The Rebel Alliance is too well equipped. They're more dangerous than you realise. Hi guys, this is Ron Salvatore for the Vintage Rebellion Alliance. This month I'm going to talk about Kenner's A-Wing fighter vehicle. I'm going to tell you up front that there isn't a ton to say about the A-Wing. I'll do my best to cover the basics, and hopefully I'll give you one or two nuggets that you'll find interesting, or at least not totally boring. As most of you probably know, the A-Wing was the sole large vehicle in the 1985 Droids line. That's the line that was based on the Nelvana cartoon series. This may surprise some newer collectors, because what's a classic Star Wars vehicle doing in the droids line? I can tell you that when I was a child, I felt a bit horrified upon seeing the A-Wing in stores. I had a negative opinion of the droid series, and it just seemed wrong to me that the vehicle should appear as part of what I considered a second-rate line. In my mind, droids was only slightly removed from Smurfs. But from Kenner's perspective, releasing the A-Wing as a droids toy probably made a good bit of sense. The droids line needed a flagship vehicle. The power of the Force line had the Tatooine skiff and the Ewok battle wagon, and the A-wing could, with a little difficulty, be written into the A- be written into the cartoon series. Still, it was a little weird, especially when you consider that the figure representing the vehicle's pilot, the rather obviously named A-wing pilot, was released in both the Power of the Force and Droids lines. Talk about confusing! Uh, if you're a kid and you're going into the store, which one do you buy, the Droids version or the Power of the Force version? A little bit odd. Earlier, I mentioned that the A-Wing could be written into the droids cartoon. However, I'm not sure that it actually was, because, well, I haven't seen all of the droids cartoon episodes, and I'm not inclined to watch them now. But I think you can be sure that it was intended to be written into the show at some point. 
As a toy, the A-Wing was one of the more accurate representations of a vehicle in the entire line. It was scaled fairly correctly, and it was nicely detailed with paint applications. It was a smallish vehicle, uh, only a little larger than the Landspeeder, but smaller than the Cloud Car, uh, but, it, but it did have an electronic feature, the only toy released in 1985 to do so, or the only action figure toy anyway. Uh, that feature was the standard Kenner buzz noise, so I'm not sure how much value it actually added, but at least you got to use it to annoy your parents. The toy also featured two nice action features, a lever to, to lower the landing gear, and a switch located behind the cockpit that would raise the canopy to allow you to remove or insert an action figure. Interestingly, the A-Wing was among the first Kenner Star Wars toys to be designed on a computer. That's right, its engineering plans were done using a computer program, I believe an early version of AutoCAD. A curious relic of this process can be seen on the SWCA in the form of a large pen plot. Drawing. Uh, it's a, basically a drawing representing the various components of the product and demonstrating how they all fit together. Each component on that pen plot is rendered in a different color. Um, you can look at that on the Star Wars Collector's Archive. Uh, if you look at that entry, you'll see that the vehicle was designed to house the Chewbacca figure. You'll see the outline of Chewbacca very obviously in the cockpit. This was likely done to ensure that it could accommodate even the larger figures in the line, Chewbacca of course being rather large. Aside from that, I'm not aware of a ton of pre-production items that exist related to the physical toy. Some first shots are out there, generally they're just unpainted and perhaps undated versions of the production toy. A few might have slightly different coloration. First shots also exist for Hasbro's 90s edition of the vehicle, which used the same tooling as the, as the vintage uh, version of it did. You need to be careful when buying something like that. Make sure you don't buy, make sure that you don't pay vintage prices for a non-vintage prototype. I would ask around before purchasing an A-Wing first shot to make sure you know exactly what you're getting. Uh, surely, surely the best pre-production item that exists for the A-Wing is the original painting used for the vehicle's box. It's an amazing item that was saved by former Kenner marketing guy Tom Nyheisel. Uh, Gus Lopez obtained it in an auction about 10 years ago. It's a great item, one of the best pieces of art related to the Kenner Star Wars product line. Uh, you can also see that on the archive. Um, there's also an unusual piece of unused art related to the A-Wing that is substantially cruder than the art eventually chosen for the box. It may represent an early uh, conceptual pass at the box front by perhaps a different artist. You can also see that on the archive. Also in existence is a proof sheet of the Power of the Force A-Wing. Obviously, that's the A-Wing in a Power of the Force logo box, although in proof sheet form. Uh, this is one of the few items to indicate that the vehicle was at one time considered for the Power of the Force line. Uh, it was not featured in a catalog as a Power of the Force item, uh, so that, that proof sheet and maybe a couple other things are the only indications that it may have been switched to the Power of the Force line at some point in time. Of course, the Tatooine Skiff, which was a bonafide Power of the Force product, was itself considered for release in the droids line, and was even shown in droids packaging in some Kenner catalogs. So some line swapping seems to have affected these two classic vehicles. In fact, if you look at the sides of the A-Wing box, you'll see that it's depicted alongside figures from not the droids line, but the regular movie line. I believe the Imperial Gunner and even the Imperial Dignitary are hanging out there uh, beside the A-Wing on the box's side. Now, when I started collecting in the early to mid-1990s, the A-Wing was, as the kids say, the bomb. It was one of the very few Kenner toys that a collector had to pay hundreds of dollars to acquire in nice shape. I recall seeing a sealed example at a toy show priced at around $400, and I thought that was just outrageous. That a, a toy that was about 10 years old could be uh, a $400 item seemed just 
pretty crazy at that time. So my, 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 how times have changed. Uh, of course, the high prices were the result of limited availability. The A-Wing, like the Tatooine Skiff, was not available uh, for a long period of time, and so most collectors who got into the hobby in their 20s had never even seen it at retail. Uh, there was a certain mystique surrounding it at that point in time. Both the droids and the Power of the Force lines were nixed after 1985, and that was the end of the line for the A-Wing, until, of course, Hasbro re-released it in the 90s. But we do know that the vehicle was included in Kenner's proposal for a post-Power of the Force line as a photo of it appeared in a binder used to pitch that proposal. You can see that whole binder on the SWCA. It's in the Special Features section. Well, I think that about wraps it up. I can't think of anything else to say about the A-Wing. I uh, hope you guys are doing well and look forward to catching up with all of you in Chicago. You are part of the Rebel Alliance and a traitor. Take it away! Boom. Oh, yeah, I'm really, really enjoying this. And, and the more I think about it, and with The Last Jedi and everything else, yeah. Love the A-Wing. Gonna get me an A-Wing. Lads, thank you so much for uh, joining along on this month's uh, new acquisitions. I'm really, really looking forward to uh, doing it from the comfort of my own home next year, as opposed to being in Dusty Cabal. <laughs> I've got the black lung pop. And uh, so, yeah, yeah, really, really good fun. And, uh, and yeah, next month, who knows, we might have a little Tantive 11 section where uh, Clint or someone comes to join us. Um, thanks so much, Ron, for coming on. Thank you, Mark, for coming on. Always lovely to hear you. And uh, and that's, uh, I really, really enjoyed it. So uh, until next time, see you next month. Far beyond this world I've known Far beyond my time Episode 57, oh my goodness, I feel old. Let's go into the A-Wing. Before I start, I was trying to think, where does the A-Wing first appear in the films? After the, the original trilogy, I didn't realise, I mean, having kind of watched Return of the Jedi again, I didn't realise how prevalent it was in, in the end scene. It is part of the main sort of crew, along with Wedge and his mates, um, helping Millennium Falcon out. There is actually a, a A-Wing that follows them all the way through the Death Star, goes through, you know, blows it up, comes out the other end. So I was thinking, I wonder where it first appears. I'm going to say that it first appears... Is it when they first launch the assault on the Death Star? Does it first appear there? It first appears there, but it's, it's as far as I can see, it's a little bit earlier. So what, just before they jump into hyperspace um, to, to hit the Death Star, you see, um, again, the Falcon, and it's got an X-Wing or two with it. If you were the I think it might, might be a B-Wing, actually, with it as well. But there's a little A-Wing tacking at the back, who, like I said, becomes part of their, their little mission crew. And it's and it's weaving in between the big ships, coming in and out. And it's a, it's right at the end of like the, the little Conga. I'm going to call it a Conga. I'm going to call it a ship Conga. It suddenly occurred to me earlier on, I thought, hang on a minute, I wonder if it's in the, if you see it in the hangar bay. Do you know when Han and Lando are having a bit of a chinwag about oncoming events? 
Could be, yeah, that'd be a good shout out if it is. We all know that there's the, the A1 that crashes into the executor. Uh, anyone know the name of the pilot? They did actually do a, an action figure of this guy in, in the modern line. Anyone can even remember? He's got the most ridiculous name of all time. Is it A-Wing Pilot? <laughs> that is close. That is close. He was Green Leader, so that, that was a good start, but he's got the most outrageous name. Avril Srinid. Uh, C-R-Y-N-Y-D. He's obviously not a fan of the old uh, vowel. But, um, yeah, Avril Srinid, Green Leader. So there we go. And uh, why why is it called an A-Wing, just out of interest? Well, I know that one. Go on, that, Rich. That's because when they first built the ships, they had an A ship and a B ship. They didn't know what to call them, so they ended up becoming the A fighter and the B fighter, and then that evolved into the A wing and the B wing. So they're just referenced as A and B. But there is actually another reason, Rich. Um, it is because of the shape of the ship looks like an arrowhead, thus the A wing. There we go. There's a bit of trivia for you that no one cares about. Right. Right, so um, there's not tons of stuff. I think we've had our little internal discussions and it seems to be featured on more print work related stuff than anything else. But there are a few little bits and bobs I wanted to highlight. There, there is a model or two, but not that much. Uh, there's tons like I said, tons of stuff and references in in more modern outside the original trilogy stuff. Um, it's it's featured all over the place. In fact, outside the original trilogy it seems to be the sort of almost the the fighter craft of choice. Um, across um, from Rebels to the the Droid series, um, it's everywhere. It, it's just it just pops up all over the place. It is a lovely looking craft. Now the one I wanted to pick up on um, sort of references that. So it is actually the um, cover of the German Droids VHS tape number two of the series. Um, it's got several um, episodes on, and I'm going to try and butch some German now. So it's on the the episode Die Paraten von Tarnuga. Um, the Pirates of Tarnunga. Um, so very, very lovely little bit of flowery art- artwork. If you watch the episode, actually, there's um, there's a lot of A-Wing action in there um, because they tend to fly around on one. So if you are a fan of the A-Wing, I would suggest you uh, you check out the the uh, the German <laughs> especially the German Joyce cover. I couldn't find it on on other covers, but for some reason the German one came up. So there we go. Anyone watched the episode, guys? Yeah, I've seen the episode uh, quite a while ago, and you're right. It's a great episode. If you love the A-Wing, check it out. The second item is a personal favourite of mine. Now, I remember actually buying this in the shop and uh, being quite surprised um, because it had a, a free gift on it. Now, this is the Return of the Jedi comic. I think it's a reason this is similar in America, but the artwork is is similar across the board. But it was the Return of the Jedi UK weekly number one when Empire start they continued the weekly numbers we got to return jello they start again went all right we'll go number one so it's a lovely normal size comic but they've added a bit extra if you've got the comic in your hand it's a little bit taller than normal i don't know why just one of those weird things but it has a badge on it guys did anyone have this nope never had comics as a kid never saw them you're not allowed comics rich what happened probably true as well couldn't afford to buy them it's probably too early for you Stu. i mean yeah you got star wars what 1986 um, I I collected Beano and Royal Rovers. <laughs> I started on I started on the Dandy. My brother was on the Beano, but uh, I went I went down the Dandy route. And then when I ran out of that, it was uh, Return of Jedi Man, Man comic. And then then eventually went into the football side of things. I think it was ninety minutes the time I finished that. If you remember that one, 
But uh, anyone had a look what the badge that came with this item? Do you know what it looks like? It is a very, very snazzy cover, isn't it? It's a beautiful cover. It's The, the artwork is absolutely fantastic. You, you don't see it a lot, but um, it was, I don't know, had a certain, I don't know, I think it's because Luke was such a cool character, but there's not a great deal out of it. But there are, there are A-Wings flying out the side of it. There is, yeah. Three, actually. Three. One, two, three. Yeah, three. I don't think the A-Wing is given enough credit. Like I said, it, uh, yeah, we, we all look at the Millennium Falcon running through. That blooming A-Wing, that's part of the whole, you know, the glory of the Death Star. And then, you know, when, when that guy flies out, what happens What happens to uh, one of the A-Wings? It takes out one of the biggest ships in the fleet. I mean, come on. This A-Wing it deserves a, you know, its own awards. We never, it never gets any mention. It never gets the props that it is deserved. But anyway, to, to put it in misery, the badge had a little Darth Vader on it. It's beautiful. It's red. Well, mine's not very red anymore. It's kind of slightly pink. But yeah, definitely worth finding finding that that issue. It's a beautiful thing, guys. Okay, right. My third and final item is one of the. I, I well, if you found one, then let me know. But at the moment, it's the only model of an A wing I can find in the in the the vintage world. So hopefully, you guys can prove me wrong. And I didn't know when I, until I started looking at this. I thought there was only a singular MPC kit. With an A-wing, there was there was a set of four, and one of them was the A-wing, and then they released those four into a multi-box. Which I mean, have, have you ever seen the multi-box guys? I've never ever seen that before. No, I've never heard of them. I know because I was, I was trying to find out whether it, it came out slightly later because I know Airfix was bought by General Mills. Um, I think just after 1981 when they went uh, bankrupt, so that became part of um, Palatoy, obviously. And then that got released under the MPC under Airfix and then got it re-released again under Airfix again. It kind of like got re-released a couple of times. And I, I'd assume they had a bunch left over, stuck into a box of four and then re-released them. Yeah, I, I, I mean, that is I, I couldn't find it on the SWCA, but I could find it in on various websites. There's a really good little uh, website called BritModeler.com. And it actually mentions this, but I couldn't find it anywhere else. So yeah, it was a it was a bit of a Google search doing the rounds there. Yeah, I, w- I wouldn't mind picking up one of these these ones. I mean, I'm always looking for stuff like this, but they all seem to be stupidly priced. You know, sixty quid or something. It's like oh, it's a bit too much. So uh, that's one of the things that, that, that is on my list to try and find some of these NPC snap snap kits when we get over to uh, to celebration. You, you ever have these ones, guys, at all? Or did it never come into your radar? Nah, I couldn't. I couldn't uh, build kits on that as a kid. I was too ham-fisted. I would have smashed them to pieces just as soon as I touched them. Um, I never noticed the painting pots inside of it. Like um, certainly none of the model kits I have have any paint pots inside. I don't think they're too gluey, are they? I think they're, they're. I think there's a lot of snap. Aren't they sort of snappy ones, or am I thinking of something else? No, yeah, they, they are snappy, but yeah, they, yeah, they're snap fix. So you don't. So they usually got these. I got that. that yeah, I remember doing a. A couple of model airplanes and then just losing the will to live when it looked like a, a model airplane covered in lots of glue. So he just kind of stepped there and he's like, right, you know what? I think I've had enough of this and I will give up <laughs> on trying to make models like you, two hand fisted for models. I'd rather draw one. But these ones, this pack of four that you mentioned, it has the little paint pots inside. So I've, um, I've never I, seen that on other kits. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think it had three colours, so I don't think it had lots. It had a little brush, three little pots, 
and then yeah so i mean i don't i mean there's, there's no glue in it involved so yeah you can just you know go to your heart's content so there was um it was an x-wing fighter tie interceptor a-wing fighter and the b-wing fighter so you got a whole little fleet there uh, which is pretty cool but yeah never never seen the 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 the, the box set but only ever and, and it, it looks like they they got released a bit later on as well so uh you know they got they got repackaged and uh re-released in in bandai so that's crazy isn't it what a wonderful little set i said again i've never seen one of those if anyone has got one has made them up has those made again send us pictures because i always like seeing kits made up i'm not i'm not a massive fan unless the box has been sealed and still sealed I'm not a massive fan of seeing kits kept in those kit forms. It just looks like, I don't know, missed opportunity. Very, very sad, very sad days. I think every kit should be legally have to be made up. There we go. Right. That was nice and quick. But let's see what you guys have found. Now, Stu, you've been wibbling about uh, finding there's tons of A-Wing stuff, apparently. Let me know what you found. Right. First of all, let, let's just correct that. <laughs> I said I found a few bits and pieces. <laughs> Of print stuff, but I'm really, really disappointed that I couldn't find. Uh, I think apart from the model kit, everything's just print. Oh, I'm desperate for us to do something where there's something exciting, you know, <laughs> to to really find. I, I think yeah, yeah, a couple of print things. Um, I found that a lot of it is is associated with the droids cartoon. You've got the droids coloring book actually has an A-wing on the front cover. I'm sure you came across that and that is one thing i do have an image of onto your desktop studio and then drag it in yeah it's gonna have to be um one second i'm so sexy so you do have the the coloring book nice um, with the red cover you see him in in the little left shoulder of, of c3po great little thing now he also appears this this is probably the most exciting thing i found um he appears on some droids wallpaper. Do you see where C3PO is? It should be up high there. It's quite that's the only image I could find online and which I was a bit disappointed about. There's um, something quite odd about that artwork that um you know you've got the droids cartoon style and they've totally ignored that and gone with a different drawing of C3PO and R2D2. Yeah, when the Star Wars droids logo on it's like, oh well we just ignore all that artwork and do our own artwork. There's a there's a great book by Random House um, called Droids. It's the Adventures of R2 and C3PO, and it's kind of got like R2 inside like a control room, and C3PO is in a very camp position, floating around in space <laughs> with an A-wing next to him. And the only other thing I could find, Pete, maybe a bit more up your street, this is the cover for the old Spectrum and Amstrad game. <laughs> the cover. Um, that game is. Let's just say it was awful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But a host, a host of A-wings on the cover. Well, it is. Yeah. But again, this this A-wing fascination. I said it was a brilliant ship, lovely design, looked great in space. They've kind of made it a bit bigger than it actually was in the in the cartoon. I think they're walking around inside it, aren't they? But it seems to be that, that it was adopted after Return of the Jedi. I mean, I mean, you know, I'm not saying it was it was around before that, but uh, you know, it, it was taken off. Like, oh, that's a good design. Oh, I don't mind that. Um, but yet they didn't go with like an X-wing or anything, or or other ships are available. They went with this A-wing, and but yet it very rarely gets mentioned. It's only you know it's as we've already talked about um, as a toy. It was at the end of the lines, 
you know, in the droids range, and that was it, kind of like an afterthought. But yet, it's it has appeared all throughout the new Star Wars. I mean, especially Rebels uh, relaunched the A-wing as this wonderful ship that that has been been used all over the place. It's just missed opportunity, I think, and a bit of a shame that we didn't get more stuff. Rich, what have you found? Oh, I think it's good stuff, Stu. To be fair, heading up hard. I didn't want to go down the droids route though because I thought it was too easy to do that. So I've stuck. Oh, I'm gonna put the images in the text chat now. That's just like, oh, he's done that. So I'm just gonna take a stab at him here. It's just, it's just so miserable and just nasty. So the first thing I'm gonna load up there is part of what you uh, were talking about before, Pete, with the model kit. But yeah. uh, the advert. Now normally I wouldn't post an advert, but this this advert is absolutely great. Uh, it's a cracking little advert, that, so, um, is that loaded up now? So this is Yeah, I think, the, I think there's quite a few, isn't there? There's quite a few adverts to the NPC kits, which yeah. are really cool. So th- this one's an NPC kit advert that says, Build this Star Wars squadron and let your imagination fly. Now, it's interesting that it has the Imperial Shuttle, the B-Wing, the TIE Interceptor, the A-Wing, all flying in space with a space background, and then they've added the speeder bike in as well, with a biker scout on it. So, uh, yeah, that's that's some squadron, that. And then the second thing that I've got, this one we've talked about before on the show, uh, Scout Walker Command Tower with speeder bike rides. So, uh, we've discussed it before, so there's a little tower with the speeder bike underneath, and there was an A-Wing in the background on that. So I tell you what, if you're, if you're like a focus collector of A-Wing items, that is a hell of a thing to get for that little image to put in your your focus collection isn't it oh yeah i've had to buy a massive great big command tower because it happens to have a picture of an a-wing on it so yeah you, you have to have one if you're a focus collector i'm afraid that's the law that's a great spot on that rich i'm not going to be bitter like you and just be <laughs> spiteful it's a great spot yeah well done mate but it was tough finding i mean you know that if you look at b-wing you see b-wing everywhere you see x-wing everywhere but the a-wing was much tougher uh, but you're right, though, it's available on a lot of printed items, but I certainly couldn't find anything that was 3D, not, nothing at all, no models. Um, no, nothing. Just oddball generally, isn't it? It's not It's not on stationery, it's not on, like, um, offers, on, like, like, food. It's just It just doesn't appear on anything that's mega cool. But um, It's incredible, really. Like I said, it's, it's, it's part of Star Wars folklore, but, yeah. It got generally ignored. I wonder if they did a focus test or they just went, ah, just can't be bothered. X ones are cool, Tie fires are cool, Main Fog was cool. You know, I mean, even the even the rather you know rather dull looking B wing gets more time than this thing. It's just quite incredible, really. But there we go. Um, you'd have thought maybe they, they, they'd even got a uh, little die cast up there, but no, absolutely nothing. I'm absolutely staggered. I think it's actually been more of an adventure finding the stuff they didn't do on this one because, you know, you think, oh, you know, surely, surely A-Wing would have had models or or even bootlegs, anything. Just, But, yeah, one solitary kit. So I'd, I'd love to know if anyone's got anything else out there that we missed or pre-production or... I don't know. There must be something more we, we, that, that we've we've uh, we can't find. There's got to be. I don't want to believe that they've ignored such a beautiful craft. But there we go. Well, guys, I think it was a, a pretty good effort considering. So uh, thank you very much. We'll see you next month. Bye. And now the top five priced A-wing ships according to StarWarsTracker.com. 
Episode 9 will feature further ships in the Wing series, the T-Wing, the S-Wing and the E-Wing, known on the set as the J-R-E-Wing. It's the cheapest loose A-Wing for £89.50 in 2015. At 4, Ralph McQuarrie's initial designs had blue stripes on the A-Wing, but blue screen limitations resulted in a reddish colour, much like the pink Star Destroyers which had to be changed to grey. It's a loose A-Wing complete for £286 in 2017. At 3, Prince Harry was famously pictured in an A-Wing fighter on set of The Last Jedi. His grandfather's notoriously bad driving skills inspired the A-Wing crashing into the Executor. It's a complete unsealed for £560 in March 2017. Straight in at 2, General Dondana is credited with devising the A-Wing Starfighter. He also invented the Milkshake, Candy Floss and Richard Hutchinson's Short Shorts. It's a mint and seal box for £694. Straight in at 1, the A-Wing pilot from The Last Jedi, Tally Lintra, hailed from the planet Pipip 3, the most ridiculous named planet since Pipip 2. It's the highest paid price for a mint and seal box, £749 in 2017. See you guys next time on the StarWarsTracker.com Top 5. Right, now I want to welcome back Jared Cope for this month's Rapid Fire. Your favourite Star Wars movie? Uh, I think it's got to be Jedi. Favourite Star Wars scene? Ooh, I think it's um, Return of the Jedi when Darth eventually chooses Luke over the Emperor and throws him off into the, the blue stuff. Your favourite on-screen character? Uh, it's got to be Luke. Do you prefer the Disney era movies or the prequels? Um, I think I'd go with Disney. And if you could meet one cast or crew member, what would it be? Or who would it be even? Yeah, uh, Mark Hamill. And your favourite on-screen costume? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, I think probably just um, original Leia in Star Wars. Just the, um, the white yeah, iconic gown and stuff he, she goes around in. Yeah. What's your favourite on-screen piece of music? Um, probably from Empire when they're going through the asteroid belt. Yeah, great piece of music. What was your favourite figure as a child? Uh, Luke Jedi. And your favourite figure now? I think it is still Luke Jedi. Nice. And which figure do you wish they'd made in the line? Um, this might be controversial, but I really wish they did a Ben as a ghost, as a false ghost. Yeah, yeah, another interesting one. Uh, what's your favourite vehicle or playset? Um, probably the cardboard Death Star. Yeah, good choice. And which vehicle or playset do you wish they'd made? Um, that's a good one. I would have liked to have seen something with um, a Bantha, so like a Bantha yeah. playset that yeah, sand people could have read. Definitely. And what's your favourite card back image? Card back image. Um, I think it's got to be um, Luke Farm Boy when he's drifting off and you know staring into the sunset. Yeah. What is your favourite book? Could be collecting or novel. Um, I I really liked the Timothy Zane trilogy of books that came out. You know, after in the nineties, that kind of got me back into collecting. Yeah. Outside of Star Wars Tracker, what's your favourite Star Wars website? <laughs> um, I think probably probably the archive, Star Wars archive. Yeah. So obviously we've already spoken today about uh, your hunting tracker earlier in the podcast. What would be your 
your recommended buying platform? Oh, well, um, the shorter answer is eBay. Um, the longer answer is it depends on uh, where the market is, really. So Facebook used to be a good place to buy, um, but that's sort of drifted off to become quite expensive compared to eBay, in my opinion now. So, so at the moment, it's eBay. That's where I go to look for stuff. Yeah. Uh, what was the last vintage item you purchased? Last item I purchased was a Luke Farmboy. Um, I think it was off one of the Facebook auction groups. And um, just to have an example, it's a pretty bad figure, actually. It's been degraded, but it's got um, some interesting colour degradation on the hands and face. So it's got like a, a really yellow tinge to places that shouldn't have it. So I just want an example of a figure that's you know degraded you know, beyond repair, just for comparison. Yeah, interesting. And finally, what is your holy grail item? Uh, if I'm allowed to have three, it would be a, a trilogy of the DT figures. Oh, nice. Yeah, Jared, thank you so much. That was mega smooth. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm liking that a lot. <laughs> thank you so much. Yeah, that's all right. Jared, you scored four out of ten. Well done. <laughs> Okay, boys, we're back with Going for Gold Leader. Gold Leader. Pete and Rich, Steve Savory, you've all, you've all won one. Jez has yet to get on the board. But I've got faith in him. Remember, boys, say stop. <laughs> We're listening back to last month's. We uh, still couldn't quite manage that. I think I bought it up three times and Pete every time. Then went, Pete, Pete. I think he went, Pete, Pete. Pete. Boys, it's worth jumping in. If you ever watch Going for Gold, jump in and have a guess at anything. It really doesn't matter. Okay. So everyone on mute because we're going to the first clue for the month. Okay. My original RRP was ten dollars ninety-nine. Stop! Stop! Okay, Richard. What? No, you oh. kidding me? Oh, you are kidding me! Delay. Yeah, you had no way. Um, tie fighter. No, Pete. Speedy bike. No, Jez. You are absolutely. I'm. I'm, I'm incensed, Skywalker. No. But <laughs> that was a much better idea, you lot. Okay, clue two. Stop. I was. Yeah, gone in. No, just testing the delay because there was there a was genuine no delay there. There was <laughs> no delay there, and you <laughs> said stop. So can you have your guess for the second clue? You can't have a conversation and say stop because like you're in a conversation, you sausage. Imperial troop transport. That is incorrect, Jez. You are frozen out until the next clue. Okay. <laughs> the other two, you can hear the whole clue now. I was released solely on ESB packaging. Stop. The only. Pete. Hoth Wampa. Hoth Wampa is incorrect. Uh, Rich, you can hear the whole clue. I was released solely on ESB packaging, the only item to hold this distinction in my, my range. Ooh. No? Stop. Torn, torn. No. No. <laughs> okay. Really? At that price? Cool. Clue three. 
I was released solely in 1980. Stop. Jez? Dig of a playset. Nope. Okay, moving on. Clue four. I Stop. came. Jez? Um, the Hoff. Hoff playset? Hoff playset? No, that's incorrect. You're frozen out for this clue. Okay. I come with a... I come with a DLT 20A blaster rifle. Moving on. <laughs> what? Oh. Clue five. Stop. <laughs> yes, yes. IG88. What do you mean? Oh. I... Wait there, wait there. 12, 12 inch IG88. That is correct, Jez. Well done, mate. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> as, soon as, you, as soon as you said that blaster, I was like, oh no, Rich is going to get this. No offence, Pete. But I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah, the last three clues were I have articulated heads, arms, wrists and hips. I stand 15 inches tall and I yes. come with four hard plastic red cartridges, which are easily lost. Jez, it's, do you know what? It's a very even Stevens um, quiz game. Everyone has one point. I like your tactic, though. Just say stop. Just just say stop. <laughs> has oh, Jez yeah. gone disco on us? Oh, do you know what? Jez has won the quiz today, and he's gold leader, so in your face. Hey, can you imagine Jez in the disco? Those yellow lights would make his head just glow. <laughs> Especially if he's got his shirt on button a little bit. Didn't we, have, uh, didn't we have Jez in a disco at the last Celebration London? I'm sure we got some footage of him looking very blue or something. Yeah, you're right, oh, yeah. yeah. That was the yeah. um, night of meeting Ray Park. Um, yeah, and that was the first time we did a video. for. We did. Yeah. Wasn't that the £75 round of drinks as well? It wasn't, no, wasn't cheap. No, there, that was, was it? a different night, was it? No, it was expensive in there. It was nice. I think that was when I sat at a keyboard and pretended to uh, to play a tune. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, That's memories, nice. boys, memories, yeah. Can't wait for um, Chicago. <laughs> no. Let's go over to feedback. Rich, feedback for 56. Yeah, so over on Stories from UK, we've got uh, messages from Ian Palafan. Does anyone know what Ian's surname is? We'll always we'll call him Ian Palafan. Um, so Ian Palafan and both Andy Norton really enjoyed Dan's interview. Uh, we've had a lot of positive feedback on Dan's interview, so, so that was great to hear. Um, Andy has put a message underneath there. On which note, how about a new final question for interviewees? Your collection is about to be destroyed by under fives. Which one piece do you keep? <laughs> that's, yeah, that's a fair shout, that one, Andy. Um, he's also put on there, I'm surprised someone as old as Jez was puzzled over 14 years for the length of a patent. Does he also worry about other pre-decimal amounts, such as £14 in a store and 12 days of Christmas? Yeah, fair point. Perhaps we are thinking too much of uh, decimal numbers at the moment, Andy. It's uh, a good one there. Uh, Galaz, interesting Stuart, I think mentioned the Dutch adverts with the Vancourt on, and I've got the full set of these adverts and love them. I would love to see that, and he has posted a pic- picture of them um, in the Vintage Star Wars paper and instructions Facebook group if anyone wants to take a look, so we'll surely be checking that out. Jason Langdorfer with an interesting bit of trivia here. Speaking of the Vancorn Keeper, his voice, aka the crying, was vocalised by none other than Ernie Fossilius. Ernie Fossilius, the creator of the greatest Star Wars parody, Hardware Wars. So, never knew that. Great shout there, Jason Langendorfer. Uh, over on Facebook, we've got uh, quite a lot of feedback on Facebook. Lots of people saying, you know, they're really excited about the new show. Perhaps a lot of people are still plodding through the episode. Uh, but Jeff Camp had uh, spotted underneath the Han Solo that Steve Sage posted. 
Glad that that piece, the 12-day hand solo, ended up in good hands. By the way, it was recently outed when Mark Yeo published his 12-back matrix on the 12-back group that all 12 are now known and confirmed to exist on 12 days. So I think we said last episode that there was rumours of a stormtrooper, but nobody had seen one, and possibly was it the Tuscan Raider and the Descor Commander as well. But now all 12 of them have been found, so uh, focus collectors, happy hunting. So Stu, if anybody has any feedback um, for us, well, the best places to leave them. Uh, yep, yeah, you can contact us or find us even on Facebook at The Vintage Rebellion. Just, just look for The Vintage Rebellion. On Twitter at SWTVR Podcast. On Instagram, again, by searching The Vintage Rebellion or email us at SWTVRPodcast at gmail.com. Obviously, all our shows are, as usual, still available all the way back to number one on iTunes or find them directly at swtvrpodcast.podbean.com. Jez, your last, your last show from Afghanistan. We're going to be back in Britain as of next month. So that is great, great news. And you've got a bit of uh, a bit of news. The next Star Wars standalone you're starring, it's going to be called The Rogue Tan. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so something to look forward to there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, mate, I... I... I cannot wait. You know what? In um, oh, let me think now. In just over two days, my replacement's gonna fly out here, which is which is awesome. And we've got a two-week handover, and then I fly home. So two and a weeks, uh, two and a weeks. I'm tired. Two and a half weeks, I'll be flying home. So uh, yeah, back in time to do all my chilling out, and then off to Chicago. I cannot wait. No, it's gonna be good, mate. It's gonna be good. Yeah, look forward to having you home. Just say some thank yous for this month's show. Jared Cope, Mark Daniels and Ron Salvatore. Thank you all so, so much for uh, taking your time to speak with us this month. Always appreciated. Um, Lads, February show, 57. It feels only yesterday we were recording episode 50 and we're already on 57. But for this month, it is goodbye from Rich. Later, guys. It is goodbye from Jez. Cheers, lads. See you next time. Jez, if you had Gizmo, every time he saw your face, he'd go, bright light, bright light. Um, <laughs> and, and it is goodbye from Pete. Uh, uh, bye. And it is good night from me. And remember. Only you can decide with Star Wars toys. This podcast is not endorsed by Disney, Lucasfilm Limited, 20th Century Fox, or anybody who cares about the Star Wars franchise. It is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. The official Star Wars website can be found at www.starwars.com. All names and sounds of Star Wars are registered trademarks of Lucasfilm Limited and other associated copyright holders. All of the original content of this podcast are the intellectual property rights of the Vintage Rebellion. If you enjoyed this podcast, then feel free to email swtvrpodcast at gmail.com. If you don't enjoy this podcast, tough. Are Star Wars products going to have the durability of, say, that old favourite, the teddy bear? Breaking news, Rich. I've just found an envelope in my room, and uh, my Watto on a Episode 1 card has arrived. Um, amazing. I thought you were going to say the 12-inch will be one lightsaber there. No, rested in bloody what was. <laughs>
What is brilliant? Okay. Um, Have Robert you Morris not been interested in Watto, Rich? You call yourself a Star Wars fan. It's one of my all-time favourite figures from Episode One. Uh, pre-production keeps us motivated. Um, Rich, um, I don't know what to say to you actually because there's nothing in my notes. So, uh, let me think. Um, uh, pre-production keeps us motivated, Rich. <laughs> 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 I've got nothing. Just <laughs> drops one I did. Where is he then? How long does it take to have a wee? I know he's a. There he is. He's got to put the tweezers he's got, he's got bladder problems, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> it's got into his bag. Yeah. The problem is when he goes for a wee and he's got orange on his hands all the time. Touches <sighs> things. It gets over his clothes. How the hell is this? What genuinely? Where's this orange suntan thing going? <laughs> <laughs> it's a fantasy. You should maybe do um some fake tan samples for swag. <laughs> oh, <laughs> sorry. Man. I've not seen the sun in ages. I've not seen the sun in ages because um yeah, as you now know, I'm doing fourteen hour days pretty much every day. So it's dark when I leave and dark when I get home. Exactly. Hurrah. That's why it's even stranger when you look like a. Like the tango man. I didn't. Did I, did I look tan? Julie did say. Julie did say when I got back, you caught the sun. But that's because you know I, I end up outside doing quite a lot of stuff during the day and um, stuff which I won't talk about. So, uh, but it was a squally tan. You didn't see me with my clothes off. <laughs> so uh, yeah. you should maybe just get some sachets and just do something like um, tan solo. Giveaways Tan or something. Solo. Mm, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tan Solo would be awesome. It would, wouldn't it? Yeah. Brilliant. That's all I've got. I can't think of another one. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting there. I, was I went a, a Manitan. <laughs> oh, that is good. Oh, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Burn. Yeah. C3P Orange. James Sunburns. <laughs> uh, no. Oh. <laughs> Oh, that's going to be a good one tonight. <laughs> no. We've we've done most of it. <laughs> have you? What have you done? Uh, we've done Pete's and we've done Rebel Briefings apart from the prop store. Oh, right. That's the only bit of Rebel Briefings I've not prepped for because uh, I didn't have a link for it and I haven't got that book. So that's a shame. Carry on. I'll be quiet. I'll have a drink. Obi Tan Kenobi. He's <laughs> great for the bomb. There. Oh dear me, I desperately try to do this something. Yeah, but where? R two D Tan. <laughs> Jan Tosh. No, Tan Josh. <laughs> no. Oh, Tank dear. and Raider. Sorry, <coughs> oh, me. Oh, I got. I got the black lung, pop really dusty and smoky tonight so I get the black lung Darth Faded Tan very poor <laughs> I'm glad you're uh, yeah I'm glad you're marking your own homework there Pete yeah very poor <laughs> come on that's good what are we doing what are we doing still with this stuff yeah I want, I want my tea Okay. What are we doing, Rich? Let's finish get on with it. You, not me. Hello, Rich. Hello, Rich. Warristan? 
Very, very poor. Oh, no, you've done that one. Come on, let's go on with it. Oh, dearie me. Rich, right. just kick on. Um, yeah, sorry, Rich. It's not me, no, it's I've you. I've had enough. I've had enough. I'm leaving you guys. I'm going just off to Tentative 11. Oh, very poor. Very, very poor. <laughs> that's really good. That's the best one. <laughs> oh, dearie me. Is your favourite sports person, Tanny Gray? <laughs> Tell me when it. You should move to Tanworth. This is going to get as good as the ducks, isn't it? I can see that why Richard's getting so annoyed. At least the ducks is a real thing. I actually had a tan. Go. I'm back to my normal off lily white colour now, then. So I've I've gone from apple white back down to lily white. It's all right. I'm, I'm back to looking really, really pale. All know, right, kind of getting settled down. Very good. Ooh. <laughs> And easy. You notice when it's on feedback and it's just like kind of like buy from Jez, there's no bloody delay there. So no. how how is it just a delay when the quiz is right. on? I, if, I just... No, yeah, if you funny, play that gen, right? Pucker gen. If you play that back, right? If you play that back, I was the first, let alone second or third. Third, I was first. You all kind of said stop at the same time, though, so it was kind of, to me, listening, it all kind of hit me at once, so... No, so it was a guess. What's he moaning about? He won. And you said stop, and I answered you straight away every time after that, Jez, which proves it wasn't a delay. No, there was... No, maybe there wasn't a delay. Maybe you just got it wrong. Oh, that's controversial. (laughs) Is that him starting on minus one next week? Probably. He's probably got his phone upside down, though, and so he's uh, talking into the earpiece. Oh, that's, that's what the delay is. What's he moaning about? He won. <laughs> yeah, I, did, just... I, I didn't. Moan. I'm not moaning. It was just brought up again. 